many, like just about everybody. But she sure don't like Mexicans. So when you tell me many went to the north side to visit her mama, well, I find that highly unlikely. But okay, maybe. But when you tell me many mink took the haberdashery, the most precious thing to her in the whole world, and left it in the hands of a goddamn Mexican? Well, that's what I meant in the barn when I said that sure like Now, I am talking to you a liar, Senor Bob. And if you lie, which you are, then you kill many. For anybody who's looking for, who's like, where's Megan? Where's, uh, where's, where's, where's Georgia? We haven't had this giant falling out and we're not like <laughs> it's not like i'm like you know a child in a divorce i'm getting passed from one parent to the next <laughs> so which week it is it's just uh you guys both have uh well the, the girls and you are in two different musicals and they yeah. just rehearse at different times yep and as a result we kind of had to go look for a couple of months it's going to be one or the other it just seems like it's happening in batches like we're getting a bunch of liam episodes and then yeah. we get a bunch of the girl episodes so week, yeah it's kind of the way yeah that's going to be so uh such is, but uh, I'll promise you, dulcet Canadian tones <laughs> always will always remain. So Absolutely. Uh, so we're here today to do episode number one ninety three. Wow! I think I kept calling last week's one ninety three. Did you? I think so. I did. I'd never pick up on that. <laughs> I'll just give I? myself a little. <laughs> one minute and twelve seconds in, and I'm calling a mistake on myself. Look at this. Yeah, I think I kept doing it. So one ninety three this week for oh, okay, cool. the hateful. Eight. And last week, uh, the, the, should have been 192, was True Romance. So if you haven't seen that, go see 192 Romance. <laughs> cool. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> As you see fit. Uh, I'll tell you what. what's also a True Romance, Liam. Yeah, what's that? And that's how I feel about our Patreon backers, our hey, friends of the podcast. Because yeah. they're so cool. I'm talking about Julene. All right. Hermes. Cool. Lena Oberholzer. I hear you. Ensity and Davies. All right. Chris Peterson. Come on. Randall, what's your handle? Silva. Ooh. Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. The Yeatmeister. Hell yeah. Reverend Bruce. Yeah. James the Guzman. <laughs> All right. Nate the Great. Put your ears on. Andy Dixon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quietly lurking somewhere, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Holly Callen. Woo. Cheesy. Oh, well, with a fish on a bike. Our our resident curmudgeon. Uh, a cute Ryan Kuket. No, that's no. Richard. No, Richard. <laughs> Damn it. Cool, I, I stumbled a little bit on the last bit. The cool cat himself. <laughs> Ryan Kuket. Dirk, but his friends call him. Diggler. The shy guy, shy burger friend. Shy guy, shy guy. Stu from the Stu World Order <laughs> podcast. And Norfolk Domus. Hey, Domus. He tells you that he, he likes the names. So oh, I'm totally yeah, using yeah, it. Yeah, so there yeah, we yeah. go. That's cool. Uh, sent us a, uh, he sent us a picture in the uh, group chat. So one of the perks you get in being a part of the Patreon for Mr. throw us in there is we have a uh, twitter-based group chat and yeah, do, uh, yeah. you know when 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 ethan and, and uh, norfolk domus aren't spamming it with video game nonsense then like i don't know how you feel about it like i'm sitting there going if i if i can't relate to what they're saying god knows what you're feeling oh dude i just i, I never know what because i chirp in sometimes because um i see something just pop up and uh, i go oh i'll tell you what i like about dom and it's that he's he's actually like 
bringing forward just like questions to discuss. He's like, nice. what's your theory on this? And I'm like, oh, it's <laughs> good questions. So I do hope at some point we try, we can do one of these um, sort of off book things. They even got a branding idea for it. We got a name for it. Nice. But one of these things where we can invite the patrons and us and we're just going to chat and we're just going to see kind of where the conversation takes so us. A bit like no off for, script. But like off script, but, but, with, yeah, but yeah. with their input. Nice. So it could go completely off the rails. <laughs> the only thing I will say is that if I, try and, be on in the if I try and bring us back around, just join me on that journey. Yeah, that's yeah, all yeah, I'm going to yeah. say to everybody. But yeah, so that's uh, great there. So if you want to... Have you had a haircut? No. Oh, that looks different. <laughs> no, no. I, I, it's still... Uh, it's still. I don't know what it is. It's... I don't know. Oh, okay. I guess it, it gets for a certain length, and then all of a sudden, it just starts behaving in a different yeah, way. Yeah, it's starting to behave a little bit better. And, and it goes oh, better. It depends on what it is and how long it's been, if it goes curls or if it does whatever it is. Today, yeah. it's decided it's going to sort of adhere to straightness a little bit. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I just jumped in there. <laughs> no, that's all right. But if you want to jump into the Patreon pool and know how you can keep the lights on here at the Studio of Awesomeness and keep that sweet, sweet BFE content coming from the microphone to your ears, please consider joining the Patreon. You can get in the door for as little as three British pounds. It's less than four US dollars and about five bucks Canadian. Other currencies are available. Nice. I'm and, not going to ask you any. No, don't it's do fine. That. It's there fine. It's <laughs> fine. I thought I'd throw you off key a little bit. And as part of that, uh, Ethan's got a hold of me. I believe Ethan sent out the Patreon gifts. I believe oh, they're on lovely. their way. So hey. if you are a best friend or a BFF of the BFE, there is stuff heading to your door. Nice. Ding dong. It's the BFE. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually not us. It's going to be Amazon. Oh, I'm going to have to sign up for this so I can get some of the merch. I just <laughs> tell Ethan, like, just start buying like a couple extra versions of everything that we do. Yeah. Because it'd be nice to have some of this yeah, stuff. Absolutely. So, the, the, the irony is that, the, is that the patrons are going to have this lovely <laughs> yeah. sort of time capsule. And we're like, oh, um. <laughs> oh. So I did make sure we got you the uh, bottle opener, which Ethan tried his best to ruin for everybody. He and did, didn't he? And you oh. told him several times. Don't say anything. This is uh, like, the guy must be brutal when it comes <laughs> to birthday presents he must be he must be he can't help himself tell you what he's he's good with a surprise when it's time to call off i'm like i didn't see that coming <laughs> <laughs> ethan will be joining us next week i look forward to having him back hey yeah uh, so i'm not here i'm no you're not here <laughs> We we're that dysfunctional we can't all make it on the same no page. that's nightmare you know what i would never do it, 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 it's nice who, who you get you don't know well, you know one voice that's about it <laughs> um uh, uh, one more time a uh, birthday 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 a uh, woo 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 Ooh. to reverend brew roo roos it's a car charge <laughs> happy birthday, Reverend Bruce. Yeah, happy birthday, dude. Uh, we should mention we'll be joined later in the program. We're looking very much forward to it by Julene, yeah, who has brought nice. us this week's episode. So it's her choice as one of our perks of being. So go ahead, check out the Patreon one more time. That's patreon.com slash BFE. You can see all the available options. But towards the upper tiers, we're talking about uh, this. Choose a film. Come join us for the end game. Shoot your shot. Yeah, yep. come and join us. Speak to us. Live. Speak to us. Well, live on tape. Live well, on Well, that was, that was live on digital. Well, they'll speak to us live, live. Though, live, live for them. For yes. them, yeah. But for the, for audience, the audience, no. no. No, so stop trying to tweet in, guys. I'm not seeing <laughs> so there. Can I just we, say something about my draft? Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm literally about to hit there in a oh, second. Oh, really? But, yeah. Jeez. Okay. okay. Uh, but first, we have to do some reflections. And corrections. Great. So you always ask me. It's the first question you ask me every time you come in, come in the house. Yep. So how'd, insert last episode, X minus one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd X minus one do? How did True Romance do? Well, it depends what you mean. So like, if, if you mean like how to do numbers wise. Well, I'm thinking it's, okay. it's a, well, yeah, I didn't expect to do great numbers only because that's a cult movie. It is more. a cult movie. Like that's one I did not know about. It yeah. just, I just knew that it was one that Tarantino did. But being a 
being Tarantino where he is now and the hype that Tarantino has, I didn't know if that elevated it a bit more. I think it's done... It's interesting because we really haven't had a chance to sort of prove where where, where the floor is for a while. <laughs> so those films were like, oh, God. Um, <laughs> you know, you could argue... I'm not being mean here. You could argue there's films that are just... It's going to be very niche. A serendipity. I love that film. I know you do. Yeah. But as far as the public consciousness... Floor. Yes. Spice yes. World. Yes. Floor. Yes, yes, yes. These are things that people who are not like into film podcasts might not t- take things that are romantic because they tend to skew boy heavy, as mm-hmm. we talked about, mm-hmm. or one that just wasn't on the public radar, whichever version, or it's not considered, you know, in the case of Spice World especially, you know, film film snobs might go, oh, why are you doing that? <laughs> which I would totally do if it wasn't my podcast doing it. <laughs> and so that lets us know what our floor is, which is actually kind of an interesting fantasy football sort of term, but that floor, what's the bottom? What's our base number yep. that any any episode is going to put out yep the problem is i don't know what that is anymore oh because okay. it's been a while yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so are I, you saying this is another one that's kind of i think the tarantino factor prevents it from being floor okay, okay. because of what you said like mm-hmm. there's people who love this film love this film mm-hmm. and there's enough of a segment and it does skew boy heavy yep yeah uh for instance then you get like the big high profile films this is close Ooh. Where you start to look at, well, where's your ceiling? Yep, yep. Not, not you know, the, the curtain, you know, everything aligns and someone retweets you and all of a sudden it ends up somewhere. Like, there's days where I'm like, well, I didn't save him Private Ryan. Just grabbed 45 episodes, uh, downloads last night. <laughs> I don't know. It's been like, you know, two and a half months. Why yeah. has it got 45 downloads overnight? Yeah, yeah. What, oh, I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> am, I, am I being brought in to be fired because of some comment I've made? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but that's yeah funny. so it's those things you know i like where, how you go to the worst thing ever oh I, that's what i do <laughs> you don't think all oh, positive no you go no. no i'm like how how have i screwed something up here <laughs> what did i let get by because i do very little editing as we've yeah, said yeah, if I, I just write it down. um so uh so as a result numbers are okay numbers are okay they're about in line with what we did the previous week which was what did we do the previous week previous week i believe it, we did uh, Eternal Sunshine. Oh, that's right. Mind. I knew it was Hermes. Eternal Sunshine Spotless Mind, which again, it's kind of niche but yep. it's got a certain cinephile appeal to it. Yep. So yep. I think this will do better than that, numbers-wise. Now, yeah. how do I feel about how the episode went in general? I'll tell you this, a two-way conversation is so much easier Isn't than it? a five-way conversation. Because <laughs> in a five-way, I mean, I got so... Uh, people are getting more talk time, which is great. But I'm doing a lot more work trying to figure out, okay, where are we going? Where do we have to go? Who do yeah. we have to set up? That person's spoken a while. Let's throw it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, can, I can sit here and watch you work. That's amazing. Oh, these things are... Dude, I don't know how so you a do conversation it. like this is so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not me making a pitch to throw anybody off the pod. Far, far from it. No, but, no, um, no, no, no. It's why... Um, no, but it is something that I, that I enjoy. And it's a different dynamic. And for me, when it's two of us, I can take out... It's almost like taking the... The, the week off to a degree oh, okay. so uh nice. there we go so that's my thought uh but i'll tell you someone whose thoughts we didn't get to hear from last week and i'm trying to remedy that a bit and it's not uh it's not anything that i've i've already got a touchdown update so there we go uh that's right <laughs> uh, let's take a look at uh some information uh dwayne smith dwayne smith got a hold of me and said hey i i, I watched the movie and i forgot to send my thoughts in. oh okay and i was like send me the, send me the notes fine, i'll yeah. talk about it yeah so here we go I remember seeing this for the first time in the late 90s. I watched it on TV with my then-girlfriend, having never heard of it and knowing nothing about it. It totally blew me away. 
Having already seen Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction by that point, it cemented my Tarantino fandom. The film has Tarantino's fingerprints all over it. It's such it's the slick writing, as you'd expect. The dialogue's fantastic. There's action throughout with some heavy violence thrown in. I love the tone of the film. Always hopeful. Clarence and Alabama are chancers seized an opportunity, always confident it will work no matter how many things go wrong. The cast is unbelievable. Christian Slater, perfect to play Clarence, his natural energy and confidence, making Clarence likable and a character you root for. Patricia Arquette is perfect too, sweet, but with so much heart, as James Gandolfini says. <laughs> Those scenes are so brutal, especially intercut with the Clarence scenes, but she plays it so well, as does Gandolfini, who gives us a glimpse of his Tony Soprano here. I think these are Slater and Arquette's best ever roles. I don't want to just list all the actors, but you have to give an honorable mention to Gary Oldman, who's mm. unrecognizable as Drexel. So many big names appear for one or two scenes. All are brilliant, but Oldman is sublime. Another Tarantino touch, I suspect, is the music, which is fantastic. Actually, as we said, Tony Scott ignored all but one musical cue. <laughs> he did, did he? Uh, that man, Hans Zimmer again. Oh, I adore You're So Cool, which is present throughout. The climax is so good, and again, so Tarantino. Everyone arriving at the same place for a massive shootout, with only our heroes surviving. And, of course, they named their son Elvis. I love this film. Thank <laughs> you for giving me a reason to watch it again. Oh, no worries. And so I got a hold of him and said, okay, give me a score. Because usually, if they forget to put a score, and I'm like, well, yeah, no, no, no. We've already sort of put it in the dust. But if someone specially watched it, and folks... I'm putting this out in the universe here. Use your honor system. Yes, okay. Please. If you're a patron, you should use the honor system here. But if you miss it and give and you want to give it feedback and a score, and if you purposely rewatched it for that, then I've got no problem. You made that extra effort. I will include your score. As it turns out, he said nine. So wow. that was the average anyway. That so, was, wasn't it? So I don't, have to, I don't even have to change the spreadsheet. <laughs> so I will absolutely take that. Dwayne Smith, you're so cool. You are so cool. Let's go ahead and continue on. Ed from the Film Effects said, Missed last week, so I had no idea you guys were covering this. This is one of his and Sean's top five favorite films. Can't yeah. wait to listen. And then uh, he didn't. Gave me a couple of notes. I thought it. Was, oh, they heard it later on. Never mind. AJ said she enjoyed listening. Hey, AJ, how you doing? Hey. Uh, Hermes from the Scuttlebutt Podcast. Love the Scuttlebutt <laughs> Podcast. That's, who's, who's Hermes? That's honorary gift of the week winner from a couple of weeks ago. Let's make sure we remember we gave him a special extra gift of the week win we last year. Yes, we did. Yes, for being a special little snowflake that he was. He didn't earn the main one, but we gave him an extra one. I can still hear him laughing a now. special one. <laughs> uh, he said the only negative last week was the runtime was just too short. God uh, bless you. Hermes, this, might be, this might be longer. <laughs> Hermes is on both the first and the second. Yeah, longest episode ever. And he's going for a triple header, I think. <laughs> well, he's not on this one, is he? No, 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 not this one, but no. next one. The ne- <laughs> no, not next one, is in next week, but I mean next oh, one. But next, t- next time he's on, he'll, yeah, he'll yeah, try yeah. and do he, it. he will. He will. <laughs> um, all the stops. Uh, I got a message from Chicklet uh, Podcast. It's oh, either from Karen or Aubrey. I, I don't know which one it was, I'm, uh, so I'm not going to guess. But they said the purple car in the film yep. is now owned by someone who lives in her hometown. <gasps> he pimps it out for getaways for wedding couples. That's cool. That's so cool. That's so cool, yeah. <laughs> we got one here from Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Who says, recent episodes have shown that 70s films affect me in a similar way to Ian. They disrupt. That sums it up perfectly. Yeah, I just ain't feeling the 70s. I love my 70s movies. Oh, jeez. I just walk away feeling disturbed. 
Uh, Carlo got a hold of us. Uh, we, we talked about Alabama's kiss with Dennis Hopper last week. Yes. And so I think there was a thing in the 80s and 90s. There were a lot of those kisses that are supposed to make you go nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Kind of like Marion kissing Sala in Raiders, which we talked about when we did that. I think even Sloan does it with Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. A sign of the times, I guess. I mean, it also happens in Rain Man, where like Tom Cruise's girlfriend kisses Rain Man. Uh, Dustin yeah, Hoffman yeah, in the lift. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this wasn't one kiss. This was like a mini makeout kind of session. It was, it was. But she was, to- it was weird. And it didn't actually go usually, anywhere. Usually it's one-sided. Usually someone walks up, they plant a kiss on somebody yeah, who's not yeah, expecting yeah. it, and they hold their mouth and off they go. There's like two people who were like, going for it, going for it. Absolutely. <laughs> Bit weird. That was. I says, regarding Ian's challenge, this is about Tarantino films being violent. I said, I hear you about the films being, uh, Tarantino films being violent, but Tarantino's violence is different. Scott is more kinetic and perhaps messier than Tarantino's which is a bit of what I get here. Like, I'm going to say this. I think Virgil, Alabama feels like peak Tarantino. I do. Do you? Well, think about um, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. That last scene where everyone's just being violent oh, everywhere. Like, this, this, gave me, this gave me, like, that sort of feel to it. Oh, yeah. But the gunfight at the end, I thought, maybe that's more Tony Scott? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Ed from the film effects says, true story, that banger of a Morgan Creek theme, which we talked about last week, mm-hmm. is actually the main score for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> I went back and re- uh, I didn't listen to the Prince of Thieves. I just went back and listened to the Morgan Creek thing and sort of imagined, like, I'm like, oh, he's so right. He's so right. <laughs> then I went and checked it, and he was so right. Of wow. course he was. But yeah, I heard it. The minute he said it, I went, yeah, that's it. No wonder I liked it so much. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he says, also, the burgers that Clarence brings back after killing Drexel came from Big Kahuna Burger, a fictional fast food chain in the Tarantino verse, he says, also featured in From Dust Till Dawn. I kicked myself because I went there heavily featured in Pulp Fiction. Uh, and I teach that scene and like stop on that scene all the time. Yeah, yeah. Now and you quote, know, though. That is a tasty burger. <laughs> so there we go. Um, I got one here. I'm going to go ahead and put this out here. Go on then. I got a question. Go on. This is a big thing on like Reddit and things like that. What's that? It's called, am I the asshole here? Okay. I'm going to share a little bit of... Uh, are you the asshole here? I'm asking. I'm oh, asking okay. if I am. Okay. We got a message from one of our favorite feedbackers. Yep. Dave from Scripticle. Hey, Dave. You <laughs> got a hold of me and pointed out, James Cameron did Aliens. And I'm like, yep, James Cameron did do Aliens. Yeah, I did. said, and I went, I was going to bring this up, and then I psyched myself out of it. And that's not me going, I didn't make a mistake. Oh, by the way, I'm going to push the button. There's a mistake. I think I made. It was kind of one of those things where you're going like, I meant to, oh, I was this close. Yeah. Because I was going to say, is that, isn't that Cameron? And then I stopped. I didn't do it. Because oh. I thought, I'm confusing this with the abyss is what I'm doing. No, he did that as well. He did that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, th- th- this, is, this is my error, okay. right? Because we were talking about Ridley Scott films and who's better, Ridley or Tony Scott, yada, yada, yeah, yeah, yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we went, no, 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 no. The thing you corrected was, uh, was, was, was Aliens 3. And I'm like, no, no, I brought up Aliens 3, which I think is, is Zack Snyder. So Zack Snyder? I don't know who did Aliens 3. I don't know who did Aliens Oh, it's 3. what's his... Oh, that yeah. sounds too early to be Zack No, it's Snyder. not Zack Snyder. It's the guy who did... Oh, we talked about this. We it's, did talk about it. It's the guy who did... I don't think we ever came to a conclusion last week, so I'm going to make sure I get it this week. Uh, it's the guy who did um, Seven, who directed Seven. Oh, um... David Fincher. Yes. David I Fincher. Going, I was going... <laughs> Fincher does Aliens 3. Yeah. That's right. Fincher Snyder. That's that my thing. Uh, <laughs> Both were. And I went, no, no, no. Hang on, hang on. I said, hang on. I said that one out loud. Yeah. That, 
The other one went on in my head, and I talked myself out of it. So I did the one. Please allow me to be the expert on thoughts in my own head. <laughs> at which point, I did give him a timestamp and said, if you listen, and everybody out there, if you want to listen, at one hour, two minutes, and 25 seconds, I go, aliens. Is aliens him? Aliens him. Am I, is aliens him? Is me going, is it Cameron? Yes. And then I'm doubling down. Oh, okay. So, and then I said to him, dark quote, no false claim. I made a mistake. This is verbatim. I want to make sure. Yep. No false claim. I made a mistake. But as I said, I went to ask that and stopped halfway through. Hang on to that for a minute. Okay. Carlo responds. Now, he's not part of this. This was all private message. Thing. Yep, 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 yep. Carlo comes in now listening. And, is, and this is me as Ian says he hasn't seen alien, aliens, or taxi driver. Shocked face. By the way, aliens was James Cameron. Mm-hmm. David chirps in. <laughs> and he won't even give me the correction. I'm going, have we recorded an episode since this? No. Have I said I won't bring it up? I believe my exact words were direct quote. No false claim. I made a mistake. (laughs) You did. So I'm just going to say this, David. Respectfully. 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 Give me the option or the opportunity (laughs) to not give you the claim (laughs) before you claim publicly that I will not do so. (laughs) respectfully <laughs> am i the asshole here all right no, 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 no. <laughs> just a thought oh, uh, carlos says by the way mr white is harvey Keitel and reservoir dogs i think i think david also brings that up in some know, sort of I correspondence about that going home i yeah. thought that's harvey Keitel. i'm sure it is and he's mr brown also yep. starring uh harvey Keitel, mr mr brown mr beige mr blonde mr blonde blonde yeah Another one you should check out. As you can hear from my insecurity, I've never seen Reservoir Dogs. And Steve Buscemi. Which I don't think David has either, but he was right about it. It's so Mr. To Pink, him. I think. He goes, why do I have to be Mr. Pink? They're all colors, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. General shout-outs. Uh, oh, I'm, I have a sound effect. I'm, I'm beholden to this stuff. I mean, you got to do this thing, don't I you? I love your sound effects. Well, you know, you, you got to do it. Ten, huh? First one's to David from Scriptical. <laughs> <laughs> he says, never, uh, he's never said g'day to anyone. G'day? Uh, he says, like Britain and the U.S., Australia has different accents depending on factors. Uh, like to our pod, I mean to listen to our pod, mm-hmm. to hear our accent. What you guys do sounds like what Aussies sounded like in the 80s. Our accent has changed. Oh, he was getting all my piston vinegar this week. Because <laughs> I responded by going, well, the Aussie I work with, we moved here just two months ago from Australia. They said, good day to me this morning. <laughs> also, please know, we're having fun. And do they say? Canadians don't say a boot. No, no, they don't. <laughs> we're just having fun. On the old microphone as we watch the movie of the week. Absolutely. Do they say risotto? <laughs> risotto. <laughs> risotto. Risotto. Depends on what decade it is, I think. <laughs> I don't know. So he said, hey, where, 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 where does he, he said, Aussies love to play it up when, when talking to foreigners. Where is he from? I said, Brisbane. He goes, oh, Queenslanders would say good eye. Now, I would never for a moment try to speak on behalf of all Canadians. Nope. David might be trying to speak on behalf of all Australians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know, right? I would not. I haven't got the ear for uh, different dialects of Australian accents. Oh, there's no way. I I couldn't even hear a difference in in English accents. I see, I know that, obviously, because I live here. I might know if it was like Cockney. But for the most part, just like random. You'd know the difference between Liverpool and Manchester, though, wouldn't you? Liverpool, I would, just because of the Beatles. Beatles, yeah. It's like someone's pushing peanuts out of it. And Oasis being from Manchester. Wouldn't have picked that up. No? Nah. I couldn't tell you between Manchester and London. There's no way. Wow. That blows my mind. Or even Norfolk. Oh. <laughs> you should have taken a sip of tea then. 
I went down the wrong hole. It's the wrong time to take a swig. <laughs> no, so what I would go is, uh, no, that's the thing. is people from Norfolk. I'm like, if you guys travel, everyone's like, oh, I love your accent. You sound so posh. And it's like, well, no, this is very, this is not mine. Obviously, I don't have one. No. But, you know, people who are not, I'm like, this is, this is a very working class kind of, it's like farmer accent out here. It's they're almost all, it's almost West Country. I can't even of, do I can't do any voices because like, I'm still my, my my throat's still gone. A lot of people do get confused with Norfolk and Cornwall, don't they? Which means nothing if you don't live here. But Cornwall's on the the west coast of the country, southwest down down and right. Yeah, what's that? Down and right towards the, like the, towards the Atlantic, towards France or towards the, the open Atlantic. The open Atlantic. That's west. That's west. Southwest. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm bad with north, south, yeah, and west. You, you, we just discovered. Hopefully, you know north. North is up. I don't. Yeah, no, but no, because where we where we are, Kings Lynn. I mean, that's like um, they call it like North Norfolk, but also East Anglia and West Anglia, and I get all confused. Where we live, we're, we're we're in West Norfolk, which is in East Anglia, but we're on the north part of that ball. <laughs> yeah, I get so confused. I don't know whether I'm up, down, left, right. <laughs> Just get north, south, east, west. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Uh, David, we're having fun. I uh, hope you're doing well. We are. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gift of the week was Cadillac. Cadillac. Some good competition this week. Good choice. Cool. Ensign Ian Davies did Little Shop of Horrors. Oh. The bid in Get It, where he's like, yeah, do you want a Cadillac car? I'm like, nice. I like Little Shop. Uh, Chris Peterson did something from Cars, because the old one played by Paul Newman, he's a, he's a Cadillac. Isn't he? Oh, I love Paul Newman. I've never seen it, though. Uh, what cars? Nope. One's dark Hollywood. Uh, Is it? Uh, yeah, we've talked. Oh, about you've this mentioned this before. before yes. Um, Hermes uh, gave me. I mean, Hermes is playing three D chess. <laughs> He's purposely giving me the worst gifts. Any those he So he gave a guy kicking a Dale Earnhardt inspired SUV. Nothing to do with a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> He's smiling away. We got Shy Guy. Shy Guy. Who did a clip from Seinfeld that said, uh, "This old guy going, I've ridden in a Cadillac hundreds of times." But it's not a GIF. It was just a video clip. Oh. It's called GIF of the Week. Yeah. Just going to put that out there. Uh, do you know what I think I'd have picked if I'd have done it? I'd have probably picked um, the Cadillac that um, Little Enos and Big Enos drive in for Smoking the Bandit. I don't know that movie. Do you know? I know of it, but that's about it. Smoking the Bandit. It's a great little movie. Uh, Dirk, who on the side note believes he, uh, in a hashtag, Ian is a fair judge, which I'm 100% <laughs> about there. Um, so there we are. Uh, he didn't, I didn't get his reference, but I think I saw the kid from Breakfast Club in the background. Oh, okay. So something was the Cadillac of Saws. I don't get the reference. Okay. I'm sorry, buddy. Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Who did the Pulp Fiction scene where they've just come back from Mia's just had the overdose and they've yep. just put the adrenaline and they're driving back at the end of a date looking like, you often see at the end of teachers in, in, in September and it's at the one where they arrive at the, at the, at the, uh, yeah. at the diner. Jack Rabbit Slims. And then there's the one when they come back, like teachers in May. And it's the ones as they're coming back. Someone sent me um, a similar thing. They sent um, Danny and Sandy yep. in high school. And then they said Danny and Sandy in their 40s. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and I thought that's just so funny. Uh, David from Scripticle. Uh, Bruce Springsteen. I love you for your pink Cadillac. Oh, I love Springsteen. Uh, this is a B side, but. Um, yes, yeah, from uh, the A side is uh, Dancing in the Dark. I think. You're right. Yeah. Do you know what pink Cadillac is? In this in this song, it's uh, is it some sort of drug? It's a metaphor for vagina. Oh, is it? Yeah, I was like, wow, wow. Um, I found all this out afterwards, trying to research it, going, what is this? Because <laughs> uh, because I wanna, I wanna be fair. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, it's. <laughs> I was sitting there going, 
There you go. Uh, not where I would have gone with that. Uh, Josh, my next favorite movie. Uh, Seinfeld, the same episode with a guy in his Cadillac. Jerry buys a Cadillac for his old man. I will say this. In that episode, Jerry buys his old man the ugliest Cadillac there ever was. It's like this beige number from like the late 80s, early 90s. Are Cadillacs oh. always big and square? They're generally big. Uh, this one was very square. Like, I'm like, you can buy on name value They're quite there. flat and wide I, like, like, and like square. Like the 50s ones have like the fins and all yeah. that stuff, right? Like, those are cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kev Dog. Uh, hey, Kev. Get, Woo. Uh, it, was, it was like a, like the oldest Cadillac that ever was. It's been restored. It was cool, but it was just like this like montage of just shots of a Cadillac. Oh. So thanks, buddy. Yeah, thank you. And then Cara, Queen of the Gift, gave us the Ectomobile, which, oh. is, which is a Cadillac. Is it? It is. I thought it was an ambulance. Oh, a Cadillac yeah. ambulance, there of course. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to give third place to... Oh, I'm going to go third place to Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. For the Pulp Fiction drive back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go second place to Kara, Queen of the GIF, uh, for the Ectomobile. Yeah, that's nice. But first place has got to be Anthony and Davies for Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, yeah, Can I get a Cadillac? Love it. You know, I'll tell you what GIF of the week is. He's going to get it. That's what it is. <laughs> All right. Why not give us a review? Apple or Spotify. Here, five stars is a nice number. Five is the magic number. Indeed, it is. Yes. Checking in with the morning report. Keep it short. I don't want to have too much. Um, but I want to talk one more time about Magic Mind. Magic Mind. Magic yeah. Mind. That uh, they were nice enough to send us a shipment of their stuff. I said, well, go ahead and we'll do a. Uh, a little sequence uh, talk about it if we uh, liked it. Flow state awaits you. It promises a high high um focus obviously you can tell i didn't just have one now no well i i tried um two two in a row uh one morning and then the following morning and i do you know what it's got that fizz feel like it's got a fizz to it okay and um when i uh when i took it i was quite tired and i felt like there was something inside of me trying to wake me up okay (laughs) but i was still tired i was like come on you can do this and i felt maybe that was that maybe that's me just (laughs) i don't know (laughs) It's a nutrition shot that promises do more, stress less. Now, I work in education in the UK, so stress is kind of a uh, kind of an omnipresent, you know, passenger in my life. Yeah, it's just always there. Uh, I will say this: I, when I come home, I feel mentally alert. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I feel physically alert. Yep, I feel mentally alert. And maybe it's that I did my body's tired. Like, you know, the, 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 the mind is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, do I think there's benefits to it? I do. I do. I do. I, I, I felt that um, I didn't see, I wish maybe I hadn't been told about it and just took it and see how I felt because maybe like, like placebo effect. Cause I felt like there was something different going on. Yeah. I tried a couple of days. I forgot to take one with me and just sort of live my life with my regular coffee in the morning. Yeah, da, yeah, da, yeah. Da, da, da. And I do feel like I was a little bit more behind the, the decision then becomes you go to magicmind.com and you take a look at the price back and you go, does this justify? Yep. Does this validate? Um, I felt it did something. The price point that they're going to ask is is what you got out of it worth that price point. That's up to everybody to decide on their own. Absolutely. But I will sit here and say, first off, thank you, Magic Mind, for sending yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. Uh, sending us. I've still got a couple, so uh, take one more for the road, and I'll take one more <laughs> for tomorrow. And uh, I, I think there was some benefits to it. Uh, I'd say living in the UK, um, that that's a significant kind of uh, costing to sort of ship internationally. And also, and going do 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 I want to punch that in for? I don't know. I don't know. It's a uh, 
And also, that'd be a daily thing, wouldn't it? Every morning, it would be like a subscription. Yeah, it would be like or 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 a, or a workday thing, like Monday yeah. through Friday, or whatever uh, it is your work schedule might yeah, be, yeah. Uh, where you feel you need a little bit more uh, focus. Mm-hmm. So I will say, I think it does a good job. Uh, go ahead, give it a look. Make up your mind, your magic mind for yourself. Magicmind.com. Nice. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, for, thank you. Uh, hooking us up with a little uh, a little uh, sample pack. We appreciate it. Uh, what do we have next here? We've got weight game, weight game. Let's all play the weight game. Mm-hmm. Uh, down two and a half. It's, you did, yeah, you called that. it. Yeah, I said, oh, yeah, I said, I'll be down. I'll be down. There's, yeah. no, there's, there's no worry there. I'll yeah. be down. Yeah. No, so, nice. Good. Just, uh, let's talk about are we ready for some football? Football. You no. were talking about your draft. Oh. What's wrong with your draft? I mean, Austin Eckler's out. Well, uh, yeah. My, one of my, he's a running back, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, I've been scrolling through and scrolling through, trying to make my team better. And the one person that I want, they said to me, I can't have. Because I was out of, uh, I don't know, jurisdiction, out of something. Don't know. Um, wavered, wavered, or oh, something. Anyway. I Someone tr- else beat you on the waiver wire. I think they okay. did, right? And I, I tried. I'll tell you who's getting good at this is Megs. Megs! Have you seen her team? There was someone I wanted to get off off of. Uh, I wanted to get off the waiver wire, and I put it through. And I'm like, all right, what am I? I'm like number eight on the waiver wire. So yeah. I'm like, okay, odds of me getting this person are slim, but I'll put it through. And it was a special Saturday slot, so I'm like, maybe I'll sneak through because no one else is thinking waivers right now because right. waiver day is Wednesday, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And I open up my emails because you get an email either way, whether you're successful or not. Successful. So unsuccessful. I'm like, ah, damn it. So then I had to check to see who got it, and it was Megs and my I'm like, one. What? Not only that one I was trying is this, to get. Is this Jerome Ford? Are we talking about the same player? Yes. Yeah, I was Jerome Ford as well. I don't know who would have been higher up, but yeah. Yeah, Meg's, Meg's like, frustrating me there. Yeah. Have you seen her team? I don't know. I saw you said her a trade offer. I did. <laughs> <laughs> He's out, though. He's out. It was brutal, your offer. <laughs> no, it was not good. Oh, your offer was terrible. Your offer was terrible. He's out. He's out. He is out, but he's out for a week. He's not out for the season. <laughs> yeah, but I thought maybe she wouldn't, ba- she wouldn't pick went. up on it. He basically went. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an equivalent. It's like, you. hey, you, you know that nice car you got, but that's, that's just in the shop for a few days? Well, I've got some popcorn on this. <laughs> for that car. You can't blame me for trying. Uh, I beat Julian last week, so huzzah there. You lost to Anthony and Davies. I did, real bad. So, uh, as it turns out, out of the 16 teams, George is the highest of anybody. She's well done, in second place. <sighs> I'll say this. Fantasy is a cruel mistress, because it depends on really who you play and how many points they score as well. Mm-hmm. George is in second. I am in 10th. <laughs> Ready for this? Yeah. I have scored five more points. Wow. And I am in 10th. Ready for this? Yeah. Jo- Georgia is 2-0. and James DeGuzman is 0-2 in second last place. Yeah, yeah. James DeGuzman scored one more point than Georgia. Whoa. That's bad. So it's it? just, it's just, so some of it's just luck. You can't, no matter what you do, there's the luck that happens on the field, but there's also the luck about who do you face. Yes, yes. So there we go. I don't think I'm going to win any more this year. Oh, you'll be fine. It's a long season, dude. Oh, we're, dude. We're, we're two weeks through a 17-week season. Dude, have you seen my team? I haven't got Baker Mayfield. I almost offered you a trade for Austin Eckler. Did you? I did. I did, so we can talk. Oh, okay. <laughs> because I was like, oh, I don't mind him sitting on my bench for a couple of weeks. Okay. Well, we, we can see. Um, but, but yeah, but you can, you can take a hit on value as a result because you'll get someone who can play right away. 
Oh, no. There maybe, we go. See, that's the thing. Not, that's not. the thing. I'm not even equal value. Come on. Uh, <laughs> this week, it's me versus Ethan. Now, I had a very good Thursday night game. Oh, okay. I'm 75-25. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so I feel pretty good. Uh, yeah, I think but so. But I'm 10th and Ethan's 11th, so not much there. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get anywhere near the top seven. Megan is 7th. And she's playing Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Who's our number one person so far. His team stacked. Wow. Stacked. Auto draft, but stacked. How can my auto draft give me like... He was the pick before you. You got Baker Mayfield. Yeah. <laughs> things could have been different. Liam 11th versus Nate the 8. Nate the 8. That's good. Because <laughs> he's an 8th. And then match of the week. Georgia versus Kevin, the podcast that wouldn't die. Second on sixth. Ooh. Yeah. So interesting. We'll see how that goes. Pull them for you, Georgia. Pull them for you. On a side note, on the BFE Invitational, uh, the BFE represented by me was victorious over Griff from the Paul and Griff show, so I'm number three in that league out of ten. Oh. And I play uh, Stu from the Stu World Order Productions team. Uh, he's fourth, so we are the game of the week in that league. And number one's Vern from Cinema Recall. Vern is an absolute fantasy football savant. Wow. His team's ridiculous, and that, that was not an auto-draft. He, he drafted that himself. Wow. So props to you, Vern. Yeah. Can I just also bring up the fact that, you know, I beat you in the first match? You did? <laughs> it's nice that you peak in week one. You know that. You know I'm going to bring this up every week. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I, I was a lot more upset last week when I didn't have that win behind me. Now I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah you did. Good job, buddy. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. That was not patronizing <laughs> not in any way. At all. <laughs> it seems like, much like your own mindset, your players decided... That, yep, that one week's good enough. We don't have to do anything else. <laughs> We're done. We're Ac- done. Eckler's like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait over here for a few weeks. I'm not being funny, though. Megan, she's... Yeah. How... <sighs> I did ask everybody, please name your team after yourself so we can identify you. And about a week later, she's Team Kicker. Team Kicker, yeah. There's no Meg. No. I'm like, let's keep the names on there so we know who's who. Team, team Kicker. Jeez. <laughs> That's funny. Why are we doing this this week? We got uh, BFF of the BFE. Julene will be joining us. Julene picks some uh, some out there movies. Yeah. Out there movies. This is, her sec- this is her second pick from Tarantino, I believe. Did Oops. she pick Inglorious Bastards? Was that her? It feels like it was her. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so, yeah. Which, uh, the, yeah, that's like your, we were talking earlier about the ones that are floors and the ones that are ceilings. Mm-hmm. Inglorious Bastards, a ceiling. Mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction, when we get to it, ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Star Wars, because of the fandom, ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this one, just below, I think. Just below ceiling. It'll, it'll do well, but it's not ceiling. Yeah, I agree. Because I don't think, I don't think this one, for some reason, isn't held in the same regard as the other ones, for some reason. Do you know what? I reckon... This could be made into a play on, uh, on stage. There are tidbits that suggest maybe that was his original intent. Really? That's funny how I picked up on yeah, that. This, really is, this is very much a play. Isn't it? Yeah. And what's that thing they maybe, call- maybe, Maybe I should direct this on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't get rights to it. There's no oh. <laughs> You'd have to do it so under the radar. <laughs> you, you would, would you? That'd be gory, though. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know how we do that. We have to get lots of, like, squibs or something like that. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so that mean nowhere now. <laughs> I'm like, well, to tell you the one other person who shows up every week besides myself, you're gone. It's Felix. I mean, he does record it, but let's go ahead and have him say what he did for the pitch. I'm hoping it's going to be a bit longer because that's a three-hour movie. Well, here we go. In the dead of a Wyoming winter, a bounty hunter and his prisoner find shelter in a cabin currently inhabited by a collection of nefarious characters. Oh, how's it? I was expecting more. Well, you know. You know, Felix keeps you guessing. 
<laughs> much like much like this movie does. Directed and written by Quentin Tarantino, who is the writer and director of Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards, Django Unchained, uh, obviously The Hateful Eight, so we're doing, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and was the writer of last week's movie, True Romance. I love a double feature. Was it Django, maybe? Oh, she did Django. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Who did Glorious Bastards? Was that just one we just did? Maybe. Yeah. I think it's Django, yeah, that she did. I'll have to check with Felix. He's, he, he schedules. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cinematography by Robert Richardson, who's done everything from Wall Street. Amazing. Love Wall Street. Yeah. Born on the 4th of July, which oh. I know you really rate. Mm-hmm. The Doors, which I know you really Love rate. Love that film. JFK? I haven't seen that film. That's another three-hour movie. I've never seen it. I saw it once. Uh, I think I only saw half of it, to be honest with you. He dies in 63, right? Yep. 50th anniversary of the JFK death coming up. 60th. 60th, sir. I was going to say, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm have to talk to Felix about the schedule. Hmm. Feels that would be timely. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'll have to see what else is up there. Um, was November he died? Yeah, 11 23. Yeah. Uh, November 23rd. Yeah. I had this book. It's a great book for what it's worth. We're not usually ones to do literature sort of uh, recommendations. There's a book by Stephen King called 11 63. It's like Narnia meets Back to the Future, both on crack. <laughs> Yeah. With like oh, American history. Oh, it's amazing. Is that the one where he keeps going back? Yeah. In time. It, I, th- I think, I think time. it was made into like a mini series or a movie or something like yeah, that. Yeah. He can always go back to that same spot. So he yeah. decides pretty early on this guy, I'm going to stop the murder, the assassination of JFK. Yeah. 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 But you got to like, you got to go be all in for four years. Mm. And while no one else, you know, you can always go back and go and return. It'll always be 1958 or 59. I think. So yeah, yeah. Like he's going to age. Yeah. So everybody else will reset, but your age, your your timeline never stops. Yeah. You will continue to age. You don't reset back four years after. Oh, that's tough, isn't it? It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Sorry, good movie. Good book. Yeah. I got to 100. It's like 700 pages. I got to the last 100 pages, and I wanted to stop because I wasn't ready to say goodbye to these characters yet. Oh. Oh, tremendous. Wow. Tremendous. That's unusual best, for Stephen King, isn't it? Best book I've read in... <sighs> best fiction book mm-hmm. I've read. Oh, I don't know how long. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Probably the best book I've ever read for pleasure. Not one that I was assigned for. Like things like Twelfth Night and things that I love. They yeah. all started off as things I had to do for school. But as far as yeah, just yeah. reading for pleasure, that is my favorite. Oh, wow. Yeah. Might have to give it a read. Might take me five years. <laughs> I tell you what, I got sucked right in. I couldn't put it down. Oh, really? I couldn't put it down. Wow. There was another one he did called uh, something about like uh, the dome or something like that. I don't know where a dome just appears. And I got really into it. He went through a real science fictiony kick and I was, mm. I was totally here for it. Mm. I'm not really big on, we talked about it in the Carrie episode. I'm not, I'm not a big horror guy per se, no, even, same. even in literature, but uh, his sci-fi stuff I'm here all day for. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Um, what do we got here? We've got uh, music by Eno Morricone. Yeah, he's the guy who did Good, Bad, and Ugly. Fistful of Dollars. Fistful of Dollars, yeah. Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. 1900, which I love. I had to watch that for uh, for school, for uni. So I don't think it, got, it was really a big... I don't even know if it was a North American... If it had a huge North American release. What, what is it? It's like a story of like the Italian experience from 1900 through... It, the two big... Mo- get, get ready. Here's your two big stars. Ready for this? Yeah. Robert De Niro. Yeah. Gerard Depardieu oh. in a serious role. Wow. And nails it. Wow. Yeah. I think it's Bertolucci. I'm sure Carlo will tell me if I'm wrong here. Yeah. Carlo's cinephile. He's, he's on it. Cinephile. Um, the Thing. Mm-hmm. The Untouchables. Oh, it's great. Bullworth. You ever see Bullworth? No. Love Bullworth. No, what's War, that? Warren Beatty. I think he directs it as well. Oh, Stars okay. and directs. Oh, that rings a bell. He's a politician. But yeah, I was going to say politician. And he has a breakdown and... Hi, and uh, 
he com- it comes across his mindset that uh, someone or he gets the information that someone's out to kill him. Was that early mid nineties? Yeah, yeah. I did remember. And so that. he then decides, I'm going to die. So I'm going to say everything I ever really wanted to say. Wow. Because I'm going to die. Yeah. And then it decides halfway through. Oh, here's the deal. He knows because he orders the hit on himself as like an some some sort of thing. And then halfway through, now that he's at the freedom of saying what he really, really wants, yeah. he finds life invigorating and tries to call off the hit, but he doesn't know who the hitman is. Oh, God. So it's a mix of his paranoia and then him just saying whatever it is he wants to say. Wow, that sounds so. He's like this proper, like, like you know, conservative politician who just spends all his time going to like these like uh, uh, socioeconomically depressed, largely black neighborhoods and adopting black culture into his uh, into his sort of uh, persona. And everyone's like, "You're crazy!" And he's like, "No, no, no. This is where this is where the people are. We have to go ahead and follow this." Was there a song that he was in? I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's a rap song out there that he was part of. Maybe that was something to do with that. I don't know. Maybe. But I just remember Warren Beatty it doing was, some kind it was, of rap It was thing. one I watched out of nowhere wow. and loved it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what about this one? The first time I saw this. This is this your first watch? Nope. This is my second. It's my second. Yeah. It's the first time I watched this, and I want to give all... <laughs> they would say in today's youth vernacular, I want to give my flowers to Ed from the Film Effect. What's that mean? Give flowers, give someone their 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 due due praise and respect. Oh, okay. So to Evan the Film Effect, who had me on and said, we're going to do uh, Hateful Eight. Are you up for it? And I was like, yeah. So I watched, this is the first film I've ever reviewed twice. Oh, cool. So uh, it was interesting. I was very curious to see how my reaction would be watching it for a second time. Yeah. Rather than a first time. And the first time, Ed was kind of doing what the sort of host role, right? So yep. he did all the heavy lifting. I was just there to sort of just uh, chip in. Wax lyrical. Mm-hmm. As as would be, it's my one appearance on the uh, on the film. In fact, I had a good time. So uh, then, this time watching it, going, I know what's coming. What will that do for my viewing experience mm-hmm. without without the, the surprise factor? So interesting, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. Uh, so the first time I saw it was then. How about yourself? Uh, probably about a year or two after it first came out. Okay. No, I didn't watch it at the cinema or anything. But yeah, I think I was probably it. Been out a little while. Okay. But yeah, well, I've only seen it twice, though. So. Uh, let's do some context corner. November 2013, writer-director Quentin Tarantino said he was working on another Western. This is after Django, of course. He initially attempted to write the story as a novel, a sequel to his film Django Unchained, titled Django in White Hell, <laughs> but realized the Django character didn't fit the story. So on January 11th, 2014, the title was announced as The Hateful Eight. Production was planned for late 2014 in the winter, but after the script leaked online in January of 2014, Tarantino considered publishing it as a novel instead. On April 19th, Tarantino directed a live reading of the leaked script at the United Artists Theater in the Ace Hotel, Los Angeles. I guess if it's out there, you may as well make some money off and get some Mm -hmm. hype from it. The event was organized by the Film Independent at Los Angeles County Museum of Art. As part of the live read series, it was introduced by a guy called Elvis Mitchell. Tarantino explained they would read the first draft of the script and then added he was writing two new drafts with a different ending. On September 26th, the state of Colorado had signed to fund the film's production with $5 million, and the complete film would be shot in southwest Colorado. A 900-acre ranch was leased to the production for the filming, and there was a meeting on October 16, and the county's planning commission issued a permit for the construction of a temporary set. I'm assuming this is... Well, the, the the building they spend all their uh-huh, time in. Yeah. yeah. 
No one out pizzas the hut. <laughs> <laughs> Principal photography began in January 2015 near Telluride, Colorado. The budget reported to be between 44 and 62 million. So later on, I'll hit the midpoint of that for our uh, little financial guessing game. Tarantino edited two versions of the film, one for the roadshow version and the other for general release. The roadshow version ran for three hours and two minutes, including six minutes of extra footage plus an overture and intermission and has some alternate takes of some scenes. That's because he shot this on 70 millimeter film. What's that mean? 70 millimeter? It's a different sort of size of film stock. It's much more expensive. Oh, new. No, it's actually old. You're right. Oh, okay. It's it was old. old, but people moved from 70 to 30. I think 30, 35 became the standard. sort of standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 70s made to be played on larger screens and sort of things like that. Oh, okay. So he was trying to get... Ed's much better with this part than I am. Because the only reason I say this, because there's a lot of um, snow in this. Yeah. But there's lots of things you can pick up on. Yeah. Um, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of... Um, what's that? Laurence Olivier. Not yeah. Laurence Olivier. Um Arabia, well, Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Um, that reminded me of um, the, the opening to that. But instead of sand, it was snow. Yeah. I, I guess I would say, much like, because 35 is obviously like half the size. Mm-hmm. So much like, you know, shooting something in 4K versus 1080p versus standard definition versus high definition. Okay, yeah. 480p would be standard, 1080 would be high def. Okay. Then 4K would be even more so. So the, the more image you can put into that root file then when you blow it up onto a screen the less bleeding or blurriness you get because it's got more detail to it yep same thing yeah but like no one was shooting on 70 millimeter film and actually tarantino is one of the few people who insist he will always shoot on film still that's cool most people still most people now shoot digitally but you know that he's probably got it right because how warm does that feel when you see a yeah a Tarantino movie that feels um, like it's got depth. It feels like it's yeah, got color, right. color. It's got everything around it. Who is that guy? He's the oh, it's gonna bug me now. Oh, Roger Deakins. It's like Roger Deakins done shooting film, which has really surprised me for an older cinematographer. Yeah, he's like a hundred percent. He's like the. I don't. I, mean, I don't imagine anybody's made a name in the in the digital era of his age. Like no one's made that successful transition as big as he has. Oh, okay. And he only shot whatever it was we did most recently with him. He did that on film at the request of the director, but was like, yeah, I wouldn't do it again. Oh. Yeah. No, he's 100% in on digital. Wow. So I imagine every format's going to have its, uh, going to have its, oh, I'm looking for something better than preacher, but I'll say preachers. Mm-hmm. You know, advocates. That's probably the word yeah, I'm looking yeah, for. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, so there we are. Uh, on September 3rd, 24... Oh, by the way, I watched the regular version. I don't watch the roadshow version. Mine was not three hours and six minutes. Mine was two hours and 47 or something like that. Mine... Mine was... Yeah. Mother. I imagine... It, you saw it on what? On, on, on Blu-ray? Blu-ray, yeah. I, ma- I might have had both, but I imagine the default one would be the 247. Yeah, I just press play. <laughs> <laughs> on September 3rd, 2014, the Weinstein Company acquired the worldwide oh, distribution oh, rights oh. for the film for a fall 2015 release. Uh, they would sell the film worldwide, but Tarantino asked to personally approve the global distributors for the film. Uh, QT arranged for approximately 100 theaters worldwide to be retrofitted with an anamorphic equipped 70 millimeter film projector to display the film as he intended. So, like, wow. that's kind of a big, like, that's that's an artist's vision, isn't that it? That is, isn't it? Yeah. 
Nice uh, money. It was released. Yeah, it was. It was released Christmas Day, 2015, as a roadshow presentation in 70 millimeter format, and then scheduled to be released in in digital theaters, which is pretty much everywhere else, mm-hmm. on January 8th, 2016. And that's that. We're ready for the deep dive, and we begin with the Weinstein Company and the Wyoming. Don't call it Colorado Wilderness. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. For a brief moment, I got homesick watching the snowfall on this purely white horizon. I've had totally had days like these. Really? Oh, these this storm. Totally can relate. Wow. Yeah. I, I thought like I needed to make the, the point with whoever was on. Like I've been in days like this. Yeah. I don't think I've been in days like this, but I think I've been in half a days like this. <laughs> <laughs> I could still walk about and go about and you have to shut yourself No, no, in. like like a two, three day storm where you just waited. Oh yeah, been here. Yeah, no. I was at, you know, those friends you have when you grow up. Yeah. And then you sort of move to a certain point. And somewhere along the way, some of them just don't make that transition to adolescence mm-hmm. as well as others do. Yep. So I had a friend like this. <laughs> no, you weren't snowed in with him. <laughs> and so they kept trying to, I think the family realized I was one of his only friends. Oh. And they kept trying to get arranged for me to like spend time. We live in the middle of the country, right? And yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, okay. So I made, okay, I'll go over and I'll spend the night and yada, yada, yada. And then, like, Hurricane Andrew hits the East Coast. And not much there, but as it makes its way inward, it just sort of turns into a a terrible blizzard. It goes for, like, three days and shuts all the roads. And I'm stuck here. (laughs) And then somewhere on the way, I went out to help him, like, feed the animals or something like that. I'm, like, 15, 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 14, 15, 16, somewhere there. The wind blows so badly in my ear, I get, like, the worst ear infection as well. Oh, no. (sighs) So I'm there. My ears, like killing me i'm laying down almost all my time on this hot water bottle with this person who i don't really have anything in common with anymore because yeah. he's still acting like a child yep and i'm sitting there going when can i come home and of course you can't because the roads can't even be plowed yet it just looks like a white sheet like yeah. you don't even know where the road is wow yeah, so I was trapped there for Where days. Where you going? There weren't any roads. There were no roads. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things. Uh, we get told it's the eighth film by Quentin Tarantino, and he considers continues his use of inconsistent fonts and title sequences. It does my head in. It really does. Choose one. That doesn't bother me. Oh. A statue of a frozen over Jesus is reverse zoomed to reveal a horse drawn wagon. And I kind of thought the, the, the snow on the Jesus was like to kind of show like there's no hope for anybody here. Like even Jesus and, and, and helping you in this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I went with it. Yeah. I didn't know if that was some sort of, uh, I don't know. I just thought it was some sort of slap in the face for it or something. I didn't. I didn't understand. I think it's just sort of thinking that it's a godless region. Oh, okay. Yeah, like there is no hope. Like this is this yeah, is this is this, I, is this is the wildest of the wild. This is the yeah, one bit of the wild west that remains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, talk about the score. Uh, Tarantino announced at the 2015 San Diego Comic Con that Neo Morricone would be composing the score for the Hateful Eight. He must it's be getting on a bit now. The first Western score by Morricone in 34 years. Wow. This ends up being his penultimate film. Wow. Um, it was the first since Buddy Goes West. Buddy Goes West. And this is the first Tarantino film to actually use an original score. That's cool. He's never actually had an original score. He's always just used music music, or existing stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, Morricone had previously made statements that he would never work with Tarantino after Django Unchained because Django does use some Morricone stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's stuff that's been repurposed. So it's not an original score. He's just taken score from other films yep. licensed it for his movie yeah because django has that great opening sequence uh but yeah it's nice um 
Uh, but it, he obviously got over that and agreed to score the hateful eight. I'd love to run in the room for that conversation. That'd have been cool. Yeah. Uh, according to Variety, Marconi composed the score without seeing the film. <laughs> Maybe he's like, "Yeah, all right, I'll take your money." There we go. I wrote this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck with it. And Tarantino's like, "Yeah, all right." I'm not being funny though. That's what a name to have it's on your your, fi- your oh, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, chapter one and typical Tarantino. Here's some chapter cards. Why was there not eight chapters? Because it's not about the eight. It's I, not about I know, eight chapters. I don't care. Okay. I, I wanted eight. You wanted eight chapters, one I for eight chapters. Eight, eight okay. people, eight, you know, I wanted eight. I there wanted eight. <laughs> there was no eight. Chapter one. Last stage to Red Rock. And this wagon that we filled stops in the middle of the road. A figure who shot from behind is sitting on a pile of dead bodies. And we hear someone say, got room for one more? And so this builds an enigma. Who's the guy? Why is he on top of bodies? Because we know nothing. We know nothing about the rules of this universe yet. Nope. And instead, we get Meet Major Marquess, is how they pronounce it in this film. Did my head in. Mm-hmm. It's Marquis, but anyway, Marquess. Warren, played by Samuel L. Jackson, who ties the record with his 10th appearance on the pod. Yep. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. We're not going to play the guessing game. No, we, no, we, no. We, 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 we got to get to Julian. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, uh, he's a bondsman, bounty hunter. So very familiar territory if you saw Django. How many film Tarantino movies has he done? At this point? Yeah. Oh. I want to say three. Oh, no, no. He's done more. Has he? Uh, so in, in order, let's see if I can do this. Apologies to the Tarantino fans out there. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs is one. Pulp Fiction is two. Is he in Reservoir Dogs, is he? What do you mean? How many has he been in? Samuel L. Jackson, is he in Reservoir Dogs? Oh, sorry, I thought you meant how many Tarantino films have there been? No, 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 Okay, so he's in Pulp? Yep. He's in Jackie Brown? Yep. He's in uh, Django? Yep. This might be his fourth. Oh, okay. I knew I was... The only reason I ask this is because there's a lot of people in this that have been in other Tarantino movies, and I wonder... Because he likes to use the same actors. Yeah, Samuel Jackson's one of his boys. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is interesting, because we'll talk about it, uh, but there's, you know, one of the things about Tarantino, one of the things that follows him is his decision to frequently use the N-word in his dialogue. More so in this movie. Yeah. Than any other. Now, Samuel Jackson's okay with it. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of told other actors. Remember, there's a famous story about Django where he tells Leo, because Leo was struggling, and he goes, this is a Tuesday for me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. like i know you think this is something like this is tuesday so yeah, just yeah. just 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 run with it yeah yeah, yeah. um and to and so spike lee really has an issue with why tarantino feels the need to use this word so much being a white guy you mean you know white film director yeah, yeah who yeah, are yeah. you and what it's almost I, I think spike lee's comments is that it's almost fetishized to him Oh, okay. The use of this N-word. Like, he's really got to use it. And why, it means something else. He does him. use a lot in this movie. He does use a lot. But then you get Samuel L. Jackson, who's a frequent collaborator of both men. Yes, he is. Who says, Quentin Tarantino doesn't have a racist bone in his body, is what he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you can't be like, there we go, black guy approved, because one black guy said no, it, yeah, it, yeah. it disregards the opinions of another black guy. So, <laughs> yeah. But it does, I do think it's this idea of, and I've said it before, I want there to be characters who, I want there are all sorts of nature of movies to exist, and I want there to be racist characters in movies, and I want, you know. It's a bit like. It'd be hard for me to sign up for a Tarantino movie with, I don't know if I could get through this dialogue. But yeah, but and also, you think, um, you look back at um, women in Tarantino movies, yep. Are strong characters, but yep. hell, they get beaten up for it, don't they? Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because he's, I, I do believe Tarantino is an artist. So, in the sense of that, he's looking to push an agitate and upset and yeah. push the envelope. And violence against women's one of the. Now, he makes sure they're terrible women. 
Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Like nothing's going to beat like once upon a time in Hollywood. No, nothing. Even the stuff oh in here, nothing God. beats once upon a no. time in Hollywood. But you, and the weird thing is you root for them to get hurt. Don't you? No, and I, once upon a time I, in Hollywood. I, I, I think that's it. Cause it'll be like we said in true romance. You don't want to wait for the female heavy to come in and no. take care of the, fe- no, no, no. This is the way it would realistically be. Yeah. So let's do that. If you're getting your moral judgments on what's right in this world from a Tarantino movie, you're looking in the wrong place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm here to see a story. Stories are fictional yeah as long as the message as i walk out isn't a, that it's a ringing endorsement of violence against women oh we wouldn't have we wouldn't have been able to save all those homeless children if it wasn't for beating up women like as long as it's not that what i'm saying is he he he, he obviously puts it across um as a brave thing to put across in a movie um it opens him up to criticism for sure doesn't it i wouldn't do it no <laughs> but that's not my uh, yeah that's not the story i want to tell but it's clearly the story he wants to tell and he shared stories about you know he feels that in other places there's a lot more freedom now he interprets that i think he looks for where's the line how far can i go that wouldn't Mm. be something that i would be thinking about but that's something that was part of his experience when he was developing his style of not not even filmmaking but what he liked in film and therefore wanted to be when he became a filmmaker yeah true yeah um so uh driver says they're not going to make it to red rock they're going to go to minnie's haberdashery and he's told the fella inside paid for a private trip and then when warren approaches a gun is told on him he's told to put his guns down and to lift his hands up and we see a woman with a black eye and then we see john the hangman ruth played by kurt russell (laughs) 193 episodes how many appearances oh kurt russell um two yes well done you want to get technical it's his only actual appearance appearance the other one he did a vocal role and you'll never guess it um howl's moving castle no he was elvis in forrest gump yes he was i forgot all about that until i looked it up because i went to look at my mind we haven't done a kurt russell film yet and i have this excel sheet that has all the names of i'm like 1200 actors now but i hit the the, the fine button and just for the taste of it t- typed in kurt r and it popped up and i'm like four i'm like shut up i've obviously made a mistake no. here. and then i googled it i'm like oh that's right because he's in a film with elvis yeah called at the world's fair what like the real elvis in the real elvis shut yeah. up. so he's a child actor yeah and he kicks elvis in the leg which is quite funny that's great but he also ended up doing a john carpenter movie as Elvis. Oh, okay. So she's kind of had a thing going on with that got- thing. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes John Sometimes movie. they just happen. I know. <laughs> it turns out they know each other, but it's been eight months since they've seen. Uh, Ruth confirms that Warren is a bounty hunter and questions, "What are you doing in Wyoming?" Uh, which I guess is an organic way to tell us they're in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warren tells us, uh, he, he says, I know you, but I don't know who the filly is in the seat, he refers to her as. And this is Crazy Daisy Domergue, played by Jennifer Jason Lee. I wasn't sure if he was just playing a game there to start with. Like, I don't know who she is. Clearly known who she was. No, I don't think he knows her. I know that now. By okay. the time when I'm watching it, I'm going, is he just... Oh, really? No, I, game here? I think it's a bit early to be playing. You know, <laughs> to play like, those you don't, you don't know with Tarantino. No, we don't know anything. Yeah, it's no, 100% right. No, yeah. no, no, no. So I'm just like, Whoa, I don't know. <laughs> so, um... And also, Kurt Russell as, what's his name? Bob Hangman? Yeah. Is it Bob? Uh, it's uh, John the Hangman. John Ruth. the Hangman, yeah. I found in this, you know, what's that thing you call when you, um, is it exposition? Yep. 
they he does this uh, he goes around a lot of them and asks them all these different questions so us audience members could know who these people are yeah oh that's and important he, he starts off here which introductions are great for this yeah yeah that's yeah, why yeah. teen movies always start with like a, like a new character at the school yeah because in introducing them you can give all the exposition all the you need yeah. it's perfect yeah, yeah. that's why no high school music movies ever like oh We've all known each other for it, like <laughs> Greece, yeah. cl- Clueless, um, yeah. all of them. It's yeah. all got to do with sort of this. Here's this new character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he tells uh, so Ruth calls Daisy to call uh, Warren Major Warren instead of Marquis, and then she instead calls him the N word. Uh, he tells her that black men don't like being called the M-word anymore. She says she's been called worse, and Ruth seems to agree. And there was this this sort of comparison shopping in this movie going, how we treat women, how we treat black people. Yep. And John Lennon wrote a song about it called Woman is the N-Word of he the did. World. He did, yeah. And uh, he kind of goes, the way that we feel in America about the treatment of uh, the black members of society is kind of how women are treated globally. And he yeah. was saying this in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, he also wrote, like, kind of violent lyrics against women as well. Yeah. So he's not, but he's not a perfect man. And and, and very few of us are. And he, he's so, just a jealous guy. He's just a jealous yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly right. I didn't yeah. mean to hurt you. I mean to make yeah. you cry. Yeah. So on one breath, realizes the global stake of uh, and problems of women. On the other hand, probably don't want to be in a relationship with him. No. <laughs> So there we go. Yoko again, strong woman. Yoko, Yoko just turned ninety this week. Wow. Yeah. So it made me look up how old uh, Mako was. I think Mako's eighty, 80 something, isn't he? Yeah, he's eighty, eighty-one, eighty-seven. He's eighty something. He's eighty something, isn't yeah. he? I want to say. He's <laughs> Who not... would have thought when I'm sixty-four, it'd be twenty years in the rearview mirror? I, th- I want to say early eighties. Maybe sure. he's eighty-one. I looked it up. Yeah. I so think I'm. It's, it's, it's a. It's a crooked. It's a, <laughs> I bet yeah. it's one. I bet you it's one. Okay. Well, let's, let's let's unpack this. He was the youngest beetle. Yeah. So sixty three. He's because Lennon be... was Lennon was um, embarrassed to have him in the band, wasn't he? Really? Yeah, yeah, because he was a year below everybody else. Like Ringo's, like three or four. Like Ringo's, um, yeah. There's no way Ringo's like on ninety. No, there's no uh, way. No, there's no way. Yeah, eighty one sounds right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Warren says he's not after the ten thousand dollar bounty on her head because that's why she's with uh, Ruth. He's got three guys who are worth eight thousand if you combine them. So, and Tarantino's great because we're going through this a little bit quickly, but he's just letting every moment breathe. Mm. Every, I will say this to be three, a three hour movie took me over five hours to watch and make notes of this movie. <laughs> I can imagine. Jeez, I started at seven. I think I finally stopped at like 1245. Now I did stop and like make myself dinner in the meantime, but jeez. Yeah. It was hard because I was bringing the hour, hour, hour segments and I'm like, okay. It is tough. I didn't, okay, I'm not, well, I did make notes. Yeah. But that's only because I weren't making notes as I was going along like you do. Yeah. To follow the, the film. But I was making notes going, oh, I've got to remember this because I ain't going to remember this later on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, uh, and being such a long movie, you can't, sometimes I remember stuff when you bring it up and then I go, oh yeah, of course there's that. Yeah. And there's some moments where I go, where are we? There's some things you want to be prepared and be like, I have something I want to say for sure when we yeah, get to this because point. because sometimes I don't. And I've gone, oh, I wish I'd have said that. There was nothing um, worse than when you go back and you go, oh, I wanted to say this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early on, I don't know if it was something my note taking or what the deal was. I just, 
I'd forget to say things. I'm like, how could I have forgotten that? I don't have that feeling anymore because I feel like I've gotten better at taking notes. Yeah, but as yeah, a result, yeah. I think my note-taking process has increased my time, especially because now, for the most part, we used to watch them together a lot more. Now I tend mm-hmm. to watch them by myself a lot more, and that actually gives me the ability to, to pause and just catch up on all my thoughts and go, I want to say this. <laughs> Sometimes that can be my own worst enemy, though. Dude, if we ever watch a film together and you're taking notes, you can always stop it. I know. People are always really good about it, but I'm so always like, I'm sorry, I'm going to pause it. Um, you're the one staring this ship, dude. Well, you know. Uh, Daisy snots a nostril out. Oh, gross. But they, they, they make sure really early on we're not going to like her. And then it's important because of how they're going to treat her in this movie. We have to, like, be okay with it. Well, I flip-flopped with her. Really? I didn't like her. Well, we'll talk about her. it later, yeah. Didn't like her. I, was, I flip-flopped. Um, Roof says Warren can join them. And when Daisy protests, Roof hits her on the skull. And I've got my notes. How do we feel about this? And I think because she calls him the N-word so like so many times in such a short manner. Yeah. That's so we're okay with this. Yeah. But they, they make you okay with it. Which point then I'm going, as a society, <laughs> is this saying that if we're ranking grievances against people, we're like the worst thing you can do is to use the because the movie tells us that using the M-word is worse than hitting a, hitting a woman. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, That's what the movie's just told us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we know she's a prisoner, so we're making assumptions, and she, I, think, I think she's called a murderer. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't say, if she doesn't say the N-word, I think we have a much harder time with him hitting her in the skull. Yeah. Which is a wild thing to think there's, like, some sort of, like, hierarchy. And I don't understand why he is so violent towards her when he wants to keep her alive anyway. That's a good point. Do you know what I mean? I just don't I don't understand. For a guy with such profound sort of a code. Moral's the wrong word. Yeah, a, code a code would be a better way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Uh Roof says he can't help tie bodies to the roof because Warren wants him to. Because like, look, I'm cuffed to Daisy. And that's great, because that's an that's a nice way for us to learn that yeah, organically. Yeah. And then we've got some shots of there's a bit of a time jump, and there's some shots of the horses outrunning the blizzard. Mm. oh it's an amazing shot it's great it was one of the times where you know the 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 giant screen here at the studio of awesomeness that i'm like oh this looks really really good and that that snowstorm was real that's not yeah you, yeah that, you can't make tarantino's that. not not a green screen guy you know no. what I mean? like no 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 like, that's, that's legit yeah, yeah yeah so they waited now, i don't know if anybody in, in that's got through the movie whatsoever it's just you know the actors are probably somewhere else so we, yeah, yeah. Such, such an extreme long shot you don't you don't need the proper actors no, exactly but uh what a shot yeah uh mention about the film stock cinematographer robert richardson who worked with tarantino on kill bill volume one and two and glorious bastards Django unchained film the hateful eight on 65 millimeters using three modern 65 millimeter camera models so for what it's mm-hmm. worth that's why it looks good Roof says he wants to hear Daisy's next snap with his own two ears. <laughs> and that's why they call him the hangman. He says, so he asks Warren, do you never not stick around? And he goes, I never bring mine in alive. And that is the great thing. Like, you kill him. It's a lot easier. A lot easier. Like, if you, any, don't get, you don't if, get more for a bounty, do you, if, if you're there no, alive? No, it looks like it's the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anybody besides John Ruth catches this woman. She's dead anyway. No movie. No. No movie. <laughs> no. Um. Daisy says that uh, Warren is overrating Ruth, and he's not that bright. As a result, he elbows Daisy in the nose, and then the white stripes play, and Daisy smiles. So I'm guessing she must like the driver Spotify mix that he's playing. (laughs) Every time she gets hit, does she smile or laugh? 
Yeah, it's this. It's this. You know and I mean? again, it's like I, a defiance. I, it is defiance, but I also wonder if it's done to condition us to be okay with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, oh, she's not really hurt. She's smiling. Oh, she's smiling. She likes it. Okay, she might not have all the teeth. Oh, yeah, <laughs> she's smiling. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I found some sort of note that originally Jennifer Lawrence was in the shortlist to play this. Now, but there's an age really? gap between Jennifer Lawrence and this person, so I, I don't know how say. much how much credence I give it because she had to go do the Hunger Games instead, or Hunger Games three, or whatever it was. But uh, no. Uh, I think Jennifer Jason Lee. I think she's great in this movie. Credit to Jennifer Jason Lee in this because some of that stuff is vile. Yep, that she has to go through. Yes, I mean I think this is the. I I I'm sure Uma Thurman's gone through some stuff, but this is intense. I felt sick for yeah. this. Ugh. Um, is the winter? So I've got my notes. It's 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 Kurt Russell. It's yeah. winter. Yeah. Does that by its very nature make you think of the thing? Well, of course. I was just wondering if it was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Santa Claus. <laughs> is he in the Santa Claus? No, he's in um, the... Um, oh, he's got like... Chronicles. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Don't even. <laughs> Tarantino wouldn't have cast him if he'd seen that was going to happen. Well, he'd already cast him in um, the other one, hadn't he? Not Planet Terror, the other one. The Grindhouse thing. Oh, what's they call it? Death Proof? Death Proof. Is he in that? Yeah, he's in that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, then we talk about the Lincoln letter. And the way this is written does a great job presenting its worth because he just goes and goes, you still got it. <laughs> yeah. Got what? And we're all like, ooh. Because then you say, well, what's this? And so by by talking around it, and that's what you would if, you, if you'd already had it. Yeah. Do you got it? Yeah, I've got it. And then if someone else, you can explain it to them. But like, I'm intrigued because they're talking around something and not letting me know what it is. And so Ruth gets the letter, and he puts on his glasses, and he's as happy as a kid at Christmas reading reading the letter. And the difference is he doesn't read the whole letter. He reads the last sentence out loud, but that's it. So it's kept again from us. We're like, what is this? And so we can ask all the sort of questions that other characters will. It's nice little touch. And Ruth explains (laughs) that Warren and Lincoln were pen pals during the war, and that this is only one of the letters. They were pen pals. She spits on the letter, and in what might be my favorite moment of the film, <laughs> Warren, not, not because of the punch of a daisy, but no, he punches he... Daisy, who flies out, and then there's this look of horror from Ruth to Warren, because they're, they're attached by, 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 by a chain from the cuffs, so that he has to go flying out as well. Not Warren, the other guy. Uh, sorry, Ruth. Ru- Ruth and... Um... Uh, well, no, Ruth, Ruth. Ruth is John Ruth, the hangman. That's who Ruth is. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're confusing oh, Daisy, Daisy, Daisy and Ruth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's probably, I'm using the surname for Daisy. No, first name for Daisy and the surname for Ruth. Because I don't want to call him John. John. Because no one calls him John. They call him Ruth. Ruth, yeah. yeah. I, I get I get confused with the names. Yeah, this one's going to be a bit. You might want to write that down on your, on your notes to give yourself a little bit of a cheat sheet there. Yeah. Um, And so uh, they managed to save the letter. And now, what is the thing is that, like, he punches, like, for what we find out later, like, it's, it's, a, it's a very big commitment to the bid, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they managed to save the letter, and, the, and he doesn't seem that, con- that concerned about it now. And the, <laughs> and the driver says there's another fella on foot coming up the road. And Ruth goes, considering there's a blizzard going on, a whole lot of fellas walking around, wouldn't you say, Major? And Ruth tells him to put handcuffs on. And there's a defiance to do so by Warren. Mm. Now, do you get the symbolism? Behind yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. slavery. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's a long panning track of the handcuffs, and it's like you want me to put myself. Like, he probably at one point went, I'm never going to do this again. Yep, yep. And then to look at this and go, you are going to put yourself back in these chains. 
But again, Ooh. he's in in um, uh, Warren's defence. He's like, I'm either going to be outside on the cold and take my chances in the Warren's defence for the fact that he puts them on. Yeah, I oh, think, of course. I, yeah, I, I, it's, it, it's this he's or death. Thinking, do I do I survive? And this is a way of surviving. What do I do? It's a really weird. Con- it's bondage or death. Yeah, <sighs> I know, right? Wow. And you can see that fight in his eyes. Yeah. So we get chapter two, son of a gun. And the new man is we give him the same treatment as Warren earlier. It's all the same hits. He walks up, there's the gun on him, yeah. puts your stuff down over there. And Roof surprises uh, the guy by knowing who he is. And we meet Chris Mannix, played by Walton Goggins. I like Walton Goggins. Uh, first appearance in the bottom. Yep. Heck of a character actor. Oh, Have you ever seen him in um, uh, Sons of Anarchy? Is he in Sons of Anarchy? Yeah. Who's he? He plays the transvestite in in Sons of Anarchy near the end of the end of the season. Oh, maybe I haven't got that part he, far yet. Oh, okay. He's brilliant, and he's one of them people that he's such a character actor. You go, I know this face. Why do I know yeah. this face? And then when you Google, you think, Oh my god, oh. he's so good. He says he's got business in Red Rock. He's the new sheriff, but he's got no proof on hand. So Maddox then recognizes them both. He goes, "You're so and you're so and so." And he goes, "What are you guys having? A bounty hunters picnic?" <laughs> and the irony is that if you guys want your money, yeah, you've got to take him. I'm the one who's got to pay you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they still won't do it, and he refuses to put the chains on, and tells him, and he tells the driver as well. If he refuses. He's already heard me identify myself as the sheriff of Red Rock. Yeah. And that means if you do not get me there, then that's murder. So do they take a man's word as gospel back then? Because he could say anything. He could say anything. But he's relying on this guy who he doesn't know to go, you're a witness to this. Right, but if you get to the town and you find out that Chris Mannix is supposed to be a new sheriff, then it's your obligated. So I don't think they're obligated to take him as a word to let him in necessarily although that's what he wants them to do but he's telling the driver if i die and they could have intervened and they didn't mm. that's not just the not just a murder it's a murder of a law yeah law enforcement yeah mm. so it's a tricky situation because again you don't know if they're lying you don't know if they're on the nope. truth people do strange things when they're at death's door <laughs> and the so mannix refused to put chains on when he's told to come in and uh and so Ruth uncuffs Warren, and he goes, why? He goes, because I know that guy's too racist to partner with you. Now, he used a different word, but yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to clean a lot of language up on this one. You do. Well um, you. So they make a deal to protect each other's bounties. So at this point, I went, well, how much money are we talking about, really? So I looked it up. $10,000, 10 grand. And this would have been, what, 1840s? I think I said 1877 was 77. The, what, what I found. Okay. $10,000. Probably in today's money, one and a half million. You're, you're still not even halfway there. Really? 3.25 million. Whoa. And then, so that makes the $8,000 that Warren's got, 2.6 million. Wow. Yeah. So Why would you go out and do any more bounties? You'd be done. You'd be like, none of this risk anymore. Yeah. I'm going to settle down in a ranch and live my life out, wouldn't you? Yeah. As long as you make this one score, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's like the perfect storm. Yeah, it's <laughs> a weird. I never thought I'd make that well But done. if we can just come back with this one, oh, perfect storm. <laughs> <laughs> but if we can just come back with this one major catch, we're set forever. Yeah. 
but we got to survive it. Yeah, true. We find out that Mannix was part of a renegade army that wrapped themselves in a flag to justify killing of all, including emancipated blacks. And so a theme in this movie is going to be really strange alliances made by people who are so ideologically opposed. It's, everybody seems mad, to have an it? issue of everybody. Yeah. Except for Ruth. Ruth is just fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Daisy goes, I like that. And so now we have a compare. Okay, so Daisy's liking Mannix, who seems to be liking her back. She and Mannix also know that there's a 30000 there was at one point a $30,000 bounty on Warren's head. And Ruth looks at him like, what are you talking about? And he didn't know that Warren was at one point a really wanted man. Mm. $30,000, almost $10 million in today's Whoa. money. You'd have thought being a bounty hunter... He would have known that? I guess so. Because he doesn't look like he's been around. It seems like he had to be in minutes. The, he looked like he's been around a while. But it's, So is he traveling all the way out to Wyoming just to find this person? Or has he always been in the, yeah, so it's a, it's a thing. It's actually, that's a great point, actually. If he's this good of a bounty hunter, wouldn't you have heard of the number when it was higher? You would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, Manic says the number reduced uh, over the years, but it didn't stop the boys from coming for Warren. Because it was it was it was it was ten uh, sorry thirty thousand then it went down to ten thousand it was five thousand. I didn't get him though. And Ruth wants to know why it was, and Warren says, "Well, I'm really good about killing, killing white folks." <laughs> and then they talk about a place called Wellingbeck, and it was a it was a prisoner camp, and Warren burnt it down to the ground, and forty seven Southern men died. And he and Mannix is going, "These are fathers, these are sons." And I, I think. It's an interesting point about the U.S. Civil War in general is just, yeah, we look at it now and we go, um, slavery, not slavery. It's very easy to go, uh, okay, the North was good, the South was bad, yada, yada, yada. But this is more of a sort of a time it's like, you know, brothers, families lived on different other sides of a line. He's saying, you know, so from, from Manus's perspective, this is what he sees it as. He's wrong, but it's what he sees it as. But, yeah, go ahead. But again, in, in any war, you see – you don't see people who you know and care about, and if you actually had a word with them, you would think, actually, I'll get on well with these people. Certainly. Um, you see them as the big bad. So you can carp... carp and, what's the word? Compartmentalize? Yeah, that's the one. Good job. Um, <laughs> no, it's, um, good, it's a good point. And, and go, well, actually, they're the big bad, so what I'm doing is right, because they all both believe they are on the right side. And you just demonize the others completely. Yeah. Yep. And, and neither's right and neither's wrong, but, you know, it's, it's so, well, they're, they're all wrong in killing people and families and children and people like that. But, you know, war is war, isn't it? You war always demonize the, the, opposi- the opposition. So um, what's his name? Uh, Warren in Fighting Back says, hey, I just killed a bunch of crackers. Now, the word cracker, I went, how historically accurate is this? I said yeah, to that didn't seem. So I've got the word cracker was used as an insult as far back as 1783. Oh, really? But more so to describe the best I could come up with was to describe white trash. Okay. So it was a certain type of English white settler, but who were the offspring of criminals Mm -hmm. and therefore had no civilized kind of behavior. I've heard it a few times in movies, but more relatively new era movies. Yes. 80s, 90s, that sort of movie. So the earliest memory of that, where you're just kind of using it as as a sort of, I think the word is pejorative, which means insult, pejorative term for white people on a whole. Yeah, 1964, Malcolm X. Oh, so the odds of it being used in this context, yeah, 
not really very high. But I was just like, it's a stylistic choice. Just like the white stripes it's, don't exist. It's a bit like it's a bit like sometimes when they use the word motherfucker and stuff. Sure, I don't remember. I don't think that would be used way back in the eighteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds. Do you know what I mean? I've yep. been. I was just I was just wondering to myself when did cracker become a thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, <laughs> totally, totally understand. But it turns out the Union, which is the North, the Union had issues with it as well, because thirty-seven white Yankee men died as well. Uh, and so he was kicked out of the military for it, we find out. They couldn't prove it. Yeah. Couldn't prove that he w- was okay with killing the white northern guys as well. But the assumption we're left with is that they, the army considered it. It's funny how he keeps his uniform, though, isn't it? Yep. Um, I think there's a. Well, okay, I think the uniform. I think the uniform is a Lincoln letter. Uh, I think it's another thing used that disarms him. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I'm a yeah. war hero. Yeah, yeah. I fought with I I fought with the North in the Civil. So that disarms people and makes them go, "All right, you're on our side." Type you're on our side. Um, you, you are not a threat to me because, heck, we, you probably fought arm in arm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So he also killed many Aboriginal men as well, and that seemed to save him. <laughs> the fact that he killed so many Aboriginals back in the day, yeah, have to get him uh, out of it. Uh, Mannix says his father, as in Mannix's father, fought for dignity in defeat. And he says white men, it's interesting because this will be a term that will be used on both sides in this thing. He says white men are only safe when black men are scared. Hmm. And then Warren pulls a gun on him and says, you can ride with the driver if you keep this up. And Mannix originally came in being like, I'm just grateful to be alive. And he also, he goes from like spewing hate yeah. to just going, Oh, I'm just, oh, what are we doing here talking politics? Yeah, he's very slimy. I'm just, I'm just grateful to be alive. Mm. He's so good. He is. <laughs> Isn't the actor? Yeah. yeah, I know, I know. I've got my notes. It's an excellent performance. It is, it is. Especially when you're up against people like Samuel Jackson. Yeah. I should mention, of course, by this point, uh, Samuel Jackson's got his gun back because OB, the driver, has given him his gun. Yeah, because he asked This is to, part of a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ruth kind of says, yeah. you know. I'm going to need some help, yeah, just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go to Minnie's Haberdashery. It's chapter three, and we meet Senor Bahab, who I forgot was in this so much, played by Demian Bashir. Uh, Minnie and Sweet Dave aren't there, and Senor Bob is helping with the place. And I'm guessing all this would have gone to plan, Bob. except for Senor Bob. Yeah, all this would have gone Mexican. according to plan, except for the fact that, of course, Warren's been here before. Yeah. And that's what they weren't accounting for. And so by looking... And he wouldn't have stopped if there wasn't a blizzard. Yeah. And by watching his reaction to everything, uh, we're able to pick up that he's not letting on. He's not telling us yet. We know something's amiss. Yeah. We don't know what. So... um, because he has that allocation in the barn, doesn't he? Later. Yeah, Mannix and uh, Warren go to help put the horses away, but Ruth and Daisy make their way inside, and we have this great long wide shot. It's a great shot. Where they go, in some voice, it's not even one of the two men sitting in the armchair. No, some no. voice from off camera goes, you gotta nail it shut. Nail the door shut. And then he tries once and it opens. You gotta use two pieces of wood. Two pieces of wood. And so it creates mystery. <laughs> it creates intrigue and isolation and exposure yeah. even in sanctuary you are exposed because it's an open room it's such a wide it? shot oh. like you don't feel safe as a result like if no. you'd shot it tighter with the two guys by the fire yeah it would have seemed really homey yeah but, and, and it was static it doesn't move it's a long take yep yep Ooh. it's good 
and we meet as Oswaldo Mowbray, played by Tim Roth. I like Tim Roth. I believe it's his second appearance in the pod, but I forget what his first was now. Mm-hmm. I know he's in um, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, it wasn't that. But it wasn't that, no. I don't know if it was two. It might have been one. Who knows? But he's shocked at the presence of a lady. <laughs> Not shocked at the black eye, just shocked at ladies here. Yeah. Uh, the coffee is terrible, which allows us to get a valet of the land because Ruth walks around making the coffee and it lets us sort of see the whole place, how it's laid out. It's a great long take. And he, he chucks the coffee all over the floor. Yep. He's a messy little bugger, isn't he? Yes, he is. The other three men, the old guy hasn't spoken yet, um, Mowbray and a cowboy in the corner, we're all on the stagecoach, but we're told the driver is shacked up somewhere else. He's found his own lodgings for the night. I like this a little bit because this is where he now goes around the mall. Yep. It sort of looks him down. The, the ex, exp, the ex, 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 I can't even say Exposition. That Exposition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's lots of point of view shots from Mowbray's perspective of Ruth, and it feels predatorial. Like mm. he's like, he's like bearing down. And then Daisy announces, hey, the sheriff from Red Rock's traveling with him. And that's knowing what we know now. So, yeah, okay, so yeah. when you're watching the movie, you just think she's just talking because yep. she's crazy. Yep, yep. Not nearly as crazy as she's made out to be, by the way. Crazy Daisy. I think she's fine. Yep. Uh, but here you're going, you clever whippersnapper. Mm. You're letting the other three go. You can't make a move on him. There's a sheriff outside. Yep. But we don't know that at the time, do we? No. So it's genius. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah, this yeah. is the first time I've watched it sort of knowing what's happening. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I didn't go back and rewatch it when I was on the film no, effect. So this part, I'm, I'm watching knowing now what ends up happening. Yeah. Going, she's signaling. Yeah. This is clever. It is. And I think she's 100% right. When she said, Ruth ain't that smart, I don't think Ruth is that smart. No. No, I think everybody else here is really clever, except for, <laughs> except for him. Because <laughs> if he was smart, he would have killed her. You know what I mean? Like his whole code goes against the idea it of intelligence. Does. I bet he wish he had it done later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and Daisy, uh, sorry, uh, so genius from a character perspective, I said, keeping the audience in the dark alongside Ruth. And then she brings up Warren as well. Uh, Mowbray asks for a warrant. And he goes, why do you want to see a warrant? He says, hey, you could just be a villain. Cap- kidnapping some poor young thing and just making out under the guise mm. of your bounty hunter. So he shows him the paperwork. And Mowbray goes, why not kill her? And Ruth says, I don't want to cheat the hangman. And then Mowbray introduces himself as the hangman, which is convenient. Very convenient. Uh, back outside, Senor Bob tries to get everybody out of there, which should raise some flags. It should, really. OB and Chris are like, no, we need to march a line to the outhouse and then never back to the haberdashery because it's going to be dark. So you're going to have to feel your way if you want to go to the loo mm-hmm. for the next two days. <sighs> yeah. That's a long-ass way as well. I'll tell you what. Like, I don't care how high you put that up. Like, there's a very real chance that those that, that the snow yeah. could get higher than that if it snows nonstop for three Absolutely, days. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bob refuses help with the horses from Warren until Warren calls him out for, it's a blizzard, and I'm willing to help you with the horses, and you're turning me down. Yeah, there's something wrong. And that's the first cue where we're going, Warren well, knows something. He does, yeah. Um, you, call got, him, you call me a lie? Yeah, not, not yet. <laughs> I've gotten my notes. It's a brutal winter's evening, but nothing I haven't seen before. And I showed that story earlier. Yeah. Uh, back inside, Mowbray's talking about justice versus frontier justice. And the importance of justice is that it's dispassionate. Mm-hmm. I'm, I get nothing out of watching you hang. I don't get anything positive or negative. No. And that's what justice should be. Justice should be. Impo- that's why like justice is blind in all those statues you see where they're holding the scales yep. of justice. Yeah. Yep. 
um, Ruth approaches the cowboy in the corner, and we meet Joe Gage, played by Michael Madsen. Oh, I love Michael Madsen. I, if I had to, oh, he's one of them. They're playing two totally different roles here, but I think they're both great in this movie, Madsen and Roth. Yeah. yeah. When you think they've worked together in Reservoir Dogs together. Yeah, actually, I haven't seen that. And then, and then they're working. Yeah. Uh, Michael Madsen, he's never going to be um, an A-list star. No. Ever, right? But support, fucking brilliant. Yeah. Uh, he he says he's like gravitas, doesn't he? He does. He says he's writing this life story, and Ruth asks, am I in it? And he goes, you just entered. And he says, why are you going to Red Rock? He says, I'm not going to Red Rock. I'm going to visit my mother for Christmas. <laughs> and Ruth is unconvinced. He says, you don't seem like the going home for Christmas type. He said, I'm exactly the going home for Christmas type. So Ruth's unconvinced and then approaches the old man. And this is General Samford Sandy Smithers, played by Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern, yeah. And he goes, hello, old timer. And he goes, General. <clears throat> and he goes, you, sir, are a hyena. I have no wish to speak to you. And Ruth's like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Makes me can get away with being an old man. You're allowed to. And we'll find out why he's doing this later. Yeah, 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 yeah true, yeah. So you mentioned the cast, which is really interesting, because Tarantino said about the cast, this is a movie where bigger movie stars wouldn't work. It needs to be an ensemble where nobody's more important than everybody than anybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little bit. I mean, Kurt Russell's been a huge movie star. Maybe not so much at this age. Yeah. Samuel Jackson's a massive movie star. But again, enough to lead a film on his own? Not really. No. They tr- they never really made him into, not only like a proper film, like Snakes on a Plane, sure. <laughs> or Coach Carter, sure. But those aren't like big, big, big movies. No. It's like Tom Cruise couldn't do this. No. because Brad, Brad Pitt by himself couldn't do this because he'd outshine the other seven. Only if they made him up to be a bit more not so pretty boy. But it's the idea that he's a star, so he draws your focus more as well. So when you have these eight guys, I mean, like anybody can die. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At any time. Well, I yeah. I, I like all of them, to be yeah. fair. Um, Obi and Mannix enter, and we go through the two pieces of wood rig- rigmarole again. And this time it's uh, it's Ruth it's going, them. you got to use two pieces of wood. And Daisy as well. Yeah. yeah. Use the hammer! <laughs> Mannix and Mowbray introduce to each other. The whole while, um, Ruth is shouting, bullshit! Bullshit! <laughs> Because he doesn't believe that Mannix is uh, is the sheriff. Is the sheriff? Yeah. Uh, Mannix then asks Mowbray for a prisoner's order of execution that he's supposed to be watching later of a week, and it validates both of their alibis, or suggests they're both in on it together. Why do they show these letters, and why do they not just set light to them or get rid of them? Or do you know what I mean? What do you mean? Well, for instance, he goes, "I want to see the letter." that, you know, shows that you're taking this prisoner. Yep. So he shows the letter. Why doesn't he then just go, burn, Get no longer a prisoner? Gives it away. But there's... Because you still need to get him and make sure he doesn't kill Daisy. That's the end, that's the end game. Oh, okay. It makes sense. So, yeah, none of this works if Daisy dies. No, that's true. And so... And there's still other parties left accounted for, so it's going to be a waiting game. But it's a strong proposition that he's not going to kill her, though. He's not going to kill her at this at this point, but if you're trying to do whatever, I think he'll probably kill her as a, as, as a means to, well, if I die, I'm at least going to take you out. Yeah, okay. Because he tries later on the he movie. Does, he does, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. If I'm going, you're going. Yeah, to absolutely. Yeah. Um, this, uh, Mowbray asks about the black friend in the stable and asks about the Lincoln letter, and Maddox is less than enthused. He's like, 
the president of the United States. He hasn't heard this either. Yeah. He goes, wrote him a letter. <laughs> That's a bit of a stretch for him. He's going, look, I can get my head around someone, Lincoln writing someone a, a letter, but you're going to tell me that Lincoln wrote a black soldier who was kicked out of the army for killing a bunch of white Union soldiers. He's going to write him a letter. And we view this as the audience is going, well, you're just a racist. Yeah, we do. That's your issue. Yeah. When, in fact, again, it's, it, it, it's, it's, a level it's, of, it's a level of nuance, right? Yeah. We hide the truth with characters we're trained early on to dislike. Because Samuel L. Jackson is a likable character in almost every film, and this is one of them. Like He, he gets the first introduction, so we go, oh, Samuel Jackson. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And then he and Ruth were like, hey, it's like a buddy cop movie. You guys go. You and, then, do. and then in comes the yeah. southern racist. We're like, boo, southern yeah. racist. Yeah. Everything you say must be wrong. Yeah, but that's clever, isn't it's, it? I mean, throws you off the scent. Tarantino, I mean, I don't know if he gets enough credit, if he gets enough credit for his screenwriting. Because mm. the way he structures a narrative, there's a lot of skill. Like, I know we, there's things we go, oh, I love a Tarantino film, but we always talk about under the guise of his direction. We never talk enough about him just as a writer unto itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And writing's not, and we give his dialogue credit, but not his story structure. It's mm. He do um, like to chop it up, though, don't he? He doesn't ever do a straight narrative, does he? he well, always, that's one of the things about True Romance was Tony Scott put it back in order, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, so in the stables, lots. So we have Bob and we have Warren, and we always shoot them never in focus together. No. So it goes from Bob in focus, he'll say something, and then Warren will react to it, and then back to Bob, and then back to Warren. And visually, the cinematographer is kind of suggesting these two ain't on the same page. There's something that's not... There's some sort of filtering process that's happening. Every time someone says something, it's not genuine. Because later you you have both depth and foreground as the same clearness. You'll have that deep focus later on, yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't you? Well, like take for instance when they came in the door at the start of the uh, when they first get to the haberdashery. Mm. That whole thing's in focus. It's yeah. deep focus the yeah. whole way through. Yeah, 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 yeah. Clever. Yeah. So then we when, when we see a difference here, and also with all the switches because it keeps pulling from one to the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, well done to the camera crew because that can't be. Oh, maybe it's no, because maybe digital. Oh, I don't know, it's a modern camera. Maybe they have digital settings on a. I don't know, but either way, not easy to make it to time it so perfectly. That there's a lot of places that could go wrong. Yeah. Um. Bob says that Minnie's visiting her mother on the north side of the mountain. Warren's like, I didn't know Minnie had a mother. And sweet Dave, I didn't think you'd get him out of that chair. He's like, well, he's just going with her. And he's like, hmm. And uh, Warren laughs that Minnie left Bob in charge saying, doesn't sound like Minnie. No. And Bob gets frustrated and challenges, you call me a liar. Yeah. And he goes, <laughs> not, nope. he laughs and goes, not yet. Not yet, <laughs> not yet though. That's yep. what he says, yeah. Bob does pass a test about Minnie smoking a pipe. And he goes, nope, she rolls her own tobacco. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and he passes that test. Yeah. Which is good. It's just enough to sort of plant plant the seed, but we're going to come back here later. Yeah. Because if he was like, hmm, he needs to pass a test because he needs us to kind of forget about it for a bit. Uh, Back inside, Chris Mannix recognizes General Sandy Smithers, and Sanders invites him to have a seat across the table. They're kindred spirits. Do you know what also about this, right? You notice the chessboard right in the middle. Yep. Chess is naturally one of the games where you make your move to see who's going to win, don't you? Move and counter move. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And people moving from different characters yep. to the next, like a chessboard. As a matter of, yeah, okay. Do Especially I mean? as they move around the uh, haberdashery well, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very, actually, well done. Do you know what I mean? That's, well that, just, that just hit me when I, was, when I was watching it. I was like, 
why is this chessboard? Yeah. And why is it half played? Do you yeah. know what I mean? I just couldn't get my head around it. Um, so uh, Mannix gives Sanders the blanket off his legs. Sanders is a son that died out there a few years back, and that's what brings him to Red Rock. He's bought a ceremonial plot, and he's going to put up a gravestone. And he's he has no false kind of hope that, that the, the kid's still alive. Mm. The last two come inside, and Warren goes, "Who's the idiot who broke the damn door?" So again, this isn't normal. No, he's, he's noticing. It's like one of those pictures. What's different about this? And yeah, he's telling wrong? us that's different. That's different. That's different. Yeah. And uh, Minnie has a no hat rule. And <laughs> says you should know that, shouldn't you? And Bob says, "Hey, how about a pass? Minnie's not. Minnie's not here." <sighs> And Warren takes his hat off. He does. He does. And then he kicks a jelly bean. Yeah. And he looks up and we see where the jelly beans are. And we kind of look and we go, now, it's a nice little Easter egg for later, I guess. But, I mean, a jelly bean can fall on the floor. Yeah, but, I mean, that's a lot of jelly beans to pick up, isn't it? Yep. It would be, yeah. <laughs> uh, the general doesn't know Warren. <laughs> He goes, do you, do, uh, do you, uh, oh, sorry. Warren says, man, talking to the general and turns his back consciously to mask himself for a minute yeah he drinks coffee and we get the island match for jar of jelly beans he looks over the room and he walks up to the general the general doesn't know warren but uh, you don't like him no because he says an n-word is an n-word yeah props i mean this is not i couldn't i mean i couldn't do props a word thing but i couldn't do these these lines of dialogue (sighs) todd's because you're trying to put something down on film, aren't you? You're trying yeah. to tell a story. Yep. And you have to tell it faithful to... I imagine... What would have been said at the time. I imagine Samuel Jackson... Is a good barometer of, Probably, Probably said to people, look, you need to just come with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. if you try and pull the punch, then it's not going to be as... The weird thing is, when you hear it the first time, it shocks you. Second time, it shocks you. Third time, it shocks you. After about the hundredth time, it becomes uh, how it's definitely less impactful. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Maybe because they were you use it to disarm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's know. really tricky. Yeah. Warren knows Sanford and addresses him directly with a reference to the Battle of Baton Rouge, but Sanders only communicate through Mannix. Would you tell? That's <laughs> funny. And then he goes, Major N-word, General Sanders would like to inform you. And it turns out Sanders once captured a black battalion and shot all of them where they stood, which is not what you do to soldiers. Nope. It's about to get violent. Uh, because, you know, for a, we find out what his instructions were earlier. Like, Don't engage. Sa- Sanders is completely in defiance of all of it. <laughs> yeah. And Oswaldo steps in to interfere and says, look, let's... Uh, you know, let's see if we can make some peace here. He says, look, if you shoot Sanders, it'll be murder, and I will hang you until you are dead. And Mannix is like, same for me. Yeah. And so Roof comes over and goes, that's the problem with old men. You can kick him down the stairs and say it's an accident, but you can't shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny little line. It's a great line. Yeah. Oswaldo says, how about we separate the territory, the northern side and the southern side. The fireplace can be Atlanta, and the north can be, the bar can be Philadelphia. And Roos like, as long as this is Philadelphia, Philadelphia. I'm happy, because yeah. he's just drinking copiously. I'd want to be near the fire. Yeah, that hut has got holes in it. There's wind whistling through Oh, there. I'm, like, this is clear visuals, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Later, Roof says that one of these men, he says it to the room, one of these men is here to ensure that Daisy goes free. Maybe more than one. 
Warren's like, are you just being paranoid? No, to, to a degree, I'm like, dude, you've picked up on something in the barn. Yeah, exactly. You, you probably would- could tip him off at this point. You've made a deal. Yep. Daisy, on the other hand, goes, you're 100% right. She does. One of these men, or all of them, are working in cahoots with me to see if I go free and you end up dead. Again, clever. Yep. Bring it um, out to the light of day. Yeah, so uh, like, g- g- give it completely away. Yeah. Ruth makes a big speech. And uh, he says, I'm going to take this woman, and she's going to be hanging from the neck until dead. In the background, Jennifer Jason Lee just makes like yeah. a noose thing on herself. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's another great long wide shot, isn't it? It is, yeah. Ruth asks if anyone has a problem with it, and no one reacts. And then he walks over to Joe Gage and says he's taking his gun as a precaution. Gage is like, hey, the hangman's got a gun as well. This is me every time I try and uh, you know, correct someone's behavior at work. Well, so-and-so's, I'm going to get to them in a minute, but right now I'm dealing with you, all right? So can you please stop what you're doing so then I can go over and talk to the other person who's doing the same thing? Yeah. There's a lot of turning backs on people here, aren't there? There is. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of um, uh, uncertainty, and that's a big wide room. And you're like, well, again, it's like chess again, isn't it? You're thinking, right, what is my move? Who do I go to first, and why do I interrogate them? And he goes to the older guy last, I think, doesn't he? Um, the least threat, maybe, um, of who who is around him. Because he's looking around and he's like, he goes straight to the people that I think he thinks are more of a uh, problematic or could be. And he's slowly going through and around the building to disarm everybody and find out who they are and what they're, what they're there for. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Um, where am I at here? He's just gone to take the guns off. Gage. Oh yeah, take the guns off. Um, Warren then intervenes with a knife to the throat to calm everyone down. It works, but it does humiliate Joe Gage, and he goes and he sits down. And I'll tell you what, props to everybody for keeping patient. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you, you could easily blow your cover right here. You could, couldn't yeah. you? They then approach Mowbray, who puts up no fight. He's like, "Here, take the gun." And Roof disassembles the guns and tells Ob to go take them to the outhouse and shove them down the shithole. <laughs> uh, dinner time, and it's stew. You ever make a stew? I've never made a stew. I've never made a stew. Yeah, I like a stew. Do you make one, though? Do you know how to make one? Uh, Have you made well, one? Well, it's just a, I've never made one. Stews are just whatever you want to put in them. Yeah, but there's a few general kind Meat, of... Potatoes and veg. Yeah, and the veg you is usually meat, like put... winter veg, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carrots. Leeks. I put leek in a stew. Carrot, carrots. Carrots, yeah. Yeah. Peas. Uh, celery. Never put celery in. Never put celery in, Mum? I'm trying to figure out. She made soups and she made stews. I haven't had a stew in forever. No, I love a good stew. Something hearty. The problem is, the reason, how you make a stew a stew, I think. I mean, you know, it's not really cooking. <laughs> I do like making big meals for people, but. You do. Um, a stew is a good one. I too. think a stew, I mean, it, it's, what makes a stew different from a soup. The stew's got more lumps in it. It's got more lumps. It's also usually a thicker consistency. Yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there's some sort of a thickening agent. So I think flour, for instance, uh, get used to sort of give it a thickness. I don't know about flour. You don't want you don't want a watery stew because that's not a stew. It's I don't know, soup. But potatoes would uh, w- would make it a bit thicker, wouldn't they? No, nah, potatoes are just a water. It's just it's just another lump of something. Oh, I don't know. I think it needs a thickening agent, but that's just me. Yeah, maybe. There we go. Love a stew. I do like this scene though. 
I also love Stu from the Stu World Order podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Which I don't know if he talks about Stu's on there, but he should. <laughs> he should. Stu, give us your five best movie Stu's. <laughs> <laughs> Just Stu on that for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> I love this scene because um, they all sit down and have their stew. Uh, oh, we, no, we, 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 we got a while to be there. Oh, okay. We're just, we're just, we're just making reference. To oh, he's making reference to this too. Okay. Oh, no, hang on. No, I think they're doing stew. <laughs> okay. Because I've got Ruth uncuffs Daisy, so it must be dinner time. Yeah, because they're starting to have this stew. And he does uncuff her because obviously that's a pain in the backside, him and her trying to eat at the same time. But if you notice, Coggins, uh, what's his name? Mannix. Mannix sits between uh, Warren and... I think it's Tim Roth. Okay. Mowbray. Mowbray. Yeah. I think he sits between them two and sort of listening in and, and then he goes away from them two to the end of the table and then start probing. Then he starts needling, needling the, yeah. the questions. It's weird, isn't it? Obi comes in, have it almost died. I said, he re-enters having almost died out there. I typed <laughs> this and then Obi says, I almost died out there. And I'm like, yep, I'm right. <laughs> he said, I ain't going back out there again. Maddox brings up the Lincoln letter. He's skeptical and even laughs out loud at the premise. And uh, Ruth asks Warren if it was all horseshit. And Warren says, of course it was. And Daisy laughs. And he he looks so disheartened. Daisy laughs at him and eats a face full of stew and not in the way you're supposed to. No. And Ruth looks like he's at his heart broken. He does. He does. It's a great look. And Warren says, the only time black folks are safe is when white folks are disarmed. And that's the purpose of the letter. Yeah. Because now I'm not a dangerous black man. Now I'm someone with a, a letter from someone who you admire. Yeah. So I am, am a I am a link between you and Lincoln. I'm one step of separation. You know, five degrees of Kevin Bacon, one degree of Abraham Lincoln. They're linking them together. There we are. <laughs> and Warren says, hey, did I hurt your feelings? And he went, yeah, you did a little bit. And I feel Ruth's pain on this one. I really do. Because we're the same. Yeah. Don't we want the letter to be real? Yeah. I think we do. Yeah. And when he does, I'm, I feel, I'm like, oh. I felt a bit. I felt a bit hurt. Because I'm like, you, so did I. I really believed in this. Because of the way he punches her and yeah. knocks her out. Of, and between everything else, I want this to be real. So did I. Last purpose of a letter. <laughs> now, I would have liked, I mean, Samuel Jackson. I love Samuel Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Warren even says to him, got me on the stagecoach, didn't it? And then Warren brings a bowl of stew over to Sanders. Yeah. And says, hey, we shared a battlefield together because Mannix is yelling at him. And he goes, will you give me that? And Sanders is like, I suppose you were there. And lets him sit down. And eat the stew as well. Yeah, we're going to eat stew together. Yeah. And Senor Bob starts playing Silent Night. That's- Which is completely juxtaposing the story we're about to hear. Yeah. He's also not great at it, which I kind of appreciate. Do you know what I thought he was playing? I thought he was playing Amazing Grace. No, he's playing Silent Night. Yeah, I know, I know. I think he even says later in the movie he he's does, playing Silent he Night. He does, yeah. he does. But to me, I was going, that can't be Amazing Grace, is it? So they kind of find this like common ground. They just talk about being human. Like Sanders shares about his life with Warren. And then Sanders got to take a shot at Warren at the end, though. He's like, he does. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, you have, you have a woman? Yeah, I lost her last year. So he goes, Better than you made out, I'm sure. <laughs> He goes, oh, okay. And he said, I'll tell you what. I met your son. He spoke highly of his mother as well. And, of course, this is the thing he said to Mannix earlier. Like, he's, he, never, he doesn't have closure on this. He doesn't. I... And Sanders grabs his arm, desperate for news about his son. And Mannix is going, don't pay him any attention. He's, he overheard what you said. He's yeah. going to mess with you. 
But he's still in heaven, Willie. Warren says that Sanders' son died the day that he met me <laughs> and takes the revolver out and leaves it on the table beside Sanders. He does. And he said he came out looking for $5,000, but all they found was me. They all claim a different story with the other end of my gun. And there's great B-roll of the actor who's who's playing uh, Sanders' son in the uh, in the story. But we hear the voice of Samuel Jackson going, if you let me go, I swear I'll never set foot in Wyoming again. <laughs> and Maddox is like, he's lying. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It is very good. So we get the flashback and we get little Sanders walking and exposing his little Sanders. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two hours of walking and he collapses. And so we're given, at this point now, we're given, and it's a great long wide shot again. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of it as it happens. Props to the actor. Yeah, for, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Sure, it was cold. Um, That's what he tells everybody. And, and, yet, and, yet, and yet he held up pretty well, I thought, actually, <laughs> under the conditions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's different if it's water, I imagine. It's cold water. <laughs> <laughs> like a frightened turtle. Uh, <laughs> a Seinfeld reference for you. Um, Mannix again says Warren is lying, but we're sort of seeing the images now, visually, that I think Sanders is supposed to be seeing in his head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they're not the real images. They're just the images that he's seen. And Mannix is like, he just wants you to go for the gun so he can shoot you. And he said, all your, all your son wanted was a blanket. You'd be surprised what someone would do for a blanket. And now the whole time, Sanders is recoiled underneath a blan- underneath his blanket as mm. he's hearing this. And Warren brings it all back to, and I lied. And I'm skipping the bit, but it's basically he forces Sanders, in a story, he forces Sanders' son to perform oral sex on him. Yep. With the promise of you'll get a blanket if you do so. And he's laughing away. And like in the flashback, I'm using finger quotes. You can't see them, folks, because it's an audio meeting. <laughs> I can see But them. in the flashback, and he sits back and he laughs. And then we cross cut that with him laughing in the uh, in the yeah. haberdashery as well. Yeah. And so obviously this is what uh, is being imagined um, by Sanders Sr. And... Uh, he said, hey, look that. And you know what? It was a lie. And I knew it was a lie. And he still did it. And then uh, then I killed him. So the question now is this. What are you going to do? Yeah. Just like you ignored the uniforms on that black battalion. Yeah. Are you going to spend the next two to three days ignoring the man that killed your son and well, did all the other things to his son too? Yeah. He said, the dumbest thing your son ever did was to let me know he was your boy. And then that for assumes his death as well as the, you know, this is the, this is the 1870s. Yep. Like even forced homosexual activity is not going to be seen with any sort of positive viewpoint to it. And so your, not only in a racial capacity of it as well, like this, and this all falls on I'm the reason this happened. The reason. Yeah. So he reaches for the gun and Warren shoots him and smiles and the song's over and Bob closes the uh, top of the piano. And it's kind of strange how no one really reacts. Yeah. So I'll watch that. Yeah, isn't it? Yep. It's weird. Also, it does almost help their alibi. Okay, yeah, no one protects him because he just want to. He's just okay. He's an old guy. You got You know, you got what's coming to him. Yeah. Uh, chapter hey. four. Dom yeah. has got a secret, and we meet the narrator, played by. Uh, I do know this. 
I'd hope so. Very famous. Oh, unless I hear it again, I'm not going to get it. It was Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yes, of course it is. <laughs> he because t- I heard it and I went, oh, it's him. He tells us it's been 15 minutes since we left our characters. And that's interesting because he's calling them characters. Yeah. Which foregrounds the fact that it's a movie. Yeah. Foregrounds the construction of it. Rips us from what we call our immersion, right? Because we're so invested. And you call them characters. You go, okay, yeah, right. Hang on. It's a uh, fictional story. It's been constructed by someone, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Joe Gage volunteered to take Sanders' body outside. And they drew straws for who would help him. OB lost, which is a great little comedic (laughs) line. Because he swore he was going to go outside. Yeah, that's funny. Domergue hasn't moved since dinner. And we get told and then later shown that somebody poisoned the coffee. Um, and the only one to see him do it was Daisy Domergue. And we, we're seeing all this through a different camera perspective as we see the same scene yeah, kind of over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. And the narrator even makes note to call, that's why this chapter is called Domergue's Got a Secret. I'm like, oh, so we're even making reference now to the to the title cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's cool. Uh, and then Daisy asks if she can play the guitar. And, you know, John's like, all right. And so she starts playing the, the, the she, she tunes by ear, which first off is really difficult to do. Oh, my God. And then she plays a song called Jim Jones at Botany Bay. I don't know. What, what do you have there? You I've got um, uh, lots of great focus pulls, especially when Daisy plays the guitar. Ah, yeah. Give us a her. Okay. So as she plays, the camera's focused on her. But Obi and Ruth then head for the coffee because he's keeping the door shut, Ruth. Yeah. And Obi and Joe Gage come back in, and the two of them make their way for the coffee. And every time she kind of looks over, she turns around and looks, there's, she says, there's like a focus pull. Yeah. And then it goes back. So we get the idea that she's checking, and we need to see, but we only clarity when, when it happens. And there's more focus pulls show they're on different sides. Ruth takes a sip and says, does that song have another verse? And she's like, all right. And he's like, all right, play it for me. And she changes the line, the very last line of the last verse to, and you'll be dead behind Behind me, John, when I get to Mexico. Yeah. At this point, he's going, that ain't the words. (laughs) And he grabs it and he smashes the guitar. And Daisy seems really upset. Yes, because I've got here, Daisy's reaction to the guitar being broken seemed real. Or she acted her socks off. Generally thought there was a gun in, in the guitar uh, as she had it tilted upwards. Yeah. And I, I just thought, wow, that was such a and, great reaction. And she looks off screen at somebody, it seems. Because she looks, and then she looks off to the side. <laughs> That's because it's exactly what happened. Oh, really? The guitar destroyed by Russell's character was not a prop, but an antique 1870s Martin guitar lent by the Martin Guitar Museum. Holy shit. According to the sound producer, Mart Ulano, the guitar was supposed to have been switched with a copy to be destroyed, but this wasn't communicated to Russell. So everybody on set freaked out because they knew it was an antique and he didn't. No, but he gave us so much sass, didn't he? So Lee's reaction, Jennifer Jason Lee's reaction is 100% genuine. She breaks character oh, for a second. She bre- she, whoa, you can whoa, see whoa, it. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> you can yeah, see it, yeah, can't you? Yeah. I thought, because yeah. I genuinely thought, hang on a minute, what's going on here? So, yeah. And I thought maybe that maybe she had a gun hidden in the guitar, uh, or I don't know. And then uh, I didn't think I'd be a real life thing. Direct quote, though, Tarantino was in a corner of the room with a funny curl on his lips because he got something out of it with the performance. So I guess there's something being implied there. Yeah. That maybe Tarantino's like, <laughs> oh whoops we didn't tell kurt 
<laughs> and he got this reaction from everybody when, when, it, when, it, when it breaks. Yeah. Now, the, the, the question is, yeah, you got this great reaction, but you'd almost argue, is the reaction out of scope? Because, yeah, because why would Daisy care if you smashed a guitar? Yeah, exactly. That's why. Okay, you took the guitar away. Big whoop. Okay, great. Oh, like, he punches you in the face on a regular basis. This is not... That's why that... Breaking the guitar is not a huge... So, if anything, he she overreacts now. Yes. Yeah. And that's why that made me think. I mean, what's going... That's why I thought, well... Maybe there was a gun in it in the yeah. guitar because no. that's what she was going to get. But yep. you know, it was a genuine reaction because yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, so there we are. Um, museum director Dick Bowick said the museum was not told the script included a scene that called for a guitar to be smashed and deemed it was irreparable. The insurance remunerated the uh, purchase value of the guitar. As a result of the incident, the museum no longer lends props to film productions. I wouldn't blame him, to be fair. John Ruth then ha- re-handcuffs himself to Daisy, and John starts playing with the coffee cup as Daisy drums on the table, looking at him and waiting. <sighs> Mannix grabs himself a cup of coffee and is just about to drink it when Ruth vomits blood all over the table. Oh, so the question gross. I've got is this. Is the act of upchucking anything vomit, or does it have to be what we call vomit for it to be vomit? Basically, I'm asking, is vomit a noun, or is vomit a verb? Uh, Do you vomit something up, yep. which then for means anything in your stomach is now being vomited? Yep. Or does vomit have to be that combination of stomach bile and all that sort of stuff? Uh, no, anything. So if I overdrink... Do yeah. I, and, and as a result, I upchuck. Yeah. Is that by its... Is, am, am I vomiting? Yeah. Okay. So vomit is more the, the, the action than it is the, the substance. Action than the substance. Anything that comes from your stomach is therefore automatically labeled as vomit. Yeah. So he vomits blood. Yeah. Okay. That's what I that's what, how I put it. I just had it written down, I thought. It's a fun little uh, <laughs> fun little thing. Oh, this next bit. <laughs> um so then uh Obi also vomits up blood and falls to his knees, and Ruth looks at his cup and then to Daisy and she goes, When you get to hell, John tell him that daisy sent you and he beats her up and goes to choke her out because she can't escape because she's still cuffed to him and then he pukes blood all over her and it's like i just got my notes it's like a close-up carry oh it's gross how she managed to laugh through that she laughs and then gets his gun and shoots him see she he also breaks her teeth he punches her does he breaks breaks the front teeth Yeah. yeah because oh, she spits her teeth back at him and laughs so then out of nowhere um there's a gun to her head and you hear someone say give me that fucking gun don't test me and it's warren and some manix gauge oswaldo and senor bob are all lined up against the wall he then calls manix away from the wall and it's manix and warren against the world and manix is like ah so you finally believe me and he's like i don't know if i'd say that but, but you use about to drink coffee. He almost drank the coffee. So <laughs> yeah. you're clearly not the one who poisoned it. You. <laughs> Warren then gets the key from Daisy. And I don't know what he does near the kettle with it. He doesn't throw it in the kettle, but he does something with it. I, I watched it four times. I couldn't figure out what he does with the key. Does he not throw it in the stove? Is that what it is? Is it a stove? Yeah, stove. Okay, that makes sense. Up, uh, so it melts. Melts, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was like, I, I can't see what he's doing with it. Yeah, I assumed he was trying to melt the key. Right, that would make sense. Um... Warren then tells Daisy, you just killed the only man in here committed in getting you to Red Rock alive. So that's I mean, Roof's last image. is like he's trying to like he's like literally choked. The, it's interesting he didn't get the gun. Yeah. You could have done that. Yeah. Anyway. Now we get Warren Mannix working together, and I am here for it, I've got. 
This is the odd couple I did not know I needed in my movie. Yeah. Uh, Warren says he can rationalize Ruth's death, but not obese. Which is interesting because they, we were told earlier by the narrator that there was a big argument about how legal was Warren's murder of Sanders. Yep. And they went, hey, he, he yay, but he made him grab the gun. I mean, in frontier land, this sort of makes sense. Frontier justice, right? Yep. Um, oh, here's my question about that. My question about this is, is any part of the story between, is any part of the story about Sanders' kid true? No. I agree. I think it's another Lincoln letter. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's trying to get a reaction. He's trying to get. So while he said that usually his, the, the Lincoln letter serves to disarm white folk. Yep. I think the story is meant to do just the opposite, to yep. arm him. Yep. Literally in this case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he yeah. leaves, why would he leave the gun? It's a Lincoln letter. Yeah, of course. The same, it's the same. When, when Ed and I were talking, that was my, I remember going to him and going, dude, this is just another Lincoln letter. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. No, 100%. He's just playing on what the, the old man is thinking. He's, 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 he's picked up on enough information. I'd be curious to watch him to see how close he is during all of these past. Because he's lost yeah. everybody, hasn't he? Yeah. You he's know? just there, but he's just an old man kind of settling his last stuff and wait. Yeah. Waiting to, waiting to shrug off his mortal coil. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so back to, you can justify rat roof's death. Cause you're trying to, so whoever's here trying to rescue, um, Daisy. Yeah, but Ob didn't have to die. No, nope. and that's Warren's issue. Warren's issue is like I get the bit with him. Yeah, I don't get, I don't get Ob. And Manic says his money's on Joe Gage for who poisoned the coffee. But Warren says slow it down, slow it down. He goes, who made the coffee? And they go, Roof did, which is one hundred percent true. Roof <laughs> did make the coffee. Yeah, yeah. And he said, I'm thinking about the stew. And he shares some home stories about stew. He says. Someone's stew, no matter what meat you put in it, it tastes like their stew. Yeah. In the same way that I bet you my spaghetti, well, not by my bolognese, but my spaghetti and red sauce, probably tastes different from other bit. And you go, whatever you do, I know what, what Everybody that, has or what, different slum. Or here's what Ian's chicken wings taste like, or here's yeah, what Ian's yeah. paprikash tastes like. It's oh, no matter what you do. That. Yeah, I was thinking the other day, I got to find a low-fat version of it. I think I can do it with, like, Greek yogurt. So yeah. I, I may go down that road during my next half-term break and see. Oh, nice. Yeah. Problem is, it takes all day to make it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Warren's a bit stewy, so he shares some. I said, so someone stews personal to themselves. This is like a thumbprint. And he goes, let me ask you a question. If Minnie's on the north side visiting her mother for a week, how is it she made the stew this morning? Mm-hmm. And he goes, and then the chair, which sweet Dave always sat in, and he removes the blankets, and there's a blood stain on it. And Senor Bob asks him, I'm being accused of murder. And then Warren and Mannix just go through. Each of you could just be posing to someone else. Mm-hmm. Just take on the thing, Oswaldo. You could have killed the real Oswaldo Mowbray. Yep. Taking his papers. Who knows? Pass yourself off as him. Yep. Uh, Senor Bob reminds us that while the incident with Sanders was going on, which is when the well, the um, the poison apparently happened, he was playing Silent Night. He was. Just true. He says the only issues are that the poisoner, Senor Bob and an accomplice, didn't account for the blizzard and for Mannix. And for Warren. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'd have gotten away with it. Yep. And Senor Bob says, what, you're just going to kill us based off a far-fetched theory? Yeah. And Warren laughs and goes, it ain't that far-fetched. And it's more of a theory. He said, how long have you been working for Minnie? He goes, four months. He goes, oh, so you wouldn't have seen the sign. He goes, what sign is this? And he's like, well, there was a sign that used to hang over the bar. It's had it from the day she opened. Clever. And it said, no dogs or Mexicans allowed. Yeah. She took it down two years ago. She started letting in dogs. 
<laughs> he says, now I am calling you a liar, Senor Bob. I like that bit. And yeah. that means you killed Minnie and Sweet Dave. And he shoots him in the head that his head explodes, which it just is, never happened. But it's, it's, it's Tarantino. He's having fun with the movie, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the next interrogation. So he goes, look, if I don't get another confession, I'm going to pour this whole pot of coffee down Daisy's throat. At which point Joe Gage confesses at two because he had till three. We then get a panning shot down to Channing Tatum. which I hate. Here is my big issue with this film. The fact that he sat down there all that time? Nope. What? If you're watching and it's highly stylized credits, they go through all the stars, and they go, and Channing Tatum. They do, yeah. So when I watched it the first time, I knew Channing Tatum hadn't been accounted for yet. Oh, okay, yeah. And so it ruins it. Yes, it does. If they had the nerve, and so I imagine, the very end. and I don't imagine this is a Tarantino thing. I imagine this is a this is a Channing Tatum or his agent or something like that thing. If they had pulled a seven and waited till the end to give his name, list everybody else, but put Tatum off to the side. Don't do any promo work, nothing. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and then it just pans down. You're like, someone else. Wait, Channing Tatum's in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's huge. Yeah, yeah. True, true. I agree. Because it, it took something when it panned down. I went, well, I've been waiting for Tatum to show up. Yeah, the whole movie. I did the same thing, if I'm yeah. being honest. Because I saw Channing. I said, I can't remember him being in that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the first time I watched it, I remember going, yeah, I kind of was expecting him to show up in some, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to, it could have been so good. Could have been. Yeah. Could have been. But I'll tell you what, you got some bloody patience. Yep. Seeing your sister getting, yep. oh, give her too much No, money. you're fine, because we're in the film. <laughs> you're fine. You know, Seeing your sister getting sort of beaten and, yep. you know, and blown shoots, gunshots and everything. You don't know. You can't really see what's going on up there, can you? Yeah. Um, so Tatum then shoots Warren, Warren from underneath. Oh, it gets him in the bollocks, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He gets his foot and he gets him in the, uh, yeah. in the, in the groin. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Bollocks is British for groin. <laughs> Never mind the bollocks. Here come the sex pistols. Or at least some sort of pistol. <laughs> uh, Oswaldo shoots Mannix in the confusion. Mannix in turn shoots Oswaldo back. And this is all in glorious slow motion. The only time I think slow motion has really been used for the majority of the film, actually. Doesn't um, Samuel L. talk slowly at one point? Oh, and there's a thing, because if you slow something down enough... If you if you slow something beyond the point where it's supposed to, it actually kind of messes up the audio. Mm. And they actually like use that to its advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like someone, me, <laughs> and it like degrades yeah. the audio to the part where yeah. it actually like sounds bad. Yeah, but they do this on on purpose yeah, here for yeah. this. So it, it was all right. Yeah, uh, Joe Gage turns around after mentioning that he's unarmed. He goes, "I'm unarmed," and he puts his back to him. So if you're a sheriff, are you going to shoot a man in the back? Yeah, exactly. That was clever. Yeah. He even goes, I'm unarmed, Sheriff. <laughs> oh. And then we cut. We get chapter five, The Four Passengers. And I've seen that cross before. And the we get told earlier that morning by a Chiron. And it's not nearly as snowy on the, uh, on, no. on the cross. Because it's earlier I today, got, isn't Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. I got confused by it. That was, a, that was a great visual indicator. Yeah. All the shots we shoot have the horses moving from right to left, which is an unnatural feeling, although it's also the same direction that... They were moving and they're trying to outrun the blizzard earlier in the film. But typically, we like things moving from left to right because that's how we read. It's how. So we associate that with progress. 
moving from left to right across the screen. Oh, okay. I think the same, again, when I talk about Lawrence of Arabia, yeah. that came from right to left. Right to left? Yeah, c- across the screen and up. Oh, did it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because almost every, like Little Miss Sunshine, almost every shot is left to right in that film. Oh, okay. Almost without fail, except for yeah. they get pulled over by the cops, then it goes right to left. Ah. So there's a lot, it's not necessarily an absolute, but it's often used for that reason. Oh, okay. Which is why when I do Witness, well, I used to teach Witness, and Witness is about the Amish. Yep. Do you know who the Amish are? Yeah. Um, people don't believe in uh, people don't believe in electricity and stuff like that, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Live a live a more simple yeah. down to earth life. So I argue that they move from right to left because they're seen as backwards by the mainstream uh, community. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. I'm just doing my thing. Um, <laughs> it could suggest trouble, or the fact we're going back to earlier in the film, or it could be nothing. The new wagon shows up at the haberdashery. We meet Minnie Mink, played by Dana Gurrier, and we get the reveal of all four passengers, and this is where we get our confirmation that Joe Gage is, in fact, in on it. Yeah. I was disappointed when Joe Gage was in on it. Yeah, because I liked him. So they don't want Alden to be in on it, at least all the surviving members to be in on it, but I guess it is what it is. Yeah. Then we meet Jody Domingue, played by Channing Tatum, and he asks Minnie to roll a cigarette, Red Apple Cigarettes, part of a Tarantino-verse. Red Apple also shows up in Pulp Fiction, as I'm sure. It's like Big Kahuna Burner. It's like yeah, one of the yeah, things yeah, he does. Yeah, one of the things, yeah. Um, he and uh, the guy we've been calling, uh, Oswaldo, buy peppermint sticks and jelly beans. Yeah. Which I guess is a cue. It just felt like a really weird cue. It did. Maybe it's the mix of sweet candy, which suggests innocence for these big men are about to kill people i thought he was gonna stab someone with it yeah <laughs> you know what i mean because he was too, yeah. i don't know jody shoots millie and six horse horse judy while senior bob kills sweet dave by stabbing him in his chair Ugh. and then which is enigma fulfillment so we saw a mystery here's how it got there so i like six horse judy we see that yeah yeah she was from new zealand yeah yeah we see the jelly bean and all that so we go oh this is how it all comes together so that's I have an argument for Pulp Fiction, which I'll share with you, Pulp Fiction as well. But the joy of Pulp Fiction comes not in the watching, but in the rewatching. You get something more of it the second time you yeah, see it because yeah. you appreciate how it all comes together. Yeah, yeah. The first time you're just trying to go, what did I just watch? Yeah. I'm not sure it's as necessary with this because it's very obvious sort of enigmas that have to be fulfilled. How'd the jelly bean get there? It's not going to be, oh, that's how the jelly bean got there. Yeah, okay. The, yeah, the, the blood stain it. was cooler. Yeah, that's yeah. nice to make a big thing of it. Because otherwise, you you look around and you see us a haberdashery. You see there's different stuff about. So yeah. you, that could have been dropped. It could have been dropped in any capacity. Yeah, any capacity. It could have been the old man was eating some jelly beans earlier and dropped one. Yeah. It's not that huge of a deal. No. <laughs> no. Um, uh, so, Senior Bob uh, wounds Charlie of his table hand. Joe Gage walks around and gives him the kill shot in this little stable kind of room. I don't, I don't know what it was. Some sort of storage room. Yeah. I didn't see who got the old man who was driving. He dies somewhere, but I couldn't see where he actually yeah, got shot. No. No. Jody makes a deal with Sanders that he'll just say nothing because Senior Bob's the one who goes. Oh, doesn't he doesn't he go around the corner and That was the that was the guy who was helping with the the horses. He was oh, the stable head. Oh yes, he was, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, I was very surprised by I mean it's eighteen seventy seven, I was very surprised by the, the Tarantino's idea to make the couple interracial. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed very progressive mm, very yeah it's all right um but i was like oh wasn't expecting that yeah that's nice um jody makes a deal with sanders because senator bob goes hey he kind of fits the decor basically <laughs> it'd be a lot easier if we had someone here yeah so they make a deal from him. he'll say nothing and his reward for that is he gets to live which 
we all know he doesn't. And it probably doesn't help that, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's one more chance for Sonic. Oh, he deserves it because he goes, you know, you really that thrown up because sweet Dave's dead. He's like, these people don't mean shit to me. <laughs> I like just, you don't mean shit to me. I just met him. <laughs> <laughs> Which to be fair, sweet Dave was kind of rubbing his face and he was beating him in chest. He was. Yeah. So, uh, then they wait for the heroes to show up and that, and we sort of sit there as they all get ready. And then we hear kick it open. And now we're all caught up. Caught up yeah. Last chapter, Black Men, White Hell, which I believe is supposed to be Django in White Hell was the original working title. Yep, so. yep. Um, Warren's laying on a bed thinking he's going to die and asks Mannix how he's doing it. And he goes, well, I'm going to I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they give the man in the basement a three count to show themselves or they'll kill Daisy. Jody gives himself up and Daisy smiles. It's a little bit, a little bit intense, the eye contact here. Yeah, I quite like how he says, throw the gun. Yeah, throw, yeah throw the other throw one. Throw the other one. And he goes, you sure this one? Just throw another one. And yeah. then he throws, he goes, told you that. One. <laughs> that made me laugh. So the Domagues make eye contact with each other, and it's a bit creepy. And yeah, then it's, creepy a is shot, and it's a shot just to Channing Tatum, and then his head explodes. Oh, my God. I did. That made me jump. <laughs> I forgot that that happened. That made me jump. Because I tell you what, I did forget. I think I remembered everything really well up until about this point. Yeah. And I kind of knew how it ends, kind of, sort of but not fully. How could you forget Channing Tatum's head being blown off? I did. but that, Probably because he's not in the film for hardly two seconds. Again, again, though, credit to Jennifer Jason Lee with the whole like brains and yep. blood and everything in her mouth. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I would have been sick. Uh, yeah, she's like, if she wasn't already crazy, she's crazy now. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what did she say later? She went, there's nothing we can't do that can't be forgiven. Yeah. I was like, What? They tell Chris that Daisy's now the leader of the Domingue gang. So they're basically now trying to turn them on Warren. Yeah. If you can turn on Warren, we can all go away. And, and there's still those bounties out there. Yeah, there's bounties out there. And if you want to save the town, shoot Warren. Because otherwise, we got 15 men who'll be here in the morning. They'll kill you all, and then we're going to kill your town. Mm. Again, I didn't believe that. And we find out that Marco, the that Bob, Senor Bob, was really Marco the Mexican. Oswaldo was English Pete Hickox, and Joe Gage <laughs> is Grouch Douglas. And um, they go, look, you can have uh, you can have Bob. And he goes, Samuel Jackson Warren's like, I exploded his head. He's not worth a penny now. No, he comes. Because he, he was worth like eight grand or yeah. ten grand or something like that. Daisy explains that even when they die, it'll be impossible to bring their bodies into Red Rock because you'll have to put a body on each horse, which means you'll have to lead a trail of like six horses to march them all in to get the payment. But then, um, what's her name? The one I like, the New Zealand girl. She rode three, six but horses. She was the only one who could, she was the only Judy who could do it, which is why she's six horse Judy. Uh, Apparently, it's too much of a skill thing. I'm like, you know, it's pretty cold out. You yeah. could probably just leave them outside and do multiple trips. Yeah. It's just nine miles. Well, I figured. How long would nine miles take on horse? A decent horse? I'm not saying you have to gallop, but like a trot. You could do it all right. Well, um, Dick Turpin managed to kill someone in London and ride all the way to York um, in a day. So. That's a long way. It's a long way. Yeah. Uh, Warren like then this. shoots Daisy in the foot because she's trying to make her sell. Uh, that's he's so good and this is where pete says um so this is um pete is oswaldo says to chris you haven't done anything we can't forgive (laughs) and then warren shoots him too that's funny joe gage grabs a gun which we see has been underneath the table as part of the flashback we saw they stash some weapons all around 
and he goes to shoot Warren or Mannix, but the good guys each land a shot, and that's the end of him. We don't see him again. Then it's time to shoot Daisy, and it's this great shot of just, it's a focus pull from Samuel Jackson to his gun, and it's out of bullets, and then it cuts. He tries twice, and then it pans back, and it's such fear in his eyes. Now he remembers the gun that um, uh, Kurt Russell had. Yep. And uh, at which point Mannix is like, hey, hang on. He goes, shoot her. And he goes, not yet. <laughs> and he goes, you're going to make a deal with this diabolical bitch? And he goes, we're just talking. We're <laughs> just talking. I made a deal. He's great. And Mannix tries to make a deal for uh, Jody. And he goes, hey, uh, how much can I get for him? Now, we literally just said if the head's exploded, you yeah. can't identify them. So there's no bounty. It's just a no. headless body. Yeah. Uh, and so he goes, well, then no deal. And he goes, because here's a problem. For your threat to work, I got to believe in the 15 gang members, which I don't. Nope. I also believe that Joe Gage poisoned the coffee. He's going to let it go. <laughs> and he starts walking and monologuing about the difference between a gang leader and the general of a renegade army. And Samuel Jackson, look at him like, yeah. do you not hear this is the same thing? But he goes, I don't feel so good. And then he falls over. And then instantly the power. Oh, those watching who is the power it's in this. Got, yeah. It goes from Samuel Jackson having it to the gun won't fire. And then Daisy's got all the power. Oh, is it? Is it um, the thing he's gun then? Not. Um, must be his gun. It must yeah. be his gun, must not it? And then Daisy. And then when he falls, Daisy, it goes from um, um, Chris Mannix having the power. Yeah. Back to Daisy. And she's absolute. Just like it's 100 to zero. It's just swinging wildly. Uh, Warren is scared. Daisy drags Joe's body over to the kettle and grabs, I guess it was a cleaver? Yeah. So and hacks his Roof's arm off? Ugh. Just as she's about to go to get Joe Gage's gun. That's whose gun it is. Uh. Manic shoots her. And then he goes to shoot her dead, and Warren stops her in honor of John Ruth. And he says, hey, when the hangman catches you, you then, hang. Then you hang. Because what was it? Um dark oh, was it ba- mean bastards they don't just hang mean bastards but mean mean bastards gotta hang something like that something like it? that yeah, yeah, yeah credits them to try and get that that hurt H- hang on one second though okay five minutes ago yeah samuel jackson's looking on the barrel of a gun and trying to shoot her in the head yeah that's so true. where's this come from all of a sudden yeah. this poetic hang on hang on that seems a little i've odd. been thinking about the code <laughs> <laughs> So instead, they hang her from the neck as she twitches. And she's even got the arm still attached to hers by yeah. the cuff. Do you know, I genuinely thought she was going to get out of this. Until she's dead. And, and the, she is. The boys admire their death, and they lean back to die. And Mannix asks to see the Lincoln letter. And he reads it out loud to us now. Now, yeah. And our, our friends, as they go to die, are, 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 you know, Samuel Jackson, who hates all these white Southern boys. Yeah. And the white Southern boy, who's a terrible racist, yeah. I've been using the N word nonstop in this. Movie. Yeah, they've come together. They've come together yeah. collaboratively, and he appreciates the artistry of the Lincoln letter. <laughs> yeah. and he's the one who gets to read it to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, "Old Mary Todd's coming. That's a nice touch." <laughs> and he goes, "Yeah, thanks." <laughs> and that's the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is that absolutely you hanging, the movie. Do they die? Do they not? Do they? I assume they would. Now losing too much blood. You know, the time the storm's gone through. Imagine coming across that, though. And then you open the door, 
and there's all these like dead bodies. I'd have, I'd have been like a what the fuck happened here? Quentin Tarantino. Quentin. Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. But yeah. Well, this is going to be an interesting one. Go on. Um, we are supposed to be joined by uh, Juliana this time. Yep. She's had a family emergency, unfortunately. Uh, so she has to go pick up her husband whose car won't start. Oh, no. So we're going to put a break right here. Yep. And then depending on what time they come back, it'll either be <laughs> me or it'll be me and you or whatever the case might be. Do you have to run out right this moment? No. All right. So we're going to watch a little bit of football. A little bit of football. A little bit of football. And then we will, uh, <laughs> it's been awesome this, but we'll catch you on the flippity flop. The flippity flip flop. Oh, that wasn't the right cue code. <laughs> oh, it was. I just didn't have it on. Okay. We'll catch you on the flippity flop. The flippity flip flop. And we're back. We um, are indeed. Yeah. Um, bit, bit, bit unconventional of, of a BFE. Maybe it's a fitting of a uh, Tarantino where it's all <laughs> yeah, just chopped up and out of order and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, Julie won't be able to join us uh, at this time. I'm going to try and join up with her tomorrow. She won't be here for that. No, sadly. No. So uh, it's going to be kind of a weird double barrel, truncated, insert adjective of your choice here. But... And we are in the end game now, and I'm going to leave it to Juline to pick the random word. Oh, okay. okay. I had picked one just in case. Ah, it's Juline's right to do okay. so. So we'll do some other things here. Um, money, money, money. Um, it was, I'm going to call it a $53 million midpoint. Yep. What do you think this thing takes home? I don't think it was big, big. So I'm going to go 230. 230? Uh wow, you're 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 still way too high. One fifty six point five. Oh, okay. Do you know I was gonna go one fifty and I thought he's still not someone who's really made I'm trying no. to think like his films don't make a ton of money. No. Like they do all right for the budgets, because the budgets are never huge, but yeah, yeah, I actually probably probably comes close to probably about breaking even if I'm being honest. Nah. Um because triple that's about that's about right. Yeah. Yeah, such is. Uh I'm just looking to see if anything uh anything pops up here uh list of accolades let's go for that and see if anything else pops up there uh awards and nominations there we are what do you have here oh that's not gonna help any uh oh here we are so let's go for the awards shall we i haven't even looked at this until this moment uh nominated for three oscars want to have a go it wins one uh best screenplay no uh best script that's the same thing as best screenplay. oh okay uh best uh film Best director, <laughs> no. Best soundtrack. Uh, best soundtrack isn't a uh, isn't an award. Oh, is it not? No. Uh, what are you What are you trying to say? Because soundtrack means literally everything we hear. Uh, sound editing. No. Uh, photo editing. <laughs> Video editing. No. Yeah, yeah, editing? Yeah. no, no. <laughs> editing in general. Uh, you, you'd have a harder time naming this many and not getting one. This is quite impressive. <laughs> okay. Best actor. No. Best support. Sorry, that's what? Supporting actor. No. Actress. Best supporting actress. Yes. <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee is nominated. And good for her. I didn't know this before. Yeah, absolutely. Is nominated for best supporting actress. There's two more. Do you? <laughs> do we do? We how, long, how long we got? Um, I don't have to talk to Julian until tomorrow, so we <laughs> get all the time in the world. Let's keep it short. I've got one. Okay. One oh, out of three it. Okay. Uh, cinematography? 
I was going to say which, cinema which, photography. Which, which we did. You always want to put an F in there. Cinema photography. You want to go cinema photography. I do, I it's do. It's not photography. It's cinematography. Cinematography. Yeah, cinematography is the act of shooting moving image. Yeah. Whereas photography is the act of shooting still image. Still image. So, so moving cinematography. Cinematography. Cinema. Cinematography. Nope. nope, not fog. <laughs> There's no F. There's no F. Cine, cine, cinematography. So cinema. We know the word cinema. Cinema. Photography. Yeah. Cinematography. There you go. There we are. Like photography. Photography remains the same. Cinematography. There you go. There we are. There we go. We <laughs> I've been saying some- it wrong oh, all yeah. this time. <laughs> <laughs> I usually notice when I'm listening to the car, I never think enough to put to write it down. But I was like, one of these times, I need, I need, to, I need to catch Liam in the moment oh, to just tell see, him. That's why it's good to have an English teacher. As, uh, no, you, know, you know, film teacher too. So there yeah, we go. Yeah. Double, double barrel there. Yeah. Uh, one more thing, and you were really close with best soundtrack. But do you want to see if you can tweak it a little bit? Uh, best. Uh, theme. Uh, zoom out a bit more. Not just a theme. Zoom out. Uh, score. Yes, best original score for Ennio Morricone, who never actually watched the film. Oh, there we are. And that was the win. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? If I had to hedge my bets, I would say to him. Oh, I should have gone up a three. Which one do you think it is? Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, good shout on the cinematography, though, because I think uh, there's a lot of stuff we 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 pointed out it's, yeah, that we yeah, liked, whether it was, it was that long shot when they first come in. Absolutely. To all the focus pulls, to, yeah, there was lots of good stuff there. I love so. the focus pulls. And also, the, the what, what do we call that, where you saw the, the depth and the foreground in one Clear focus, what do we call that? Oh, deep focus. Deep focus. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was going to say focus pull again, basically. I no, was like, no, 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 we no, just no, no. Because no. often, like, when we were watching it at one point with um, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and Samuel Jackson. Yeah, they played with depth of field. There. They, they yeah. played with that, didn't they? Yeah, but to have it all in focus. To have um, Coggins yep. and uh, him. Yep on the bed and him in front of the post together in yeah. that same focus. Was, deep focus. Deep focus is brilliant. Which we talked about a lot, actually, in our Citizen Kane episode. So there yeah. we go, folks. Go check that out. Uh, let's do... Uh, who would you cast as who? Lots of options. Ooh. Lots of options. Um, I we can safely say no one gets to be Mar- Mark was warned. <laughs> No, no, I I think I think you'd be the English guy because your accent is superb. Yeah, 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 with the English, which we didn't me- which we didn't mention when he actually joins his like scoundrel version. His accent does get a lot more working class. It does, it does. Yeah, yeah. cool, blimey, um, chief. That's right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's see. Um, I'd be Gage when I. I was just saying. I think you're Joe Gage. Joe Gage, yeah. <laughs> brooding in the corner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We may have to do something about, about the rainbow hair. It doesn't really fit. Yeah. <laughs> no. But we can go ahead and uh, spray paint you some black hair. You've done it before. I've done that. Yes, yes you I have. have for you, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, we need to put that in context. <laughs> uh, Liam was in the crucible with me, and uh, he showed up in his pink hair because you had a run you had to do for raising money for breast cancer. I did, yeah. And so we were like, we need to, we need to find a solution. And the black spray paint hair you had looked fake as all get out. But thankfully, we're doing a play, not a movie. So yeah. from like you know 50 feet, it seemed okay. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And I had a hat. And you had a hat. Yeah. <laughs> we were doing a photo shoot the first time it happened, and you were like, you wanted me so badly to say, yeah, you can go. Yes. And I was like, no, 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 you have to show up. You're like, a little bit, but I don't care. Or else everybody gets to, because the problem is it's not you. It's not about you. If it was no, you, I'd be like, yeah, go ahead, go. It's everybody else who doesn't want to be there as well. And I'm like, no, you got to be there. And so you were like, fine, I'm going to take a hat. And I was like, uh, and the lead guy yeah, had was his wearing hat, a hat, didn't he? You know, I'm going to take his hat. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> 
Then I found my character through that hat. Yeah, it's That's amazing. weird, isn't it? It's amazing. But I love how you, when I, when I get a bit of a strop sometimes, you kind of just look at me and go, yeah, that's fine, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reaction. Still solid. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, so so have we decided that I am going to be uh, Oswaldo? Oswaldo. Mm, you, mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, because... Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm trying to think somebody who fit would fit your character, but then if you... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oswaldo. Cool. Uh, oh, George, oh, who, who's going who's gonna to play the girl? Is it Georgia or is it Megs? Uh, I think it's more Megs. I think Georgia could play crazy better than Megs could. Do you? Although she's obviously supposed to be an older character. So yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, one of them, I mean, there's only two main female parts. One of them's got to be them, and one of them's got to be six, six horse Judy. Yeah, well, again. <laughs> I, see, I put Megs as six horse Judy. I mean, Georgia's going to be Carrie anyway. Let's go ahead. She's okay, be, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. used to blood being dropped on her. <laughs> That's true. There That's true. There so we there go. we are. We've cast it. Uh, there we go. Oh, about Ethan? Oh, Ethan. Ethan's got to be Channing Tatum, doesn't he? He's got to be, any. Yeah. Yeah. This moment is like George and he look at each other and boom. <laughs> <laughs> Who shoots him? Is that going to be me? No, it's not me, is no. it? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did this film have a villain problem? No, just the opposite. It was, yeah. I thought it was really good. Plus, it's a, it's, it's kind of like a murder mystery. Like, Keeps like, you guessing, doesn't it? Yeah, like who's the, un- who is it? Is it Joe Gage? Is it so-and-so? Is it? That's brilliant. No, no, they no. don't play the cards until like third way through, do they? Whose story is it? Uh, well, I would have said it was um, uh, Kurt Russell's, but then he ends up dying, so no. So I reckon that's hers. I think it's Warren's story. Do you? He's the first character we see? Oh, yeah, true. And it's the last character but we see. But she's also fairly... She's really important. I think... And she's the reason why they're all there. Her. I think she's the framing device. Oh, okay. She's the reason why they're all in the room, but does that necessarily mean it's her story? Yeah, because they're there for her. They're there to save her. They're that's why they're there. That's why they're there. That's the character's m- m- motivations. But we start with we don't start with him picking her up. We actually start with we get introduced to yeah, that's Mark true. Quist before we go over. Okay, that's and true. in the last moments between him and his enemy, yeah, that's true. Having that's true. that moment, yeah, I'll take that one. You don't have to be convinced. I mean, no, I'm, no, you've just done a there. We go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, what is the story here? Oh, jeez, I have no idea. The complex mind of Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. <laughs> the story is, no matter what, you're never going to get out of it. If you're bad, you're bad. You know what I think it is? I think it's a bunch of characters who've reformed themselves. Do you think they're reformed? I mean, I guess I'm talking more about our two our two final characters. So oh, oh, with each other, you mean? Warren. Well, he's reformed in the sense that you know, apparently he had this moment where he was killing all of these white guys just for <clears throat> sense that they were white. Yeah. You know, it was kind of what we're left to do. But then somewhere along the way, they find honor and a code. Commonality with each other. Whereas, yeah, you've got um, you've got Mannix who, I guess for some reason, we're not really told his motivations, but he goes out to Red Rock from down south. Where and we he don't was, know if he actually is a sheriff, do we? Still. Oh, I, I believe him by the time it's over. I believe he is the sheriff. You do? Yeah, yeah I do. Oh, okay. I do. I do. I do. If, if, he's still li- oh, if he's still lying at the end, then it cheapens the rest of it. I do think he's the sheriff. Yeah, it does cheapen it, I think. Yeah. 
And I think it's him trying to go, okay, okay I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn over a new leaf here. I'm gonna Because he legitimately seems conflicted when it's the town's going to suffer. Yeah, true. Yeah. True. And he was able to name a prisoner by name who was going to be in Red Rock. Yep. And Oswaldo had it. So from that point on, I believe that he was yeah, that. Yeah, makes sense. And then the last thing is, it's 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 John Ruth saying he's not the sheriff. It actually tells me he probably is the sheriff. Yeah. Because John Ruth is wrong about most things in this movie. He is, isn't he? He is. Sadly. Yeah. I'd like to have seen him survive, but there we are. Uh, role of women. Shocking. Well, Judy, Six Horse Judy, was she was fun, wasn't she? Yeah, as was... Uh, oh, we didn't mention as was... Uh, oh, the, the... Mini. Mini, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then, was it Minnie's daughter? And her daughter. It must be her Plucking daughter. the chicken? Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a sad... They, like, they couldn't I have knew. been happier people. Uh, they thought know, they were not meant for the Old West. No, but you know what, right? I, I think I have a, a, a spin on this. I think it's because um, what happens when everything is so dandy, so happy, followed by a bang, bang, you're all dead. It shocks you, doesn't it? It's, oh, a, yeah? it's a shock value, I think. Well, they have to be way too nice to die. So that we're like, oh, I hate you guys. You got to, you got to, which is them. important because they're all going to die. But yeah, the movie. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, role of women. I mean, there's some interesting comments made about about the way that women are treated, just in general. When she says, "I've been called worse," and he goes, yeah, "You know, is that because she's she's a crazy loon, crazy Daisy, or is it because she's a woman and women get some bad things said about them as well?" Yeah, uh, she's strong. She's tough. She's she is very tough. She's 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 the final boss. She is. She is. She's the leader of the gang. They're all going to follow her, and they no one goes against it. Once he's gone, yep. And six horse Judy, she's strong. Yep. And it's Minnie's haberdashery. It's not yeah, Sweet yeah, Dave's haberdashery. Yep. yep. I mean, don't be wrong. It's going to be really hard to argue that Tarantino's a feminist. <laughs> <laughs> Might be stretched a bit there. But we have strong women. Oh, yes. Yeah, strong, strong women. For, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because every time she gets beaten or every time she gets hurt, she always smiles and laughs at it as if some sort of defiance. She, just, she never crumbles. No. She never gives up. She never wails. She never begs for forg- She never begs to get out of it. None of that stuff. No. She's got strength throughout. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so kind and, of. And she ain't so crazy. No, no I, think, I don't I think, think she's, she is. No, I, think I don't think right. she's crazy at all. I don't all. think she's crazy. I think she's playing the game. Yeah um all right let's do any other big questions this brings forward to us i sort of talked about <laughs> the one at the start where it's like why are we okay with forgetting hip because she used a racial slur <laughs> this is some sort of weird hierarchy that was my big question yeah uh is there anything else i want to talk about here um i don't know i mean it, it felt like a play because it's all in one location it which makes it like which makes it seem like it's the least tarantino of tarantino films there's no pop culture references happening here uh um, you can't really can you, you can't no, no, no. <laughs> no and it was actually quite controlled let's just put a bunch of characters in a room and then no one else can come in you hide the one underneath the floorboards but yeah, the, yeah, yeah. no one else can come in and you sort of just watch them it's it's almost got like a a um agatha christie-esque like yeah, premise to it in the sense that here's all your main characters they're going to disappear one by one but here's here's your cast of characters and that's it no one can get in the roads are closed or whatever yeah, it is yeah. the old you know yeah. he's got he's got a storm a storm's a perfect sort of setup for it yeah um so yeah i don't know it was probably if i was going to introduce someone to tarantino i might start with this film it is a bit n-word heavy oh yeah, considering that's, that's, that's the hard part there is the thing yeah. Tarantino movies aren't that heavy in it. 
compared to this one. Where, was he trying to desensitize it? Was he I don't trying know. to it's shock with it's it? It's interesting was from he? a spectator perspective because I didn't get to the part, uh, point where I'd be very curious to, to, to hear uh, other people's perspectives on yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, it wasn't – I don't like the word. I don't like the word in 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 life, yada, 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 right? No, same. I didn't find it – it stopped me from being able to uh, appreciate the film. No, exactly. No, because that's what I'm saying. Because I said so many times. Because a film's a fictional universe. A film's a fictional universe, and I'm not actually having to deal with these people. Mm -hmm. And it's also set in the 1870s, and I'm able to go, okay, there were racist people in the 1870s. Therefore, I when was slavery abolished? Seventeen. That's the Civil War. That's that. That's Abraham Lincoln. Oh, uh, is okay. So 1850. I want to say like 1855 or something like that. Oh, okay. So it's not been that long. It's been. Well, keep in mind, Samuel Jackson's like he's not a young man. No, 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 no. So he would have been, you know. So quite some time has happened since the war, as is the case also with um, Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders. General Sanders. <laughs> you got some chicken wings. Yeah. How's that, Stu? Is the finger looking good? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so these are men who have, you know, sharing old stories about, about, about the battlefield because it's been old stories, right? Because they are old men, really. They are old men. Absolutely they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and you get the idea that I don't think Mannix fights in the Civil War. I think he does join the Renegade Army, but still around after the Civil War. Because his father's His father's the leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, they talk about, my father talked about you, but it was never a shared thing between them. He doesn't say that I served. He says his father was. Isn't that a weird thing to wear the uniform that many years on? Yeah, I mean, Do you know a, what I mean? a long time after in the Civil War, there was the idea about the South was going to rise again. Um, what generally kind of? Well, it was, there, was, there was an old thing that said, save, save, your, uh, save your Confederate money. The South is going to rise again. Oh, the okay. South was just going to lick their wounds and put themselves in. There was a belief system that sta- states' rights or whatever reason you had for the South rising again was, was, was going to reoccur. And they would try again to secede okay. from the Union. Um, I'm not really up on my civil war, so yeah, it was, it was like Yankees right. against Confederates. Yeah, is Yankees right? like is like a slang term, but yeah, the Union versus Union the Confederacy versus Confederacy, which yeah. was what became of America, what we know of it today. Yeah, uh, kind of take the thirteen original colonies and split them around. Virginia South was the Confederacy. Yeah, Maryland Lower. North. Yeah, the, the lower Southern. states were the, were the Confederate. The South was was, was Confederate. Yeah, the North was Union. Oh, okay. So, oh, is that like um, is that why like the railway system that was all called the Union Pacific Railway, Union Pacific? Oh, I don't know. I don't think it was based on because I think the word Union's been used since the start of oh okay since the start of America in order to form a more perfect Union. That's one of the opening lines of the Constitution. Yeah, so to make a United States. Yeah, the Union is because the, the gimmick behind the United States compared to all the other countries is that each state. The, the idea was you're trying to remove yourself from strong central government. So that they were have the, you know, if you think about they, the reason why the U.S. revolution happens, the American Revolution, is because they didn't feel that they should be governed from London so yeah. far away. They shouldn't impact their lives. Uh, and, then, yeah. and then the creation of this new country, they didn't want the same thing to happen where Washington was, by Washington, I mean the place, not the individual. Yeah. But or wherever the capital is. Uh, is dictating terms to the rest of the country so that each individual state, the United States of America, is called a state because they were supposed to be set up almost like little mini countries under themselves that came under a union together. Now, the gimmick then becomes what happens when you want to leave because if you are a state, 
then you have the right to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's when it went, well, no, we liked it when it was here, but not there. Because keep in mind, you know, a lot of the natural resources were in the South. Yep. So, so oil. Know, no, more like crops, tobacco. Oh, okay. Tobacco and things like that. So it was very uh, agriculturally based in the South. And was we're oil not, more central then? We're not quite at, uh, oil's kind of out West. Oh, oh. Uh, Alexa, stop. <laughs> got turned down my jacket potatoes um so yeah so it was that whereas so urbanization's not really where it should be yet so urbanization is the movement of the population from the country into the cities okay. to where a city has a greater percentage of population than the, than the countryside does yep. okay. the south is very rural the north is very urban yep so the industrial revolution changes it so but the 1850s still very much where's the agriculture at Mm-hmm. And so you can call states rights, you can call whatever you want. I mean, it was it was it was unpaid labor <laughs> of of agricultural product. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then you start of the twentieth century, it sort of shifts everything towards the sort of Norse balance economically because everything's happening in factories now. Yeah, and when you're making advancements and and even the industrial revolution helps with farm equipment because now you don't need unpaid labor because your machine can do things yep. at a much more reasonable rate. But the and south. Quicker. The South always has to live with the kind of um, – there's a bunch of uh, – there's a British person and a Canadian having this conversation, folks, so feel free to chip in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the bit where Mannix is talking about dignity in defeat. Yeah. Because how do you walk forward if you're always the ones who lose? And you think about what happens in Ireland or Northern Ireland mm. where you have those Orangemen parade. Yeah, every year through, yeah and it's like no, dignity in defeat you marching through my neighborhood is not dignity yeah that's a shot yeah and so the south's going how do we not forever end up being that you know something that uh you could argue globally i mean you know i think germany's managed to do a good job of moving on where you go to germany yeah, you, you have, don't think yeah. about let's not mention that thing and people t- don't tend to they don't they, they don't, don't tend to people no, are willing they don't to celebrate it they, they don't, don't do nothing no none of that stuff but also when you visit them you don't hear a lot of people just taking cheap shots about no, it either no 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 and that's not the case in some of these other situations like we're talking about northern ireland and we're talking about the u.s so um not that not that that gets mentioned i think between northerners and southerners today but it, it took a long time to get better isn't uh, am I right? Not that it's not that it's fixed. Far from no, it. No, it's far from it, isn't it? Because there is still that divide. Um, I think. And it, have I heard recently? And when I say recently, I mean the last few years. Um, that the Confederate flag can't be flown anymore. The Confederate flag is s- now being seen as a symbol of racial oppression and hate. And people who love the Dukes of Hazard are going, ah, Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, cool. I like Dukes of Hazard too. Yeah. But just because it was the flag on top of the car of Dukes of Hazard does not legitimize the flag. No. <laughs> so I, I had some huge arguments with people back home when that was going on. Oh, well, okay. first, it was starting to, grant, to gain stuff. And then it, it was when I was here, but it fully came down. Like, so has that now been abolished? I believe so. Wow. I believe so. But there was a lot of people who fly and they'll say, oh, it's for states' rights. Or, oh, I'm proud of my Southern heritage. Okay. I get that. If you're from a certain. Certain people's experiences would be that. That flag represents that. But there's a whole other part where it represents lynching. Yeah, yeah. How do you overlook that? Yes. I think your positive childhood memories of barbecues don't line up with, you know, <laughs> I think you got to take the L on this one. Yeah. And go, okay, I mean that to you, but what does it mean to, to, to other parts of the of the population? Yeah, true. So we got on a tangent there. We did. We did. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'm going to turn down my... Uh, my, my jacket potatoes have got in the oven there. Okay. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me who your favorite character is? 
Can I do my usual? Um, yeah, I lost a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Walter Coggins, I I love him in anything he does, and always have. Um, he's one of these guys who I find he's never starring as such in anything, but he turns up in all these manner of films. <sighs> And you are just drawn to this guy. I don't right. know what it is. Is he enigmatic? I don't know. Is he? What's he bring to the? There's something. He's a character actor for sure. Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, he's not my favourite, but I'm just sort of bringing him up because right. I think he needs to show. Here's the short list. <laughs> um, Tim Roth. I've always I love Tim Roth and loved. everything. Even when he's overacting, chewing the scenery in The Incredible Hulk, which is a terrible movie. Yeah. He's great. I just love Tim Roth. He's the abomination now. He's, he's the abomination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. When they brought it back for... What did they bring it back for? They brought it back for something. It wasn't him. It was It was disappointing. Yeah, yeah. There's something he brings. He brings a certain, uh, again, gravity to a character part. So, I also like Michael Madsen, because I think the guy is amazing. It's called The Hateful Eight. You've listed three. <laughs> Yeah, but there's no one else here to... Yeah, to, so, to so I'm filling in for right. everybody else. Uh, but my overall favourite character will have to be Daisy. Oh, okay. Um, I also want an honourable mention... Oh, Jesus! That's five! <laughs> you that's five out of eight! You don't get today more than half the principal cast! <laughs> no, Daisy, Daisy's my favourite. Only because she's so against everything I've seen uh, Jennifer Jason Lee in. Yeah. And I think... She is outstanding in this film, and no wonder she got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. You know, out of everybody else who didn't. Yeah. You know, she's the one who stood out because it was so... She had to go through a lot more. Um, and, and it's not like a pretty part, is it? It's not like, oh, look at me, I'm pretty, pretty. Yeah, was there anything else that was <laughs> downright rude and dirty and... Yep. Oh, I couldn't handle what some stuff she did. Oh, it really bothered you. But, you know, because I've got a very sensitive stomach. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. Regardless of whether there's fake blood or not, I'd, I would uh, struggle. Okay. So, um, yeah, she's my favourite. Let me name the other half of the cast, then. <laughs> I gave you a couple of good ones. I'll go on, I will mention the guy who played OB. I thought he was great. He was brilliant, wasn't He's he? He's great, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, you- I'll give my proper honourable mention, I guess. Yeah. To, uh, I mean, you've already mentioned Daisy was excellent. I'll give my honourable mention to... Samuel Jackson's just likable in this film. I don't know how much acting's taking place, but doesn't matter. He's he's having a good time, and I'm enjoying it. If he's playing himself, I mean, he's yep. still cool and calm, yep. collected, and you're on his side. Yeah, but mine goes to um, Kurt Russell. I knew he was going to say oh, that. Oh yeah, okay. I knew he was going to say that. I love John Ruth in this. Yeah, as a guy who's I mean, the, the heartbreak when he finds out the Lincoln letter is not real. Yeah. Oh. To his belief, he puts the glasses on. He's got such a strong code. Yeah. Strange code, but strange code, but yeah, but strong code. I thought he was going to give an honorable mention to uh, Bruce Dern. He he's excellent too. You know, I, I think we have now mentioned everybody. Don't say, say a word. Don't say a word. And then he goes. Blah, 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 blah. Tell you what, Senor Bob was great too. I mean, like Bob. Yeah, the Mexican. I just, I just liked it. Yeah, it was just. It was just a really. It was. He said it was about an ensemble cast where everybody can sort of hang with each other, and I think it totally does it. it. And, and for Jennifer Jason Lee to be the one female in the cast, I mean, there's something in that as well. You know what I mean? She really held her own, and not to you know, and and props to Tarantino in his direction and his writing for not going to lazy tropes. Like she doesn't try to ever flirt with someone to get out of trouble, no. or her sexuality is never part of it actually. But it just, but she's, she's still very much one of the last. But she's still distinctly female as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's great. It's great. Yeah. 
Um, in fact, the only mention of her being a woman is from Os- Oswaldo, who's in you know who's purposely trying to throw off the scent here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there we go. Uh, favorite moment or element? I'm gonna have an honorable favorite. Of course moment. you are, because. Um you know when uh, Mexican Bob comes in yep. and they're trying to nail the door shut? Yeah. <laughs> There's a bit where he goes down to pick the um, hammer up or the nail or the board, whatever, and he hits his head on the light. Oh, does he really? <laughs> and he, I think he, he has just keeps lips, going. So he keeps going. Yeah. It's quite funny. Um, as my honourable mention, but I will say I really loved the cinema photography. Sorry, the what? Cinema photography there you go. <laughs> I, I will get there i think uh, we found this year's pete postlethwaite <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it goes hand in hand with the focus pulls and the depth um it gives it gives intimacy it gives immediacy it gives um clarity of where you're supposed to be looking and what you're doing um and it drives the story along so i'm gonna let's see if i can put an honorable mention now that you've done that um there's a lot going on. Bottle mentions to the sequence, and it might be his best. It might be his best structured narrative. It really might. So that's my honorable mention. I think it's just. Oh, I really. It's not. It's not the cool factor of Pulp Fiction, no. but there's something really satisfying in the way he lays this out. I think feels earned. Do you think it's because that could be a play, and you quite yeah. like the, the play-driven story? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the Breakfast Club meets Tarantino. It you know is, what I mean? It yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but my my favorite moment is the death of John Ruth. Because when that happened, Shocks, it? it shocked me. I went, you just killed off your lead character. Yeah. Where do we, what? Where do we go from here? Yeah. Because I was totally, because the end game to me was supposed to be he leaves with, 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 Daisy, with Daisy and he yeah. finishes his job. Yeah. He's the hangman. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like so, it totally shocks me. And even now, I know it's coming, but I'm like, there's something that's, it's weird how his removal, all the characters now feel vulnerable and exposed. Yeah, because yeah. he does kind of bring it all together and knit it together, and he's the one who goes in and his mission and his you? purpose. Yeah, yeah, what are you doing? And here? without him, there's anarchy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's the one. yeah. So there we go. Well done. Yeah, Grumble. Ooh. Um... <sighs> I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm not a big fan of gore. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know Tarantino does it in a different style, but that bit with um, Kurt Russell, um, what's his name? Uh, John Ruth. John Ruth. When he starts spewing up on the uh, the table and then over her. Is that really hard for you? Oh, okay. I struggle. And then the bit where his head gets blown off and that just goes all over her. Uh, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Tan Tatum. Yep. That <laughs> I jumped and I went. I don't know if I can. And she's still talking with all this stuff all over her. Now, could you imagine being her? And I've just chucked all this stuff. I bet all you over she you. loved it. I bet you she loved it. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, I struggle. Actors they like dig stuff like this, where it's like I get to do this thing. I'll never get to do this thing again. I'm going to do this thing. Oh. That's, that. that's not a movie star that's an actor yeah, yeah. I, I don't get me wrong i like to experience stuff and do, but that sort of stuff whoa, not for me bet you it's bet you it's worse to watch it than it is to do it maybe yeah. depending on what they use isn't it yep. you know some say you know it's sort of like uh sweets yeah type stuff. corn syrup, corn syrup that, yeah. you know something a bit who knows i don't know the gore fest not okay. a fan 
uh, mine. It's the same thing that Ed. I think Ed asked me something similar when I was on his pod. Yeah, and it's the same thing. It's 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 three little words, and Channing Tatum. Yeah, you tipped your hand too fast, too soon. It, it, it would have been so good if the camera pans down and you're like, what? Yeah, and she, and then his star power becomes like a wait, wait, Channing Tatum's in this. It's a bit, and, and then when he dies, you're like, oh my god, Channing Tatum was now he's what? It's a bit oh. like it's a bit like in Channing Tatum. Um, it's a bit like in um, Twenty One Jump Street, isn't it? Yeah, when one of the cops at the end, when when all those cameos start happening, it's Johnny Depp, and that he's not in the credits. Yeah. yeah, or I mean, it's a different kettle of fish. But when we did Hail Caesar with with James de Guzman, yeah. And I guess I knew he was going to be in it, but maybe because there's so many people where it moves around a lot more, you forget he's in there, and then he ends up being like, <laughs> surprise, he's the, like, kind of, I guess if there is a villain, he's the villain of the, I don't know. It was a weird, <laughs> it was, was a, a weird movie. movie. But, you know, he has this wonderful little tap dance, and everyone's like, what was that? And I was <laughs> it would have been great if I, because everyone was, was snowed in. Like, what was he really going to be? Of course he's there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kept you guessing more. Where yeah, is he? No, What's he doing? don't, don't. How does he, yeah. The minute you show me, especially when it's and Channing Tatum, yeah. I'm like, all right, he's going to be in some little weird either cameo part or, yeah, it just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. I agree. Uh, anybody's best role ever? Cool. Probably Jennifer Jason Lee. I haven't seen her in enough stuff. What else has she done? I think she was in a film called A Single White Female. Is she a single white female? Yeah. Yeah. With uh, Bridget Fonda. She was good in that. She plays like a girl possessed. Well, not possessed, but she's obsessed with uh, Bridget. 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 You said Fonda. Fonda. That's the word. <laughs> yeah. And she starts. It becomes. Uh, like she mimics her and do everything. Try and take her life. I've not seen the thing. I've not seen actually a fair bunch of Kurt <clears throat> Russell stuff, but for me, best Kurt Russell. Oh, I don't know. I, oh, I like Kurt Russell. Um, yeah, you've I, seen more Kurt Russell stuff than I have. Though. Yeah, Escape in LA and yeah, stuff I've like seen that. any of that Escape stuff. in New York. Yeah. Um, John Car. He does a lot with John Carpenter. He does. Um, and him Which, as Elvis is brilliant. Oh, not in Forrest Gump, but in the other. No, one. no, no, in the other Elvis. <laughs> yeah, 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 the movie. Um. Oh, I prefer Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction. It's iconic for a reason. Well, yeah, and his lines he says in that is iconic. I, I think I prefer him in Django as well, even though he's not likable in Django. Mm, yeah, um, he's been in so many. I'm trying to. I don't everybody else. I mean, I haven't seen him in enough stuff. Really. He was good in Jungle Fever. Who Samuel Spidey, Jackson? Yeah. Oh, he was also good in uh, um, um, Do the Right Thing. Yes, he was. Yeah. Have you seen Do the Right Thing? Uh, a long, long time. ago. I don't think you've seen that. Yeah, along it's the one with the um, uh, what's his name? The oh, he was in a lot of like late eighties, nineties movies. Yeah, you got to help me out. Oh, he's, oh, I know his name. Describe him or something. Yeah, he's something. an older fella. Okay, um, and he plays a cop. Is that right? A uh, white uh, older fella plays a cop. Um, oh, I think am I wrong, thinking of the wrong thing? I think you're the wrong thing. Oh, yeah. And then there's another black guy with him in. It's a bit like a buddy. I think he's the the villain, but good guy. Ooh, it's hard. It's hard to tell. And do the right thing. He plays a DJ who's watching everything that day. No, it's not okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. No, no, no. <laughs> if you seen do the right thing, I'd be like, oh, was well, yeah. It was just kind of it's. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure how much play would have across the pond. By the well, we'll, is, we'll do it at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of things I saw as a kid, and not. I don't think this would have got play over here. Okay, probably not then. Um. All right. You know what? Let's do this. Uh, oh, which one's which? I never want to hurt my age. What's my age again? What's my age again?
age game, age game. Let's play part one of the age game. Okay. Part two, I'll do a Julian later. Chapter one, yeah? Chapter one. I think three years was too big of a swing. I'm going to go two years either direction. That gives you a five-year window. Whoa. That gives you a five-year window. Yep. Two years plus, two years minus. Yep. We'll see how many you get right. We'll see how many Julian gets right. And then we'll declare a winner. Oh. Okay. Yep. So here we go. To be fair, I've done like nine of these. And I've used initials, and now I don't remember what half of them are. So we'll see how I do. <laughs> I know this one. Samuel Jackson. Who? Um... So for anybody who wasn't listening last week, if Liam guesses a number, if he's within two years above or two years below of the of the actual number, that counts as a point. Yeah. So for instance, I'm 44. If you guessed I was 42, up to 46, that would be correct. But if you said 41 or under or 47 or over, 47, geez, that would be incorrect. So there we are. Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. 69. That's a point, 67. Woo! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think a little Sally shot here. Liam won. Yeah, boy. All right. Kurt Russell. Um, Kurt Russell. 65. 64. Woo! Two points. Look at that. Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, 48. You took an L on this one. 53. Really? Yeah. I knew she's older. Walton Goggins. Oh, he's tough. 45. 44. Oh, ho, ho. Doing very well. I don't think I was going to beat you on this one. DB. Who's DB? DB. Is he? I think it's going to be um, Bob. Is my oh, guess. I like Bob. Yeah, he is. He's is Bob. It? Mexican Bob. Mexican Bob? Mexican Bob. Mexican Bob. Senor uh, Bob. Senora Bob. Marco the Mexican. Senor Bob. Um, cool. He's hard because he's quite covered in most he of He is? I think they make him look older than what he is. I'm going to go 50. 52. You got the point. Woo! Tim Roth. Oh, oh, oh. Tim Roth. Um... 56. 54. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Madsen. Oh, shit. Michael Madsen. Um, uh, 62. 57. No point oh, there. Oh, okay. Bruce Dern. Oh, my God. <laughs> Eighty. Seventy-nine. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I've only got nine, and you've got six out of eight so far. Oh, that's not bad. That's really good. Yeah. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Um, 38. Just missed it. 35. Oh, He's I was going to say 35. Hey, traditionally 53. He's 35. That's nuts. Just missed it. Six out of nine. Pretty good, buddy. Oh, thank you. Pretty good. I was gonna, do you know, I was gonna say thirty-five, but then I kept thinking to myself, I know he's younger than me, but how much younger? Let's take a look at the critics, the good, the bad, and the eaves. I wish I'd have thought of this before. Yeah, right. Rotten Tomatoes. 
Tomatoes. This is, some would say, yeah. Tomatoes, as others would say. You say tomatoes, I say tomatoes. Tomatoes, hateful eight. So the good, the bad, and the Ebs. I, I don't, I don't imagine Ebs is still no. actually. This was what 20, 2015, I want to say twenty sixteen twenty fifteen. It was released December twenty fifteen for that special seventy millimeter one. Yeah, I don't think he's around still. But let's take a look at this, shall we? So. Uh, positive review, positive review. So we've got, uh, oh, I want someone who's decent. I haven't heard of any of these people. I want to hear someone. Oh, here we go. Let's do, oh, that's just way too short. Richard Krause from Richard Krause, who says, it's big and daring, but also I'm afraid bloated with a payoff not large enough to justify the more than three-hour runtime. That was a good one. Yeah. Let's try, I mean, Jason Bailey from Flavorwire. There's a, there's a reputable sounding source. It does, yeah. A gloriously unhinged, wildly unpredictable, yet subtly existential piece of work. Uh, and then we'll go with uh, Max Weiss from Baltimore Magazine, who says some of Tarantino's worst instincts are on display in The Hateful Eight, which, damn it, could have been so great. Hmm. That's a bit, bit unfair, I think. Yeah, I think so. I'm just looking for, is there anybody if I scan whose name just jumps out at me as someone who I would want to? Mark Kermode from the UK, probably the UK's top film critic. It's everything you'd expect from this exasperatingly unruly writer-director. Cinematically adventurous, generic, generically self-conscious, entertainingly performed, editorially ill-disciplined. Oh. It's wordy. It is very wordy. <laughs> this is me speaking. Leonard Moulton. <laughs> Uh, says Tarantino, unarguably a gifted filmmaker, probably why no one said enough. He doesn't think it was that great. Oh, really? Gave it a two out of five. How do you give it a two out of five? Wow, How's that possible? How's that possible? And I will take a look and see if by, uh, I don't remember Roger Ebert's death date, unfortunately, so I will take a look and see. I want to say like 2010 around then. I think you're probably right. I'm just punching here and seeing if anything comes up. Uh, this is from RogerEbert.com, but it's by Matt Zoller Seitz, who gives it two stars. Wow. And wrote like 7,000 words. So if it's about being, him being bloated, it better not, because it's not going to hold up to, to my cross-examination about his review. But he goes, uh, in the end, The Hateful Eight is less reminiscent of any single Western than of a certain episode of Seinfeld, the one where Brian Cranston plays a Gentile dentist who makes Jewish jokes but insists it's okay because he's converted. I have a suspicion, Seinfeld says, that he's converted just for the jokes, and I imagine that's about his frequent use of the N-word. Wow. So there we go. Um, it would have been interesting to hear Roger Ebert's actual perspective Thoughts. of it if he was yeah, a, yeah. everyone's different you can take on a, a pseudonym can't you take on somebody else's mantle yep but you're still gonna have your own ideas and how you see things absolutely let's take a look at what some of our friends of the podcast had to say about this this first one's from norfolk damas hey. who says i think this is the third tarantino film i'd seen of a time the previous two being reservoir dogs and pulp fiction so i had middling hopes since i didn't really enjoy pulp fiction as much as everyone else seems to it was rather long with a lot of talking but it was good talking with a lot of humor and drama tarantino clearly knows how to write a scene however mm-hmm. i did find this film bloated and a bit of a slog in parts and tim roth's received pronunciation accent started to grade after a while <laughs> even if he gave up halfway through <laughs> that being said i did like some of the performances in particular samuel L. jackson and the supporting cast were rather good and neo morricone is also a win for me other than that i didn't like this film as much as some of tarantino's other films and it feels as though there's something lacking from it it's not bad 
but uh, there's something lacking from it. Uh, sorry, it's not bad, but it's not one I would watch a game. Ooh. Interesting. All right. Next up, we've got Shy Burger for one, the Shy Guy. Shy Guy. Well, I've been waiting for you guys to review a Tarantino movie, but why did it have to be this one? <laughs> I love Tarantino. He's probably my favorite director. However, this film is my le- is his least favorite of mine. I'd only watched it once and never got never got back it. I only watched it once and never got back to it, maybe. Even though it has some really good performances, Jennifer Jason Lee in particular, I did not connect to this movie. It was just the usual Tarantino violence, but with no heart. I just think this is a mean-spirited movie. Hoping for Reservoir Dogs or Jackie Brown next. All right. And then next we've got uh, Nate the Great, who says, I don't even know how to describe this one. It's full of interesting characters, fun, di- sorry, fun interesting characters, fun dialogue, great pacing, and good action with a nice twist towards the end. Really good, but yet in the lower tier of Quentin Tarantino movies. And then we've got Dirk, but his friends call him. Diggler. Who said, God damn it, I love Tarantino. Sharp, <laughs> appropriate dialogue gets to me in ways I don't think I can adequately articulate here and now. Least to say, I consider Cutesy one of, if not the best director, writer-directors of our time, especially when it comes to a unique and eloquent script. This, being his eighth film, well-titled Eight, is a masterclass in screenwriting. He has that special sauce of intangible style and damn good sense of what people like me enjoy in their movies. Forgetting the QT factor for a second, Django and Glorious in this one are all my top ten films of all time this one has such incredible flow and storytelling the full miniseries on netflix is my favorite way to watch the film too uh no longer available on netflix they chapped all the chapters they made individual episodes oh did they so it was a uh, a thing yeah uh, so it's a six-piece miniseries rather than a film uh no longer are you able to watch it in that fashion because oh, netflix doesn't have the rights anymore oh okay uh at least not in the uk i'm not sure what it is in the u.s or canada yes. or other such places different the premise and progressive pilot are perfectly paced and structured i repeat uh i repeat perfect the single small location is wonderfully intimate and incredibly shot the underlying mystery of it all could be fumbled by less capable hands but not qt and with the eventual conclusion the unlikely alliance after all the textbook tarantino blood has been spilled we get the perfect cherry on top or better yet the dead daisy hanging from the rafters love it to no end and can't wait to hear you all discuss it it's that twitching at the end she does, isn't it? And then f- we got a couple more on the back end here. Uh, we got our resident curmudgeon. Uh, Fred? Richard. Richard. He says, <laughs> in a film that is all about dialogue, my favorite part occurs before anyone has uttered a word. A slow pullback that reveals a wagon crawling across the desolate yet beautiful snow-covered landscape as Morricone's wonderful score thrums in the background. The shot opens the film. And as its high point, the dialogue is very written. It's operatic and profane. It's Tarantino ramped up to the nth degree. And once we reach the restrictive confines of the cabin, there is no buffer. Nothing in the style or the editing to distract from being bludgeoned by the words. It's incredibly smug and self-satisfied. It's very stagey, but Walton Goggins playing to the gallery is delightful. And it's admirably nasty at times. I just find the older I get, the less tolerance I have for Tarantino's shtick. My least favorite of his. Ooh. And then, oh, did Hermes ever? Oh, I don't know if Hermes got his. He said he had one in. There's no way he didn't oh, get it in. Oh, come on, Hermes. There's no way he didn't get no one way. in. Hermes, did you get yours in? He texted him. I don't have it. Yeah, I'm Ooh, doing it live. Live on air. Live on air. Here we go. Let's see if uh, he's. Uh... Yeah, let's see about that. Uh, maybe I'll see if Georgia happens to. Uh, there's that. There's that. Where what would the time to be right now? Get eight hours. Eight. 
Eight hours for the West Coast for Julian. Oh, okay. Five hours for the East Coast. So they're behind us time Yes, they are behind yeah, us. Yeah, so yeah. it's 9.50 now. So it'll be one fifty Julian's time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did we get one from Hermes? I'm sending this to Georgia to see if uh, uh, he said. He and all this is one. live on air. Yeah, I'm keeping it on. He, hey. he'll appreciate it he, he likes really, long run times he'll he, love that he's extending the run time <laughs> yeah i reckon his spidey senses are going don't yeah. answer yet don't answer yet <laughs> that doesn't even make sense what i've just sent her sorry for poor grammar i've said he said he was imminently to send one that doesn't make any sense <laughs> it's because you're trying to do it's because i'm trying to do this and yeah i'm gonna type and keep, keep oh talking. it's brutal it's there, absolutely brutal how you do it we'll amazing. leave that there i don't know what that situation will sort of sync up with all right there's also the i put out a fleece as i'm known to do i didn't say that part yet uh or talk about the fledgling fandom so let's do that here we've got the following we've got uh is this a great film good film okay film or poor film 41 percent does win the day with great film wow 30 percent good film but 22 percent say okay film and seven percent say poor so the beat root metrics only 71 percent yeah which i imagine is low compared to our other tarantino films mm-hmm. i would guess but you said it earlier on in the episode you said this is not a ceiling it's not a ceiling film. Film. It's no. uh it's 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 hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still twitching. <laughs> Feels like it's it's been handcuffed by something, if you will. Josh an Extra Movie says, Love this one in my top two Tarantino. Who makes a top two list? <laughs> yeah. It's always top five, well, top ten. Josh is very, very short episodes, so maybe that's why. <laughs> Saw the seventy millimeter roadshow version in wow. theaters. That's amazing. That I'd love to good. hear that. Yeah, yeah. Fun fact, uh, Ian, your guest spot on the film effect is how I was introduced to Ed and his crew for the first time. Ed's great. Ed's mm, great. And I did yeah. say that. I said I'd run out of superlatives to uh, talk about Ed and his crew and how 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 good of a job they do. And Ed specifically. I mean, Ed is the straw that stirs the drink and game represent, uh, recognizes game. So Yeah, the same, yeah. Well, well done there. I mean, I, I mean, I, uh, Stu, I was talking about Stu and Ed earlier today. And all this, I guess, to a degree. I mean, those guys are cinephiles. Proper cinephiles. Mm. Proper, proper cinephiles. I'm, I'm a teacher and a game show host. That's what I do. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm clever. I'm clever, but, but you're, you're fun. Am I cinephile? I don't, I'm clever. You, you're very good at. I mean, I have like, um, I've seen a lot of things, but also seen not a lot of things that people mm-hmm. re- refer to today. I'm perceptive. I can watch a film and pick things out of it. Yeah. I don't necessarily know what the history of it was or how it. Li- that's the study on a different level than what than what I do. I think I have a better vocabulary of movies from the 60s and 70s. And 80s more than I do 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I sort of struggle. Same with music. I, anything from late 50s through to 2000, I'm good. Anything past 2000, eh, a bit sketchy. Music, I'm useless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, past 2000. Yeah. Carlo says, I liked it, but weirdly enough, it hasn't stuck with me the way other Tarantino films have. Even though I saw it a couple of years ago, I only remember bits and pieces. Take from that what you may. Bits and pieces. And there um, we go. <laughs> Nate the Great, it just says lower tier QT, but still a fantastic movie. Interesting how he gave it that there. Uh, Mr. Mikey Wood, also known as who gives a damn, but we call him Fred. There we go. Woo. Says, I admit to have never seen this, but I lost interest uh, in Tarantino after Kill Bill. I, uh, I'll stop here and say, I said to him, yeah, I get you. If, if you lost interest after Kill Bill, I'm totally with you. I watch Kill Bill. I don't get it. I haven't seen Kill Bill one or two. Now, um, it doesn't help that I watch Kill Bill to be a guest on a podcast uh, who then bailed and canceled at the last minute on me. Really? And the version I watched was on Netflix, and they don't put the, the subtitles in by default. 
Um, so I just watched them speaking like Japanese to each other or Chinese. It was Japanese. Uh, I'm forever. This. But no, but there was there was no subtitle to read. Oh, so I was okay. like, oh. And then I went afterwards and went, was this supposed to be subtitles? And I think it was Ed said to me, yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be subtitles. I went, well, I'm not watching it again. No. It's forever. No, I forget that. Are they long movies, are they? I don't know. It was two and a half, yeah. Oh, really? I didn't watch part two. I don't think I ever watched part two. Unless someone, someone joins the Patreon and goes, no, no, I, I insist you. Okay, fine, then I'll watch Is it. Is David Carradine in that? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, anyway, after Kill Bill, but occasionally keep trying. I've watched Inglorious Bastards Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but something about his films doesn't click with me. I feel like I'm not in on the joke. To which point I said, then watch this one, because I think it's the least Tarantino of all the Tarantino films. Mm. It might be a good gateway into it. So there is that thank you everybody who got a hold of us you can yeah, get a hold of us you. all the stuff we do is on our twitter page it is uh oh hermes is a crying face so he oh, obviously did submit did. his okay at least he's got back to you uh we're trying to see if he's what, what's, what's going to happen here let's Come on, see hermes, send us something let's see i think he has i think that's the problem is that georgia hasn't oh i'm i'm hoping she's going to i will i will add it in post okay i'm sure hermes has got something here i can add What's what's it, one more edit? Yeah, exactly. Jeez. It'd be criminal not to have Hermes. It would. It would. So uh, I can only say kind of where we're at at this point, up to a certain potential. Uh, it was seventy four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, seven point three on the IMDb. So yeah, both critics and the pop, uh, popular vote seems to suggest it's not up to scratch with the rest of his uh, films. If you like this film or episode, you would like. Well, first off, go check out me on the Film Effect Pod because we talked about it for about three hours there as well. So you, you'll know everything if you go over there. Uh, but if you like this, you'll like. Uh, well, last week we did True Romance. Yeah, we've done uh, Glorious Bastards. We've yep. done Django. Yep, Is that it. I think that's it for Tarantino. Yeah, that we've done. Yeah, uh, yeah. For the films, I mean, <clears throat> go see. I mean, I don't know, go watch the Breakfast Club. <laughs> Yeah, it's a play. It's pe- yeah. what's the Breakfast Club, but 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 this movie without racial slurs and and, and guns. <laughs> Outside of that, it's the same movie, isn't and it? Gore, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, listen to our Carrie perspective of it. That would be it. Oh, just submit it for the second time. He says, Ooh. Uh, "I'll say, can you screen cap and send my way?" Then maybe we can get it in with that. Yeah, come on, Hermes. That'd be good. I also think if you like this, you'd like. Um, other um westerns um of 90s onwards westerns you know like young guns and stuff like that oh it's a very sanitized version of this well yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but i mean I, i'm not talking about shock and maybe unforgiven and un- yeah unforgiven something i've never seen but, um yeah. what's that other one i really liked tombstone yeah, yeah. that was good why up that was good yep uh so uh it's time for our ratings liam time for our ratings i think i'm with the general consensus on this i don't think this is um quite quentin's best but i do like it um apart from the gore and everything i like it because i imagined myself sitting in an audience watching it on a stage and i thought this would work really well i quite like the chessboard I like what it was trying to tell me, um, the clues they were given. And sometimes, you know, they tell you the truth and you don't know that's the truth until later. So it's quite clever in that way. Um, it didn't feel like three hours, um, strangely enough. Uh, a bit like when I watched Titanic, it don't feel that long uh, because there's so many characters that you're following and are interesting and 
their allegiances turn on the other people and then they uh get together two different people get together and you don't expect and, and it's quite quite dynamic in that way the the um relationships of the people so with that in mind i really don't like the gore um i'm gonna give it a controversial seven hangings out of ten. Seven hangings out of ten yeah i have the hermes review Oh, good. Fantastic. You have to imagine this is in my best Hermes impression. Yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine a hand holding a whiskey glass. Whiskey glass this. And a cigar. God damn it. I love Tarantino. Sharp, appropriate dialogue gets to me in ways I don't think I can adequately articulate here and now. Least to say, I consider Quentin Tarantino one of, if not the best writer-directors of our time, especially when it comes to unique and eloquent script, this being his eighth film, which titled Eighth is a Masterclass in Screen. Wait, hang on. Have I read this already? Uh, have you? Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> Did I think this was someone else? Have I misread this? Oh no! What is going on? Welcome to the Twilight Zone. Yeah, Hermes. You, you, I mean, he'll love this. If he I've, will, he will. If I've completely balls this up, he'll think this is fantastic. <laughs> oh, he'll be having what a little I, whiskey what right I done now. Here? Richard. Okay, it's not that one. <clears throat> uh, you definitely didn't mention Hermes. Hermes. Have I mislabeled someone as Hermes? Oh, I think I've given it. I think Dirk. Okay. Dirk just gave us a score. Oh, okay. And the next one was Hermes. So apologies. That whole, I will, I think I'm gonna have to read it out again. Sorry, Hermes. I just want to. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I see what's gone on now. Dirk's uh, choice of uh, brevity being the source of wit has actually turned me into a twit. So (laughs) there we go. Uh, Nate went there. I just want to make sure I've got my, my, my ratings right. So there's another one of these here. So there we go. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd then, read it out again, I think. Yeah, I will. I just yeah, yeah, yeah. want to make sure I'm good here. Uh, there's a mistake. I think I made. I'll have to message George and say my, my mistake. Yeah. Hey, dude. You're juggling so many balls. Got it, <laughs> You're doing well. Yeah. I mean, right. I could do some heavy lifting here, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing, so we might be here till next week. Yeah, he'll, he'll do that. All right, so once again, I give you the voice of Hermes, which says, he says, looking for it, <laughs> Hermes has said there's a conspiracy theory against him. No, 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 I'm just, <laughs> I just can't read. Um, which goes, um, blah, 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 blah. God damn it, I love Tarantino. Sharp, appropriate dialogue gets me in ways I don't think I'll adequately articulate here and now. Needless to say, I consider Quentin Tarantino one of, if not the best writer-directors of our time, especially when it comes to a unique and eloquent script. This being his eighth film, while titled Eight, is a masterclass in screenwriting. He has that special sauce, intangible style, and damn good sense of what people like me enjoy in their movies. Forgetting the Quentin Tarantino factor for a second, Django and Glorious in this one are all my top ten films of all time. This one has such incredible flow and storytelling. The full miniseries on Netflix is my favorite way to watch the film, too. The premise and progressive plot are perfectly paced and structured. I repeat, perfect. The single <laughs> small location is wonderfully intimate and incredibly shot. The underlying message, sorry, mystery of it could all be fumbled by less capable hands, but not Quentin Tarantino. And with the eventual conclusion, the unlikely alliance, after all the textbook Tarantino blood has been spilled, we get that perfect cherry on top. Or better yet, the dead daisy hanging from the rafters. Love it to no end and can't wait to hear you all discuss it. 
Thank you very much, Hermes. Pushing up daisies. <laughs> or hanging daisies. Yeah, indeed. So, with that in mind, uh, it's now time to go ahead. You've given your rating, so now it's time for me to give mine. Yeah. As I'm trying to. I know a lot of people probably don't probably agree with the seven, but it just... It didn't quite hit me like it should have done. I uh, mine is quite simply this. I, I, I mean, we've made references to this could be a play, and I love me some plays. You do. I love movies where people sit around and talk to each other. I've talked about how I think the structure of this is so well done. In a way, like I'm, uh, I'm not a gore guy myself either, but I still consider this gore. Um, I love the idea of you're trapped in the house with the killer and yeah. you don't know who he is. It's murder mystery masquerading as a Western, mm-hmm. which I think is brilliant. Uh, I would be very tempted to go a full 10 out of 10. Wow. If not for... The Channing Tatum given away. Channing Tatum. You, yeah. you, you, how do you spoil your own movie? Yeah. So, so, and I guess I, part of it's that, and part of it is, I mean, it gets, it gets coarse. Like you think about the scene with Sanders and talking about his son. Yeah. That gets coarse. Yeah. Like the whole, like I know you're pushing him to something and I guess it does what it's supposed to do. But it's a bit over the top. It's a bit over the top. And yeah, um, as a result, I felt that was, uh, pardon the pun, that was some low-hanging fruit to go after. (laughs) So I've removed some points, some some score for that. So I'm going to go overall nine cups of coffee you probably shouldn't drink out of ten mm. yeah, yeah i think it's I, I really do you know what halfway I, through i thought I, I thought i was looking at ten do you know what i just couldn't get past the goreness of it i, I don't really do well with gore mm. you know like in pulp fiction when he shoots uh marvin yep and you don't really see his head explode you just see it you, back... you see the, the exterior shot from the car yeah 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 that i appreciate more yeah um maybe i'm being a bit too harsh because like you said you gave valid points and i do i like it for the the stage and the the storiness of it and i liked guessing who and what so maybe maybe actually i'll lift it okay only a little though seven and a half no eight eight once more than a little just that's a pretty good that's a full point give it an eight well i I can't find my face when john dies is the same as jennifer jason lee's (laughs) face when he smashes the guitar guitar how did I not use a guitar thing for that? Yeah. Well, you know. That's nuts, isn't it? Before there was ACDC, there was, and, uh, or, or The Who and Pete Townsend, there was John Ruth. Yeah. Smashing guitars. Smashing guitars. Yep. Because actually, there's not much I can say bad about it, really. So I'd be criminal to not give it. You want to hear the eight. Patreon vote? Yeah, go on. 6.66. Wow. Yeah. What did I give? We'll call tr- it 6.67 when we round up. What did I give True Events? I don't know. I'm the computer on me right now. No. I think you were higher than I was. I think you went like eight. I think I went seven and a half on it. Oh, okay. Because I think I prefer to watch True Romance over this. True Romance is more. Yeah. This is this is an effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, five hours to take my notes on it. Like, yeah, it was huge. Yeah. True Romance was just a nice little easy. Oh, they're going to make. Oh, look, he's talking about Elvis again. <laughs> that was weird. This is funny. art. This is our True Romance, a fun movie. This is art to me. Funny, to me. funny how um, we're using Elvis in uh, True Romance, and now we're talking yeah, Elvis, Elvis in this. In this oh, with yeah. Kurt. It's funny. Live fast, die young, live a good looking corpse. Still James Dean quote. 
So <laughs> uh, we want to thank, and we will get in contact with her. I don't know how I'm going to splice this up, but we want to thank Julene for yeah. joining us today, I'm well, assuming, uh, yeah. <laughs> or tomorrow as the case might be. Fingers crossed. Uh, Hermes, Lena Oberholzer, Anthony and Davies, Chris Peterson, Randall, what's your handle, Silva, Dwayne Smith, Dwayne Smith, the Yeetmeister, Reverend Bruce, James DeGuzman, Nate the Great, Andy Dixon, Holly Callen, Sheezy, with a fish on a bike, Richard, Ryan Kukads, Dirk, but his friends call him Diggler, Stu and Norfolk Domus. If you want to know more about how you can get involved with us here at the BFE, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash BFE. We kept it simple for you. Yeah. And get a hold of us on Twitter at Best Film Ever Pod. It's the way that everybody can interact with us. You could be like Hermes, or you could be like Kara, Queen of the Gif, or you could be like David from Scriptical. And I could have an. I might be a jerk here. I could have a moment like that way <laughs> next week. There we go. And so. I chip in every now and again. Yeah. So next, I'm supposed to cue Liam, even though you're not going to be here next week. But I'm, I'm still going to cue you. Yeah. I'm still going to cue. So cool. here we go. Cool. Video. Boom. All right. Ooh. Uh, I haven't started yet. Oh. <laughs> there. Now I've started. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Cool. All right. I'm trying to get it so I don't get your uh, your face hidden by the microphone there. So oh. Okay. Yeah. There we go. That's good. That's better? good. That's much better. So uh, next week we're going back. Actually, it's not a double bill, but it's pretty dang close. Yeah. Because uh, we did just recently Days of Confused as part of our Back to School series. You had yeah. directed by Richard Linkletter. Yep. Written by richard linkletter yep well next week we're going back to the directed by richard linkletter but not written by richard linkletter okay i'm confused so, so there'll be no bad dialogue and bad haircuts <laughs> well there'll be some bad haircuts because the lead is jack black jack black we're uh, going back to school in school, oh, school of rock. rock cool and i'm not gonna be here you're not gonna be here oh no but we will have megan <laughs> we will have georgia and I hear we're having Ethan, but we'll... We'll, we'll, we'll enjoy it, folks. We'll, we'll, yeah, we will definitely yeah, enjoy it. We'll yeah, see yeah, if we have yeah. Ethan or a substitute shows up. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. That'd be brilliant. So there we go. Fantastic. If I hit stop, no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to do a fingernail. <laughs> there we go. That's next week. So, Fantastic. Oh, I'm big out. I'm missing that one. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because no matter what happens, I mean, hopefully we choose a decent movie, but it means that, yeah, yeah some people yeah. got to miss some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were probably the right person. I think Megs would have liked this movie. I'm not I sure. I think she would. I'm not sure. Joy, you never know. She liked the gore in Carrie. Yeah. I think she'd been all right with it. Maybe. Yeah. But younger generations, the the racially charged language seems to be a real off put. Yeah. I'm watching Pulp Fiction with my students because it's the last movie of, of the course. Yeah. And they're really struggling with uh, <laughs> what's a fraction of the racial slurs we saw in this movie. Yes, a fraction. So, yeah. So it's interesting, though. Um, there we are. So uh, I guess that's all there is to do. We'll, we'll, I don't know where we've put in the Julian part. <laughs> hopefully by now, or if we haven't, you haven't heard from her, then you hopefully will hear from her next, or I don't know what. Hopefully, we, if, imagine if we don't get a chance to meet up. This oh, would be awkward. Yeah. But here we go. Please join us next time when we tackle the Richard Linklater directed film, School of Rock. For best film ever, I've been Ian. And I've been Liam. And I guess in closing, I'll paraphrase the words of John Ruth. In speaking about ourselves, you really only need to hang out with these bastards. But these are bastards you want to hang out with. We'll catch you on the flippity-flop. The flippity-flip-flop. Hey, I don't know where I'm putting this in the, uh, the runtime, but we'll figure it out. Uh, I am now joined... <laughs> 
after the fact this is very tarantino we're doing this whole thing like way out of order and we're gonna mix it up in the in the mix somewhere uh but now i am finally joined by the one the only julene 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 how are you Oh, I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. Honestly, this is the only activity I still hold space for. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if it's a BFE activity, it's happening. Hey, God bless you. God bless you. Uh, yeah, it would have been a real shame if we hadn't have found a way to do it. This is the first time we've ever had uh, sort of one of these done one-on-one as as the situation has uh has called for and that's okay we understand that things get in the way sometimes life happens sometimes you think it's all going according to plan and then we pan down and and channing tatum appears and we don't know what he's here for but julian you chose the hateful eight for us to talk about yes (laughs) and i was well up for this i was going who it's gonna be good because i've (laughs) I've already, okay. I already was on a, a pod. I was on Ed from the Film Effect, and I was, uh, I did years ago, a couple years ago now. I did the Hateful Eight. Really, I never seen it before then, so I was really excited to see it. I hadn't seen it since. To go, does it hold up on a second watch? We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, talk about second watch. You've got to have your second go at the BFE questionnaire, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we Perfect. are. So that little device by which we get to know our BFFs, the BFE, just a little bit better for me, for you, for everything you do. First one, it's a barbecue. What are you reaching for? And what are you going to dress it with? Uh, it depends if the chicken, the barbecue chicken, without a doubt. If uh, the hot dogs, it's, di- it's difficult because if it's not pork free and then I have to go ask and oh, really? okay. social anxiety could never. So chicken, I'm immediately reaching for the barbecue chicken. So chicken safe. Is there like a, do you have, do you got like a special chicken recipe that you kind of do on the barbecue or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Um, I like to do the thighs. Okay. I, I rub them with olive oil, season them, and then I put it down skin first. And then once I crisp it perfectly, I flip it, put the barbecue sauce on it, and mm. then I let it just sit there. Yeah. And then I... Uh, um, I open up the barbecue so that the temperature goes down and it cooks slowly. Oh my god, it's so good! And is that is you putting that in a bun or are you putting that off? Just are you just having it by itself? Oh, by itself with my hands, like an absolute <laughs> savage. <laughs> uh, next up, question number two: Do you collect anything? Oh my gosh, I have. Okay, wait. you're looking behind you, but you've got one of those Zoom backgrounds. <laughs> I. <laughs> Let me see if I can take it down because I collect um, Funko Pops. Hey, I love a Funko Pop. At the BFE, we're all about the Funko Pops here. Yeah, I got Funko Pops, uh, coffee mugs, and um, books. The My book collection is so massive. Um, I, I think I might have a problem. I'm not going to lie. Hey. <laughs> I, my closet is... I, I put I and I buy special boxes too. I buy acid free boxes to store the books that don't fit on my shelves. That's clever. And then I I stack them in my closet, and then I put more books on the little shelf in the closet. And then I bought an armoire to put my clothes in. And I considered getting a storage unit for the rest of my books. Wow. <laughs> that is some serious commitment to literature. English teacher in me. 
definitely approves <laughs> speaking of which this is the first i've actually been on in my in, in the old in the old monkey suit i've just come home from work because of the eight hour time gap it's it's the time that julian and i could make this work and so i'm still uh, i'm still got my got my tie and what we would call a dress shirt i guess in that part of the world and uh yeah doing the whole the whole teacher gimmick as i as i get back from uh things today yeah i'm sorry i couldn't make it yesterday nice. my things happen from, uh, I, th- I think the battery finally just shit the band oh, so been there. yeah i had to go get him and and i think we're getting a new battery so new battery is always better than an old battery interesting to talk about your husband do you believe in love at first sight um no yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> because it's always been my opinion that that love takes time. Like it, since I've been married, the thing I learned is that we wake up every day and make a choice. We choose, like we get up and choose that person. Now, like we, we've never had any serious marital issues because we have followed the, you know, I'm a, I'm a therapist. So it's like functional communication. We've always talked about everything you know, we don't yell, we're like respectful. And I have more traditional values where I believe that, you know, when he comes home, like I am his piece and he is, has the that's, values. Where that's P-E-A-C-E, like, right? Yes. <laughs> opposed to P-I-E-C-E. There's a, there's a different, I mean, both could be the t- so, tips, tips to a successful marriage, but yes. Uh, uh, I'm the other kind of piece in a whole different situation. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, no, but I, yeah, yeah, well done, well K done. In the streets, I in the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but well done. I mean, I think uh, I think the younger version of me probably could have used some some thoughts regarding uh, maybe some 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 more healthy and less um, guttural communication. Maybe, yeah, yeah, but things yeah. we don't know when we're young. It's true. I mean, I was walking around here unhealed for a while. I did go to therapy um, after my first divorce with my daughter's father. And I said first, like there are a billion of them. No, just that one divorce. It took a real toll on my mental health because, you know, I didn't think there, like, I didn't feel like abuse was a thing. Like, I was like, what do you mean fit? He's not abusing me. I have hands. I wish he would. I I will like I have hands. You you it's not possible for him to physically abuse me because I will fight. I will fight you. It just didn't occur to me like all the other ways that someone could be abused until a lot until I went to therapy and like learned about it, you know, that financial, that emotional and verbal abuse takes its toll because it changes how you see yourself. And oh Somehow we got heavy on the BFE. Honest and real. Ooh. Honest and real. <laughs> yeah. and we're, and we're all about honesty. Definitely we're all about honesty here at the BFE. Yeah. Um, but let's pivot to it. Holiday season's upon us almost. We're getting ready for, well, people like spooky season. But what's your favorite holiday, Julian? I, think, I feel like I may have just given it away. but It's spooky season. <laughs> it's been spooky season since the 5th of July. Wow, really? And I'm. Yes, and I'm decorating my Christmas tree with skeletons, with skulls. I have, I have to ask this question because you're American, you're a woman, 
And so there's more than one season that goes on right about now. There's spooky season. There's also pumpkin spice latte season. And the question is, are you a pumpkin spice person? I am. Oh, are you? Um, okay. <laughs> yes. If the question was, what is the most basic thing about you? <laughs> I have a Starbucks budget from spooky season through the Christmas season because of pumpkin spice and because of caramel brulee oh, there we go. latte. <laughs> I was at uh, London's King's Cross, probably the biggest train station in the U.K., and I was in the little slave of Starbucks there, and I was going through, and I had these two, uh, these these two young women um, who I would imagine from somewhere in Southeast Asia, or at least that's that's their heritage. But they presented, they said, they said, I don't know if anything's more white girl than pumpkin spice, <laughs> and I just and I just went, can I? I said, I'm sorry. And they laughed. They said, are we wrong? And I went, no, no, you're right. Can I quote you? Can I can I share this anecdote because this is the best thing that's ever happened to me in a Starbucks is that soundbite. I need to be able to share that. So there we go. Um, I would say if if there's any competing competing quality that could be as white, if not more white than Starbucks, I would have to either I would have to say animal rescue. Animal rescue. Animal rescue. Yes. That's a nice trade, isn't it? That's a, it that's is. a po- oh, it is. at least that's a positive one. Yeah, well, because yeah. look, look. As a, you know, as someone who has done like pit bull rescue, and there are some animals that you know what you see different people's approach to. Oh no, I cannot. I'm telling you, what like white women love animals. They, I, I might any go animal. Be like, oh, he's so cute. Come on, they are fearless. Judge There's a guy with a series. Sorry, go huh? ahead. Go ahead. There's a guy with a series on TikTok. Where he shows different different women rescuing animals, <laughs> and he's like, "Why women have no fear of animals?" And I was like, I had to sit there and think about it, and I was like, "You know, all those years in rescue, that is correct. <laughs> like, I, that's right." I might go judgmental vegetarianism. That feels very. That feels very white girl. <laughs> Not just being vegetarian, but judging you because, like, lecturing you about it. That feels that feels very white girl. <laughs> oh god! Did you see that video he says where the dude goes, "Are you really gonna eat that in front of me?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't seen this. <laughs> they had to. There was a show where it's like a whole bunch, like five vegans got in the same show, and then one fake vegan. And then they had to guess who was the who was the fake vegan. Oh, that's good. Yeah, this, this girl was like every time this real vegan would say this, she's like, "That's not vegan. That's not vegan." Fantastic. <laughs> it um, turned out the one person she was like, "Oh yeah, they're definitely real vegan." It was not the real vegan. Oh God. Well, speaking of fake and real, what was the first your first real choice for your the very first favorite film you had growing up? Where you're like, this is my favorite. Whether it was that terrible film that you just wore out the tape and your parents hated it, or whether you waited a little bit long, but the first time you went, this is my favorite. Oh, um, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. <laughs> it was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Hey, that's all right. Party on, dudes. Yeah. 
<laughs> we, me and my uncle are 10 months apart. We knew all the lines, even the annoying ones. And we would make annoying guitar sounds. We'd be like, ah! <laughs> we were so, it was, it was terrible. Ted. And Ninja Turtles. Give my love to the princesses. Who? You'll see. Catch you later, Bill Ted. <laughs> Oh, I love I, one of the my favorite things. I moved to Phoenix for a year when I was nineteen or twenty. I forget uh, nineteen. And one of the best parts is when I realized Circle K was a real thing. Because I just thought oh, really? Circle K was like was like a made up was like a made up movie store. Like it didn't really exist. <laughs> and when I found out Circle K was legit, I was so excited. And unfortunately, no one else there got it because I to me it was this mythical thing I saw only in movies and. <laughs> Didn't think it was real, and they're like, "Yeah, it's it's Circle K, dude. It's like, yeah, you can get a big old soft drink, but that's about it." Um, what is the best gift you've ever been given? Oh my gosh! Um, okay. Uh, well, when I turned five, I know we're going way, way back. When um, my mom said we like, she told me we we're not going to have party at all. And then when I woke up, there was a trail of balloons to this present, and it was a Teddy Rock spin. And like <laughs> that was the one thing I wanted. <laughs> that is still the greatest birthday surprise ever. Folks, if you don't know what a Teddy Rock spin is, go and oh. Google the advert for a Teddy Rock spin. Because if you didn't have a Teddy Rock spin and you were the right age, I think you wanted a Teddy Rock spin. It was, uh, yeah, it was something else. Oh, my, my Teddy Ruxpin wa- was uh, playing cas- cassettes from like, <laughs> like was playing r- hip hop, hip hop cassettes. <laughs> my Teddy Ruxpin could sing R&B songs. That's fantastic. <laughs> and, my, and my Teddy Ruxpin played Metallica. <laughs> Scary animatronics made, made even more so by musical choice. Let's flip that on its head. What's the worst gift you've ever been given? Oh my god! Um, my ex, my my daughter's father, my he he once took me out to a place, right? And he he thought he was being like a wonderful fiance at the time. He took me to this place. He ordered. He wouldn't let me order my own stuff. He ordered for me, and then. Because he felt Where like did he, he take you? The 1940s? Oh, it felt like it. I swear. <laughs> I thought we hopped into we went to a restaurant and it was like a time a time machine to the 40s, 50s, and 50s. Because he ordered for me. It was a salad. There were mushrooms on the salad. I am deathly allergic to to mushrooms. And when I sent it back, he rolled his eyes and he's like, What the hell is your problem? See, this is why you can't do anything nice for you because you are ungrateful i was like i will die if i eat that he's like whatever this is a never again (laughs) wow i was like i was considering divorce at that very moment (laughs) doesn't sound like a fun guy pardon the uh mushroom pun there (laughs) worst birthday present ever a restaurant in which I had a salad that I was allergic to. (laughs) Well, this pivots nicely because I've got a question two down, and this feels like it goes there anyway. So I'm going to go ahead and jump to this one and come back the way I came in a minute. What's your salad dressing of choice? Oh, yes. Uh, 
Right now it's blue cheese. Before I it was love me tomato some tomato vinaigrette. Hey, yes. I'm a fan of both of those, but I'm a big fan of the blue cheese. Yeah, yeah, blue blue cheese. Um, that was one I had to. I didn't like that till I got older. It was definitely an acquired taste when I was young. It tasted like mold or whatever it was. But now I'm like, no, no, no. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, love me some blue cheese. <laughs> what's your favorite word? Uh, <laughs> uh, right, right now, um, oh, for sure, or no worries. <laughs> oh, okay. Either for sure or no worries. Oh, excellent. We're doing going all kuna matata about it over here. <laughs> um, mine is monosyllabic because it's a five syllable word that means a one syllable word. So I like that monosyllabic. I mean, oh, I, I, I appreciate yeah. irony. Um, yes. How, kerfuffle was my word. Kerfuffle. Like, I like yeah, kerfuffle. Yeah, that was my word a few weeks ago. At uni, I was all about ramshackle. Ramshackle's a good one. I would always combine like, ramshackle nonsense. What a great combination of words. It just is. Um, okay, chicken wings. You like chicken. How hot can you go with your chicken wings? Hotter the better. Hey, absolutely. Kindred spirits here. Look at this. Yeah, we went to, uh, obviously, I'm sure uh, you might have heard, we went to uh, to Brewdog over here and did our chicken wing challenge here at the BFE. And uh, we found out Liam is all talk. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Liam was saying, oh, I think, because we found out kind of to get on the top 10 nationally, I think you had to do something like 35. And so Liam was going, I can do 30. I can do at least 30. Because I was going, I'm going for 35. I'm going for, I'm going for that number. He's like, I can do 30. And we, we had all the BFE except for, uh, except for Megs came with us. So we had Georgia, we had Ethan, we had Liam, we had myself. And Liam actually came in last place. Liam did 17 wings, I want to say. And then it was Ethan did, I want to think Ethan did 20. I want to think Georgia did 21. I might be low. It might be higher than this, but Georgia beat, Georgia beat Ethan by one wing. And then uh, I went 40. 40? Yeah, I went 40. You do 40? Yeah, oh, the, my the, God. the record was 51. And I got to 30. And I said, how many? I got to 35. And I went, he goes, you're going to go for the record. I said, how high is the record? And he went 51. And I went, oh, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's close. Because I wasn't, I was at the point where I'm like, I know I'm full. But I'm like, that's not that far. And I did about five, and the, the wings like doubled in size for that next five. And I was like, "I'm I'm done. I'm done." If you're gonna go for fifty one, I've decided you need to sit you need to sit down and be like, keep them coming because because it, it was like an all you can eat wing place. So it's like just keep them coming, just keep them coming. Just I'm gonna already order like get the next set ready because the first ten and the second ten there was a giant gap between them, and I think that doesn't help. You, want, oh. you need to you need to attack it because uh, if you give yourself a chance, you'll, you'll start feeling full. So. Yeah, because your body, that's in that time, your body digests the wings. And it sends the message to your brain. Yeah, I'm I'm good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I I can't eat that many wings to begin with. But then then they're hot wings, too. Oh, my God. Like, I would have, that that is one contest. I would have been like, first of all, I'm I'm about to be shit at this. I'm gonna eat till I'm full, and then yeah. I'm gonna be full at like five. Well, we have <laughs> we have we have made plans to we're gonna make that an annual tradition with the BFE. So we're gonna go back next year oh, and try and take it on. So I'm aiming for 41. 
<laughs> for one more. But we've also made plans to book an Uber and not walk on the hottest day of the English summer uh, back to the train station after doing that. That was rough. Um, here we go. How? Oh, because you're a military person, or, or you know, you, you, how far is the furthest you've ever been away from home? I have been on the opposite end of the world. So what would that I be? Have, that would be, I guess, like the middle of the... No, you're already on the West Coast. So what would be the opposite side of the world? The Indian Ocean? I'm trying to think. Like I've been all the way to like Australia, Guam, Singapore, all over the West, like the West Pacific wow. realm. Uh, What's your favorite, more obscure place you've been to? Guam. Guam? Why is that? Guam. Because well, because stuff is affordable there. It's like a it's like a paradise, but you can afford it. Is, um, is Guam Guam? I'm trying to think, does Guam have like an American base on it? Like you hear about Guam with America a lot, don't you? Yeah, it's um yeah, the and it's dollars. Like there's Is it like, is it US dollars, yeah? Yeah, it's yeah. it's like US dollars. There's a there's a base right there. And then when you go out, like they have all kinds of like places that you can go. Um, I was not, I I didn't like going to the places where all the other service men went. I I wanted to go where you know the locals went, kind of hang out there, and that was that was a lot of fun. I spent a lot of time on the beach. You and, and like, you and you and Danny Zuko. I spent most of my summer down by the beach. Leave it. Appreciate that. I just did a quick search. Guam's a U.S. territory, as it turns out. Look at that. That would explain the U.S. dollar. Yeah. I was thinking in my head, like you always hear Guam in relation to Americans. You don't really hear about anybody else going to Guam for some reason. So, yeah, that was my thought. That is weird. Oh, I wonder why. Because um, they like it's it's beautiful out there. I'm not saying everybody go flood that island and like ruin it. Don't leave them alone. (laughs) Tell them Julene sent you. Hey, we we need some Guam love on the BFE. Get a hold of some people from Guam and tell them, listen to BFE. There we go. All your holiday plans. Visit the following has been paid for by (laughs) visitguam.com. Um, what's the first CD? I'm gonna I'm gonna specify CD. The first CD you remember buying for yourself. Because uh, if we're similar in age, so I imagine you had a cassette era, but I remember when CDs yeah. took over and it was the choices become sort of sketched. So what, what 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 was the first CD you bought for yourself? Not a gift, you purchased with your own money. Oh, okay, that's um, Biggie Smalls, Notorious B.I.G., um, Life After Death, and uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and Infinite Sadness. That's I, I that's went, a great two pack. Uh, Tupac. Uh, <laughs> no, that, that, that's a great double set. Wow. That's not yeah, embarrassing I, at all. That's great. Yeah, I was thinking because I bought them in the same trip. Yeah. And I had to wait in line because it was the day. Like, the day I bought both of them was the day um, Notorious Big released his album. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, next one. What is the most used app on your phone? TikTok. TikTok? TikTok. I do not have TikTok. Uh, I'm still addicted to the the the, the videos because Facebook does that. They, they, they rebroadcast them and Instagram rebroadcast them. But yeah, I don't actually have TikTok itself. 
I feel like I should because it would actually give me more control over the algorithm and what it's pushing at me. Yeah, yeah. The well, yeah, yeah. The thing I like about TikTok is that um, newer music artists get get some shine. Yeah, and I found some great music off TikTok. Uh, also, you know, as a reconnecting native from you know of the philippines like i see a lot of other filipinos a lot of uh phil abs like doing the same thing and you know you get to you get to learn a lot from like people people who are nowhere near you yeah like I, i'm just looking at my phone really quickly because i've bought two or three tracks of my most recent because i still buy music because i'm a sucker uh, I am one of those who still buy. Yeah, two or three of my last six have been TikTok artists. So people who have come across going, yeah, I want to help support them. That's a catchy song. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pay for that. I will. I'll give them 99p out of my pocket, and God bless them because it's really hard for. I mean, it feels silly that in a global world where YouTube's a thing that it shouldn't be harder for bands to break, but it really, really is in a manner of speaking because. It's such a flooded marketplace. How do you make a noise for yourself? And TikTok's proving to be a place where that can happen. Oh, yeah. I And I think the equation really is write a great tune that's catchy, make a dance challenge with it, and then, you know, let it go. Let it go viral. Uh, I'm listening to uh, a band, a TX2 right now, and like Real X-Man and Dochi um and uh paul russell okay <laughs> uh there you go there's some uh some listening uh tips from uh from julene here on bfe radio bfe radio um yeah, uh, <laughs> oh oh i was gonna say yeah real x-man oh and uh like well kevin jay-z prodigy's been around for a while but um, he was fe- he's working on Beyonce's Renaissance tour, and he is a legendary uh, Vogue artist too. So I've been listening to him too. But um, Real X Man, he's he's in he's really popular in the queer space, and like I love his music. Uh, TX Two is kind of like emo. It's like emo emo protest vibes and um you'll 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 see him in like a in the emo metal and and uh in queer space too uh paul russell and dochi those are like hip-hop r&b you're kind of feel good chill and party music excellent um what do i have next here your proudest achievement uh, We're just getting real here. I know. Besides my children, my proudest achievement is going to therapy hey, and yeah, good, good. Um, getting getting healed. Like a lot of people are like, "Why don't you keep that to yourself?" Because um, I have used my platform always to talk about, like, you know, autism awareness, mental health awareness. I'm a veteran. This is important. 22 veterans a day kill themselves because they do not get help or they can't get help. So for me, I am proud of the fact that I healed. I uh, stopped generational trauma with me. My children are healthy, happy, emotionally intelligent, 
able to recognize a toxic situation. My son told me one day, I broke up with my girlfriend because I really love her, but she's always accusing me of cheating on me. And it's starting to get out wear on my mental health. And I explained this to her and, you know, we, we broke up and she understood, but I, she's still upset and she cried and still sent her friends to come talk to him. But the fact that I raised him emotionally intelligent enough to recognize that it's starting to wear on him. Just let me know. Like it, I was just so proud um, because that speaks to my accomplishment of getting therapy, getting help, making sure I am the best version of myself. Can't say it any more clearly than that. A lot of our yeah. questions have deal, dealt with the past. This one, the last one on our questionnaire, deals with the future. What's an experience that remains on your bucket list? Oh, uh, going to, okay, I'm not going to say for sure, but I am looking at Azusa Pacific University so I can get my doctorate. Hey, Dr. Julene. Dr. Walker. It's got a good, good, go ahead. In clinical psychology, because a lot of people don't know, like I am very active in the community and I do a lot of things and, you know, business and blogging and stuff. But the thing I do during the day, really, um, like I have a degree in behavioral science, August 2025, I will have a a BA in psychology and then. I'm probably going to go to Azusa Pacific to do my graduate work. Excellent. Well, what's up, Doc? Let's uh, let's pivot and talk about and your, your mouth to God's ears. That's right. Let's talk to. Let's talk about uh, a fairly godless place in this movie. Uh, let's talk about the uh, Wyoming. Don't call it Colorado. Don't call even though it is Colorado. Don't call it Colorado. We'll say it's Wyoming. <laughs> And let's talk about uh, the Hateful Eight. Well, why did you want to bring the Hateful Eight to the BFE? Um, I am. I was going through a Quentin Tarantino thing. Uh, I was. I was just watching Tarantino films. I mean, there are like what nine or ten legit Tarantino films. Yeah, if you consider Kill Bill one film, which he does, then there's nine. Yeah. 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 So. Um, yeah, I, I was on a Tarantino kick. It's really interesting because you brought Django to us earlier. And yeah. uh, and originally, um, Hateful Eight was, was drawn up in its first sort of concept as a sequel to Django. So it's actually quite fitting that the sequel to you bringing Django to us is you bringing the Hateful Eight to us. Yes. Oh, that is definitely a full circle moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we always have. We were talking the other day on the mic i don't know if it's last week a couple weeks ago liam liam brought it up after we we were done he said hey you always have a nice way of wording things i was like oh what, what, what do you mean i didn't know what he was referring to and he went oh because you were talking about because we were talking about um our bffs the bfe and what they have brought to the table consistently and uh yours always speak to some sort of voice that needs to be her a voice is not usually heard or a bit of an abstract kind of voice in this in this case in the case of, of a tarantino stuff and uh, we always appreciate a julian pick because it's always it's always an intense film it's always an intense film 
and yeah, you don't get much more intense than uh, than the hateful eight. And uh, Liam and I had a really good time, sort of going over. We both seen it once before, and that kind of just let it go. I think the hateful eight totally holds up on a second watch. Totally holds up on a yeah. second watch. Knowing it's coming actually made me appreciate. I always appreciate the way that Tarantino, as a director, structures his stories, and I don't think anything because. Re- this is the simplest in a sense. And this, you know, it, it's one more or less. It's, it's one setting. It's one location. You trap everybody in. It could have been a play. It's kind of a murder mystery. It's all these sort of elements yeah. in one, but yet he still manages to plant seeds that are so clever in this film. And I know it doesn't have the, you know, it doesn't have the, uh, surfer rock music or the suits of pulp fiction or you know the the handguns and stylish cars and all those things we usually associate with with tarantino films but i think even though it's stripped down it's still quintessentially quintessentially (laughs) uh quentin uh, quentin tarantino yeah yeah can can we talk about the score, though? You do it. We know whatever you want, Julian. It's your time. <laughs> Even though it's not rock music, but the music he chose just fit. And the it, fit. Yeah, it was like, it was just perfect. Who, who wins the Academy Award for the score for this film, wrote the score without watching the film. He just went here, here, this is it. And Tarantino just placed it where he, and it works. It so works. And it's the first Tarantino film to have an original score. Yeah, it, and oh, it's so memorable. I mean, great music, cowboys, exploding heads. I, it's just and guns it's like every it's like my dream film and, and the mystery of who's this person who's in on it and the whole time he goes you know ruth shows up and says i believe one of you is in cahoots of her maybe more and helping to you know gonna plan on killing me and freeing her and what does she do she goes oh you got it john one of, or more they're all in on it are in cahoots and and she's telling the truth so as the audience we go well she's the she's crazy and she's the villain you've established it to be there's no way that they'd tell us this and it's exactly what it is it's brilliant yeah the, and the fact that she gave it away is like it's like she didn't have, she, she did not have to but that, like he gun to her head he said one of you is in cahoots. Mm-hmm. One of them could have been like, it was me. And let the other guy be like, you know, uh, like sabotage the whole situation. Yep. <laughs> but by giving it away, it hides it. it it's so clever. Uh, and even little things like we noticed that uh, when they first come in. So by they, I mean uh, Daisy and John Ruth. Uh, and they sort of kind of introduced everybody. She very matter-of-factly kind of crazily goes, we got the new sheriff traveling with us. And you just think she's just talking nonsense to fill space when actually she's tipping her people off? But you only know that the second time you, oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. And then she brings up, you know, and and, and there's a, there's uh, another guy, and he's got a Lincoln letter, and they're like, oh, she's told them now there's two people traveling with, plus the driver. So she's just giving her people information. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's great in this. Yeah, and, oh, and the dude complained, I just put horses away. Who's these guys? Like, you, 
at the like when when you get to like the end where they where you see it from the other people's point of view, yeah. then it makes sense because when they pulled up and he's screaming and hollering about putting the horses away, and my first thought is that's suspicious. He he's gonna be a bad guy because he's mad he's putting horses away. If you work here, you're not gonna say anything. You're gonna grab the halter, maybe mutter a few you know, a few things under your breath, you know, like I got to get a new job or screw this job and screw you too, bud. But you're not going to be that. Even, even if you got into a whole argument with someone, you would not be that loud. And my brain just, my spidey senses just went off. I was like, Oh, he's a bad guy. He's definitely a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Senor Bob. Yeah, uh, it was great. I mean, uh, Liam and I both commented on the use of cinematography in this film as well. Like, we definitely gave Morricone all the flowers that we could. He was the score was fantastic, but the cinematography we thought was also brilliant. And the scene in the barn where it keeps focus pulling between Bob and Warren and Bob and Warren and never showing them in deep focus together, but instead having to choose which one was in focus, which one's blurred out. Uh, as a way to sort of resonate the idea that they're not on the same page. There's something unspoken that we're not. And, and it gives us just enough to doubt Senor Bob. And then Tarantino, through a script, gives us just enough to go, okay, he got that one right. He knows Millie doesn't smoke a pipe. So, or Minnie, sorry, doesn't smoke a pipe. So it was such a, a clever game of, of cat and mouse as we went throughout and, and changing power dynamics. And it was, oh, it was so... Uh, it it yeah. was amazing. It's amazing. I think what surprised me because um, the first time I watched it, you know, I didn't know many either. What surprised me is like these two beautiful black women in the middle of no, in the middle of like a nineteenth century frontier, uh, post emancipation. Yeah, and there's and they are basically an outpost for travelers, and I wasn't expecting that. Especially when he went through he went through the whole thing about Minnie not like me- not liking Mexicans, and I was like I was definitely not expecting that. And then <laughs> and then but then you see what they did with the the colors and the lighting and um, the grading with the different thing when on the part of the movie where it's just the guys and it's not with Minnie and and her and was that her friend or sister? I can't remember. Yeah, I, I don't know who. I don't know who the other woman was. I don't know if it was a daughter or what yeah. it was, but yeah. Yeah, the first half of it, it was a little dingy, dark. The lighting was kind of like, like it. It only it was only bright where the person where the action was happening, but it was always kind of like dark and like lo-fi everywhere else. But then when they did the flashback to Minnie the cabin just seemed warmer and nicer. I had not picked up on that, but you can can always count on Julian to notice the color grading. I'll say that. I always say that. You you, you absolutely. Um, Everything was so much brighter. It was like warm and welcoming. Before that, it was just ominous. I noticed they used a lot more um, tighter shots on people 
in uh in the mini section because um whereas uh, they used a great deal of wide shots and long shots to demonstrate how isolated they still are though you're in this you found sanctuary you're still exposed you're still alone uh so i noticed on that side i didn't pick up the color grading so thanks for that yeah yeah it's it's it was really cool <laughs> um yeah, and then also the, the the portrayal of an of an interracial couple because Sweet Dave, I was like, so at first they surprised me when I went, oh, because I, I think I'd forgotten Minnie was Minnie was black again, and I was like, oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they show Sweet Dave, and I'm like, I, I forgot they were an interracial couple again as well. That's such a unique perspective. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that they were an interracial couple. Honestly, I thought I thought Dave Sweet Dave was queer. Oh, did I, you really? I thought I, that was. I yeah. thought Sweet Dave was her husband. Because that's why he's in the chair all the time. Why else would you always be there? And why else would, would they go visit Minnie's, Minnie's family together? Um, According to Senior, I, I, now, Senior Bob doesn't know him that well. But that would have been, I think, I think um, um, Marquis Warren would have, would have told us if they weren't a couple when he was listed all the other mistakes. Yeah, true. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm too bad. No, I definitely like. I, I thought I thought Sweet Dave was queer, wow. and you know it's just kind of like a sanctuary for like people yep. to go to feel welcome, to feel part of a family. Something we noticed was, uh, and Liam picked up on it, was the use of obviously. I mean, it's uh, Tarantino and his his love of using racial slurs in his dialogue. But so so many, and, and we sort of talked about that. We said the first time you hear it, you get you go, ooh, ooh, ooh. But by the hundred and fiftieth, it's weird to say you've become a bit numb to it. Um, oh no, not me. Or, or is it's it still just, affecting you as much on the hundred and fiftieth go as it was the first? Yeah, it's like it, it. I don't know. It's like nails on a chalkboard, especially like when you. I don't know if you pick up on like the different inflections of the voice, but you can tell which you can tell those actors are not accustomed to saying that Ooh, word. Oh yeah, yeah, and we talked about that because I don't know. We said you know we always have to cast ourselves in the movie. And I'm like, I, I I I can't deliver this dialogue in this movie. There's just no way. Yeah, like uh, Channing Tatum when when he said you can you can t-, like if you see his face as he says it and you hear the like it's kind of a pot like you can tell he struggled with mm-hmm. saying that word yeah we, we brought up again when uh when when you, you brought Django to the table um there was the story of how leo dicaprio really struggled and samuel jackson was like dude this is a tuesday for me like i know for you this is but but this this is my everyday of my life i hear that word and sort of yes. sort of said it's for the performance you need to do right by this and i imagine you can't Im- i imagine it would be consistent and there would have been a similar sort of perspective or outlook on this one because samuel jackson finds himself smack dab in the middle of one of sort of hollywood's biggest controversies or beefs if you will that being spike lee and quentin tarantino and spike asking why does quentin have to keep writing this word and often casting himself to say this word versus you know and then so a, a constant collaborator of both men is samuel jackson who who 
um, has gone on record saying he, he, you know, Quentin Tarantino, according to him, doesn't have a racist bone in his body. It's just a really, oh, he's definitely, it, it's almost, he's almost got a fetish for the word. I, the way I think Quentin is an artist yeah. that is, if he is true and authentic to the period he's writing in, he has to yeah. be, he, he feels it's necessary because it makes people uncomfortable and it makes it, it's almost like holding up a mirror, holding up a mirror because the white experience and the black experience is different. White people can be like, oh, this word makes me uncomfortable. Why does he have to use it? I don't want to hear it. Whereas the black experience is different. We don't have a choice in the matter. Whether it's, you know, our own people, the music, or racist people calling us that. It's everywhere. And, you know, we cannot say. We can't turn it off. We can't walk away from it. We don't have that choice. It's really interesting. I'm teaching Pulp Fiction right now to the oldest students that I have. So these are 18-year-olds who are going to uni, right? And so when 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 the N-word was dropped for the, for the first time in the film, they were like, and they did not know how to process this. And we talked about it. We said, it's coming. It's coming. And we talked about the Tarantino um, sort of controversy with, because with, we, we'd done Do the Right Thing earlier in the course. So we, we're familiar with Spike Lee, and now we're doing, we're doing uh, – uh, Quentin and Samuel Jackson, of course, is in both films. And so we, we spoke about it. And one of the things I we came across was, look, you can have two – Quentin's got to be one of these two guys. Either he's a guy who's, who's, who's on a power trip and is going to cast himself to say this word because he can, or he's, he's what you said. He's an artist. He's looking to agitate. He's looking to upset. And there's a purpose to what he is doing here. Um, and it's interesting um, because the first character – so you're right. You cannot, uh, I cannot even mentally encapsulate the black experience onto my own. I can't position myself in the, uh, I think the best we, that Quentin tries to do as a filmmaker is tries to give us um, alignment with, with, with a black character. And because Samuel Jackson's the first character we see in this film, we naturally latch onto him. And within about 15 seconds, Jennifer Jason Lee's used that racial slur on him when Kurt Russell says, call him Major Warren, and she instead uses the N-word to, to, to refer to him. Uh, and then he hits her. And we kind of go, yeah. It's really weird. It's like we've, we're okay with this violence against women because of the racial slur. We've established our hierarchy here. There's, there, there's, because <laughs> it's really weird, but we all go, too right, too right, absolutely. Good, good. Stop her from saying that. And I think because we've been, and because he's the only black character as well in the film, I think that 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 alignment that we've that he's created between us and and uh, um, Marcos Warren, I think it's the closest. It's a way to position the audience as going, look, you're never going to uh, uh, authentically experience this, but at least for for three hours, I'm going to put you right beside him. Yeah, that too. And we have to ask ourselves too, what's worse? Having him having having him put this word in the script 
you know, because it is, it is, uh, period, the appropriate for that period of time yep. and that the racist attitude or having him remove this word from the script and pretending like this never happened during that era. Absolutely. Or pretending like this word was not used to denigrate and demean an entire race of people. I feel like you're sitting on my class. Because <laughs> it's going, I want there to be a range of all stories. And if you remove this and if you whitewash, pardon the pardon the pun, this 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 thing and replace it with a different word, then instead you get an inauthentic version of of this. And isn't that what art's supposed to be about? Trying to present as much as you can an authentic version of 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 a story, of a journey, of of something. Yeah. Exactly. And like to for me to try and like clean up quentin tarantino um it makes me feel like as a person of color oh how how very wonderful that people have the privilege to not hear that word on a daily basis and have options it's like when people say i don't see color well how nice for you we don't have a choice over here (laughs) yeah yeah um i'll tell you what you know that you've got some uh, extra responsibilities here. So let me hit this button here. <laughs> we're in the end game now. Part two, because we did the end game with Liam, and now we're going to do the end game oh, here know. with Julene. And one of the deals is we didn't, let, we didn't let Liam do this. He wanted it. I'm like, no, no, no. We got Julene coming. We're not doing that. You need to pick our random word for the episode. Okay. So please don't choose that word. Please don't choose that word. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> so, uh, I, I will make a statement after this. Hold on. Okay. Random word of the day. Uh, nutshot. Nutshot. It, 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 that's going to be a challenge, folks. You've got it. Nutshot. Be as creative as you can. Uh, we will reward. Uh, don't, be as dirty. Don't, don't, don't be. Yes, please don't be dirty. Uh, that, the certain gifts I don't want to open my, my, my Twitter to. And this would absolutely uh, opens up a door. <laughs> I, I do not want to go through. <laughs> I mean, because that that was epic. I, I, I was rooting for Samuel Jackson. But when he was like, say goodbye to your nuts. Ow, I was like, oh, oh my god, oh, not the balls. Let me ask you a question because I feel the reveal of Channing Tatum is lessened because you get the words and Channing Tatum in the opening credits. If they yes. had pulled a seven and hidden that and don't let them do any press, put that stuff to the side, I think. If it pans down and you're like, whoa, whoa there's another guy. It's wait, wait, it's Channing Tatum. I think it's because the whole time I'm going, where's Channing Tatum? He hasn't shown up yet because he's Me a big too. enough name and Channing Tatum. So when it scroll, I was like, okay, cool, but 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 oh, it would have been so much cooler if I didn't if I wasn't waiting for him to show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole time I was like, oh, maybe he'll show up in Red Rock. That was on my first watch. On my first watch. Oh, Red Rock. Like, yeah, I kind of knew we were. I think I theorized we were going to get out of there. Or at least the story would, um, some characters I thought might survive, but they wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty clear once they get there. It's like, oh, this, that, 
they ain't leaving it's kind of it's like a perfect horror movie in the sense of yeah. it's not that the phone lines are turned off because there's no phones but it's not that the roads are closed because of us it's it's yeah you you are snowed in and i tell you what i i have been in snowstorms like this this is i can relate to this i don't know what what you you said that you've lived in you're like new york at some point where are you yeah, New York. I lived in the Bronx um, for a little bit. I also lived in New Haven, Connecticut for a little bit. Connecticut, you might get something like this. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, you you get it in New York too. Oh, yeah, because we, we get uh, we get we get. I'm like, I'm from rural Ontario, so like open farmland and just this white camp. I'm like, yeah, I relate to this. Yeah, but it's never been like that bad. Maybe the blizzard of '96, but even like that blizzard that followed Hurricane Sandy wasn't nearly as bad as that. I I was '96. It might have been '96. I was sharing a story about how I got snowed in at this. You know, when you're like in you're in like elementary school and you have friends, and then you kind of make the move to high school and you kind of refilter yourself based on kind of. So sometimes your elementary school friends didn't cross, at least with me, your elementary school friends might not have crossed over to high school friends because they didn't make the jump in maturity or whatever it was. And you're like, oh, I'm not, I don't really want to be his friend anymore. Well, I got sent to go visit my friend in the middle of, of the country. And then, like, I don't know if it was Hurricane Andrew or Hurricane Sandy or whatever it was, but that storm came. And it was, like, three, four days of, like, nothing but, like, it was just like this. Just nothing but blizzard, and I couldn't get out of there. And I'm like, I want to go home. And they're like, the roads the roads aren't going to be open for, like, two days. Like, you ain't going anywhere. And I had the worst ear infection because I went out in the in the blizzard to help feed some animals. <laughs> oh, it was brutal. Oh, what a, what a terrible experience. Oh, it was rough. It was rough. I go. I want to go home. <laughs> oh no! Oh, uh, I don't know if it's the same blizzard, but in the blizzard of '96, um, I was intrigued, but there was so much snow. So of course, my my dumbass blows it down and then jumps off the second floor balcony into a pile of snow. I, in case you were, yes, I did hurt myself, <laughs> but it not nearly not not as bad. Like it, it wasn't like it was more of a sprain than a break. Because oh, I, I went straight down like feet first. <laughs> well, let's talk about the money. This thing. Let's put the midpoint of the budget because you can't decide what the budget's going to be. They put it at fifty three million dollars. What do you think this takes home? Oh, uh, hateful eight wasn't that it wasn't as popular. Oh. I'm gonna say uh, four million. What four four is four four point oh? Wow, no, you're you're you're, you're way low on that one. It's like home one hundred and fifty six and a half. He's still Tarantino. No way. He's still Tarantino. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. yeah, yeah. It was just, you know, it's like a one scene movie. It's, it's one that it's happened. Like, yeah. Like, I, I don't remember it being a massive deal when it came out. And I was already in the UK. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe it didn't. Uh, the UK movie scene isn't like the North American movie scene. So the North American movie scene, every time you, uh, for anybody who's listening from, who's not from North America, you know, every time your, your TV show goes to a commercial break, there's a fairly decent chance you might get a small movie, a little a little movie advert for something that's coming out. Like it's it's omnipresent. It's not really like that here. It's 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 different. Hmm. So if you're not in the loop, you're not in the loop. So it's really easy to sort of fall out of it. 
Um, so that was part of it there. Uh, this does get nominated for three awards, as we mentioned. Uh, we did say nominated for cinematography. We did say it wins for best original score. One of them get up for an for an acting Oscar. Any any guesses on that? Samuel. No, not Sam. He's, he's playing himself. Eddie, come on. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> The word dingus. I've never heard the word dingus used so, so frequently. And I'm like, is it really that? Out of all the words you could use for that body part, dingus just sounds a little weak. <laughs> it's a goofy word. It's a goofy word. Uh, um, oh. Kurt Russell. No, I'll give you Kurt, one. I'll Kurt. give you one more stab. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Christopher, he played dentist in Django. Christopher Waltz, yes, is not in this movie. Wait, he didn't play the English dude. No, no, that's uh, that's Tim Roth. Oh, okay. If you if you're familiar with uh, with Pulp Fiction, he's he's one of the two robbers of a diner at the start of the movie. Oh, that's him. Yeah, him, him, Tim Roth. N- not him. It's actually Jennifer Jason Leigh. Oh, really? Yeah. I would not have guessed. Her. Oh, really? I think she's fantastic in this, even with her like one person carry performance, where like Kurt Russell's vomit and blood. Like Liam was done. Liam was like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Oh, oh yeah, that was disgusting. Oh, I think it's oh. great. I think it's great. And I'm not even a big, uh, a big, a big gore horror guy in the slightest, but I thought that was fantastic. It's the puking for me. It is the puking. Let's see if you match up with what we thought. Cast, and include yourself, cast the BFE in this movie. Um, okay. Uh, I think Georgia would, would, would have been... Um, Okay, that's really hard because I like you all, and the most of the characters are unlike. Well, we're just, we're just, we're, we're, we're just playing <laughs> parts. We're not, we're not actually these people, so if you feel, feel free. It's fun to play a villain. Okay, okay. So, um, I th- I think Georgia would probably be Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, Ethan maybe Channing Tatum's character. I think you maybe Samuel L or or the 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 about the original bounty hunter. Oh, Jennifer see, I would have loved that. Yeah, Kurt Russell. I would have yeah. loved that part. Yeah. Either Kurt Russell or Samuel. Uh, Liam, I think Liam would have been Senor Bob. Senor Bob. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because you know when when because I feel like I feel like Liam's the type of dude that would that that would find a way to to warn his friends in a smart way. Hey, yeah. Yeah, and also that in a that's both in a smart way and to make himself seem like you know he's complaining, but he's actually warning his friends. I think like Liam. I think Liam ironically cast me as the English guy, <laughs> and then I think I cast Liam as Joe Gage, Michael Madsen's character off in the corner who was writing his life story, oh, yeah. isn't his mom? Uh, but you got everything else. Uh, you agreed with us. We said Ethan would be Channing Tatum, I believe. And we said that uh, Georgia would be. We, we had some debate, but I think I convinced Liam in the end that Georgia would be, um, would be Jennifer Jason Lee's character. Yeah, I I think it 
if you were Kurt, Kurt Russell, then I'd then I'd be Samuel L. Hey, absolutely! Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, put your guns! Oh, you have a Lincoln letter. Oh, so Kurt Russell gets everything wrong in this movie. Everything, like she she calls it. She says he she says he's not very bright, and he hits her for it. She's bang on. He is wrong about everything in this movie. I was disappointed that the Lincoln letter was a fake. I was so disappointed. And that's what the Lincoln letter's for, isn't it? We said, uh, Samuel Jackson says, you, you know, when black people feel safe, when white people are disarmed. And we said, isn't that what it does to us as the audience? We want the letter to be real because it's such a cool story. But when he's, they start poking holes in it, when Walton Goggins, who's, who's fantastic in this movie, when Walton Goggins goes, of course it's fake. You think he's gonna? You think he's gonna be pen pals? The president? You're like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he probably wouldn't be pen pals. But we so want it to be real. <laughs> yes. Do you know the story about the guitar in this movie? No. So you know when Kurt Russell smashes the guitar? Uh-huh. If you look carefully, Jennifer Jason Lee kind of comes out of character because she goes like she's way too like, why does crazy Daisy Donnie or whatever her name is care that he smashed her guitar? Like, he hits her in the face twice an hour. Like, why does she care? That, and she looks off 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 camera at someone, you know, it's because that guitar is from the 1870s. It was lent by like the Martin Guitar Company. It's worth millions of dollars. And no oh. one, it was supposed to be swapped. And no one told Russell that they had to wait for the swap. And he smashes the legit guitar. So that's the authentic shot of him like breaking a multi million dollar piece of musical history. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's a theory that Tarantino Tarantino wanted it to happen because he said that while it was happening, he kind of smiled a bit because 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 he knew he got a good take. <laughs> it's like we can pay the money; it's all right. Yeah, the real question is who paid the money? The, the, the it, production company? It, it, yeah, it would have been the Weinstein company, wouldn't it? Good, he can pay. Yeah, absolutely, scumbag. You can pay <laughs> for the guitar. Jeez. So. Um, well. I mean, I asked, does this film have a villain problem? I don't think it does. The film's got lots of villains. And I'm, you know what? And it's, it doesn't get in the way either. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And it helps that there is absolutely nothing likable or relatable about these villains. We don't, the, the audience cannot relate to them. Or about these heroes. Yeah, like, we don't like them either. Like, you know, um, uh samuel jackson's character uh, uh marquess warren you know he burns down a prisoner a prisoner camp and kills you know he kills 43 southerners and he kills 37 yankees in the process and we're like oh who cares i got to kill white folks but, like, but then we also find out that he killed a lot of aboriginals as well or so that's why they didn't it's like whoa yeah and he pretty much he pretty much manipulates the old man. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, because interesting. Well, I'm curious what your reading is. Our reading was that the scene with uh, Sanders's son never happens, that it's a Lincoln letter. He's again selling yeah. a story. Okay. Yeah. So whereas yeah. the Lincoln letter is meant to disarm white people, his story about his son was meant to literally arm Sanders so he could yeah, shoot him. And- and you knew it was bullshit as soon as he like said, "Can I say?" Yeah, <laughs> but, but 
him. You know him. He puts the gun down there. And the best part is Goggins is saying the whole time, uh, Chris Maddox, he's going, he's going, he just wants you to pick up the gun so he can shoot you. And he's, he, he's right on. Like Maddox is right about everything in this movie. Everything, yeah. which you don't want okay. him to be, because he's he's the, he's the blind racist. You know what I mean? Like he's 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 probably the, the as far as that. You know, he's from a renegade army. There's really no difference between him and a gang leader, but he thinks there is. Yeah. And now he's yeah. the sheriff, and now he's got morals. <laughs> and then, the, and then of course, how- who's your final two? It's these two guys who hate each other and what each other stand for. You know, the, the, the black guy who killed all these white Southerners, especially, and, and, and the white Southerner who hates black people. And yet this is the, the these are our heroes at the end of the movie <laughs> as, as they hang a woman. <laughs> what a strange movie. It's it's weird. But it's Tarantino. <laughs> it, it, you know what? I think you pretty much summed that up. Um, whose story? Whose story is it? It is. No. Is it the? Oh, it's it's either the girl story or. No. Yeah. It. it yeah, it's a girl story because she she drove the action. You you're on board with Liam. That was his read too. His read is that it's her story. Yeah. So he, he gets to win the, the the vote on that one. So he'll he'll be happy to hear that one. Um, yeah. what's the role of women like in this film, Julian? You're the only woman we've got talking about it. So you you now speak on behalf of all women. Oh, no pressure. There. No pressure there. <laughs> Um, let me see. Because Tarantino, I mean, he has drawn fire from 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 feminists, or at least some 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 groups who profess a, a feminist leaning perspective about the way he handles women in, in, in his film. So it's it's kind of curious to sort of see you know where he comes from. Well, I d- as, oh no, okay, keep going. Go ahead, because like I'm I'm collecting my Certainly. my thought and then the reasons for it so i i think we felt from our perspective was that uh um jennifer jason lee's character although you know morally deplorable as far as who she is she's a she's represented from a consistent perspective of strength she never sexualizes herself in order to try and get she'll, she'll do everything to try and get out of trouble but she won't diminish herself to that so she's always on equal footing with the men and she's willing to hang with them when when Jody dies she's the next leader of the gang and 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 speaks with the authority that that would bring with it um and outside of that the rest of the women in the film uh if you think about uh six horse Judy who was the only Judy who could who could uh, drive six horses or Minnie uh both presented in a very positive light so you know it's not it's not sweet dave's haberdashery it's minnie's haberdashery you know what i mean so we kind of went yeah he presents women in a really really positive light we think overall in the movie we'd stop short of calling quentin tarantino a feminist but we say in this movie it's a really really positive overall we thought a positive perspective but we're very curious to get your perspective on it i i agree um we could start with because again the main woman in this is she became the leader of the gang she made several escape attempts 
And even though dude beat the unholy hell out of her, she was still running that mouth mm -hmm. because she did not care. Like you can, you can beat me, you can tie me up, but I, I'm still gonna talk my trash. It like she, she had no f's, no f's, <laughs> and she's every every escape attempt, the poisoning. She got puked on and didn't go. Oh my god, yep. she didn't clutch pearls she just laughed and she's the last she, one to die she is the big bad yeah she was she was a final girl energy yep and then uh with Minnie, like she was a whole business owner she ran that place to where even when the men spoke about her like samuel sam samuel l jackson lots of l's in that spoke, yeah. yeah spoke about her would say Minnie didn't allow this. This is definitely Minnie's stew. Minnie had a sign up here. Minnie didn't allow hats in the in the in the hab dash. And he still takes the hat off. Yep. Like Even though Senior Bob doesn't, he keep he takes his hat off. Yeah, yeah. You can tell the women commanded respect with this film. Mm -hmm. Uh kind of ties us in nicely. Who's your favorite character? Or who's the best character? That might not even be the same thing. Liam listed like Liam listed over half the eight. So I was like, buddy, no, no. Cut it down. <laughs> uh, I think Samuel L and Minnie. Like I really like I really like Minnie. She was sweet, you know, she was sweet, welcoming, even even though she is a raging racist. But you know, she, she like she she ran a bit like she ran a whole business like come on, and and uh, Kurt uh, Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah, Kurt got my vote, so I was very glad to hear you say that I could play Kurt Russell. I was like, giddy up, absolutely. Um, it, it's I mean the acting performances in this movie are fantastic. Uh, best moment, best element. Um, when. Best moment is when Samuel L. Jackson got his nut shot. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was just, it, I wasn't expecting it. Like, I knew Channing Tatum was coming, but that's not when I expected nah. to see him. Nah. I'll say, uh, mine is when John Ruth dies. I did not see that coming. That was like deep blue sea levels of what just happened to me. Even though he drank the coffee, I did not see. I'm like, what are we doing in the movie? The main character just died. What what, what 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 are we gonna do? <laughs> the, that's when it's like plot twist. He's not the main character. Yeah, which is why Deep Blue Sea. Because I was totally ready for. I'm like, wait a moment. Who's left? Who becomes who becomes the character now? I don't know. Um, a grumble. Uh my grumble was that. <sighs> like okay, so the. The cabin was the pretty much the only setting, and I think I think that's my grumble is that it only it only had like one one set piece, one one place, and they could have done more with that. You know, yeah, we're all we're all waiting out the storm and stuff, but they they all didn't like they all didn't have to die in that cabin. Like they could have. I don't know. I just they could have switched up and made it that you know continued the fight like on the road or 
maybe let them get to Red Rock and let me see the 15 gang members try and overtake them. That was a Lincoln letter. Yeah, the Lincoln letter. I wanted to see like a huge climax. Like I wanted bigger for the climax. Okay. I love the understated climax. I think it's great. (laughs) But I like plays. And this this comes off like a play. It really does. Uh, mine was Ann Channing Tatum. That was my that was my grumble. <laughs> you spoiled you spoiled your own twist. How do you do that? Yeah. Oh, that too. Yeah, yeah. that is a grumble. Is this <laughs> is this anybody's best role ever? No. I see. I haven't seen a lot of Kurt Russell, so I haven't seen the thing. I haven't seen Escape from. So my my very limited Kurt Russell. This is my best Kurt Russell, but outside of that. I don't know Jennifer Jason Lee enough to give her anything. So I'm sure she's better in this, but Kurt I don't know. Russell, wasn't Kurt Russell in Tombstone? He was. I've never seen Tombstone. Oh, well, I think Tombstone is the greatest. I've probably seen Kurt about Russell. I've probably seen about 6 Kurt Russell films if I'm being honest. So it's the best of 6, but it's not it's not the best. If you said name 6 Kurt Russell films, none of them are the ones I'm talking about. Like I've seen him like Breakdown and things like that. Oh. Executive yeah. decision. He's in that too, isn't he? The one on the plane yeah. with Steven Seagal. <laughs> like I've seen, oh. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen his bad stuff. You know what I mean? Or I, I saw him yeah. in Guardians too. It's not which, which he's not bad in, but it's not a great performance. Oh no, we're gonna pretend Guardians two does not exist. There we go. Funnier <laughs> movie than one, like quippy, but not as good a story. Absolutely. Um. Okay. Sorry. So here's the game. Re- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. I've seen Escape, Escape from L.A., Tombstone, uh, Guardians, Hateful Eight, and, like, I've, I've seen other Kurt Russell films. My dad, my dad's thing was to go to Blockbuster, pick out an action film, and then, you know, whatever the kids wanted to watch, and then we'd all gather as family and watch the action film. So, like, I, I love, I love action films, horror films. Like just films in general, but as far as Kurt Russell, I I don't think this is his greatest role ever. Tombstone will always be my favorite Kurt Russell. I never wanna hurt my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? Age game, age game. Let's all rob the stagecoach. All right, so. Um, the way we did this earlier was as follows. So for every actor we'll give you, we'll give you two years plus or two years minus. So if you can oh, guess okay. within that bracket, then it's correct. So for instance, I am 44. So if you guess anywhere from 42 to 46, you'd be correct. So with that in mind, Liam got six out of nine right. No way. So I'm going to give oh, you the same wow. nine and see how, see how you do. All right, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay. Samuel L. Jackson. I it came out what year? Twenty December of twenty fifteen. Okay, he he had to have been in his sixties, uh, sixties at the time. So I'm going to say sixty two. 67. So no point there. We'll go to uh, the hangman, John Ruth, Kurt Russell. 
Oh, um, 66. You get the point there. He's 64, 64. So one for Julian. Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, 45. Leah made a similar guess, 53. Oh. Props to her for taking all that punishment at 53. Jeez. Yeah. Walton Goggins. That's Chris Mannix, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the other guy to sort of make it to the end of the movie. Uh, uh, the 32. 44. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> Senor Bob. Who I believe is oh. Demi and Bashir. Senor Bob. Eight thirty-eight. Fifty-two. Oh wow. <laughs> I think Liam's safe. Uh Tim Roth, who played Oswaldo, the 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 English guy. I I'm gonna go higher this time. Fifty-six. You get the point. Fifty-four. So there's a point for you there. All of them. <laughs> Uh, where are we at next? We are at uh, who's MM? Oh, Michael Madsen, who played Joe Gage, the uh, the cowboy of the group. Uh oh. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him like forty nine. Forty nine. He is fifty seven. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, is it Bob Dern? I want to think it's it's Bob Dern, the old man who plays uh, Colonel, Sa- not Colonel Sanders, General Sanders. Colonel Sanders <laughs> is making chicken. That's the second time I made the mistake. <laughs> I hope you don't edit that. Oh no, I'm, I'm leaving. I, I I leave him in. I leave him in. Uh, I'm gonna say he's like 81. 81. You know what? You get the point on that. He's seventy nine. Oh wow! See, I like. I just I knew I knew he was a lot older. And then finally, <laughs> Channing Tatum. Oh, um, the 31. 35. It's so close, close. But Liam takes that six to three. I was really impressed with how well he did because that's not an easy game. Yeah, it's not. Like, especially with the costuming, the beards, and then they're aged up some. Yeah. They look weather weary, and a lot of their faces are covered. Like, that, that is definitely I mean, Sonia Bob's good hat's him. down over his face the whole movie, pretty much, until his head explodes. Yeah. Until his head goes pop. Um, Probably their favorite. In uh, Sync's. I don't know. It's a bad joke. Remember that In Sync song? This must be pop. <laughs> Most expensive music video of the time of all time. Justin Timberlake raps for a bit. Or no, he does like beatboxing for a bit at the end of it. Um, So there we are. Uh, We suggested, if you like this film or episode, you'll like it. I mean, go check out the Tarantino kind of catalog in general. And then maybe go check out some of the old Westerns of the day. Go check out Tombstone. Go check out Unforgiven. Go check out things of that nature. Yeah. You you ever notice how Wyatt Earp and uh, um, uh, and why am I not thinking of the word? I'll be your Huckleberry. Uh, you you ever Billy Hall not Billy Bill oh my god oh, Doc Holiday Doc Holiday there it is Doc Holiday appears in almost like every Western film script and story it kind of makes you want to like wish almost wish you knew what the real like story was but yeah yeah it's that old I mean the old West is such an American um 
such an American ideal, this idea of this frontier, this untamed land, which is kind of a metaphor for America itself as it keeps pushing westward to stop itself from, you know, turning into just the Britain they left behind, keep pushing west, freedom and individual liberty and and a little bit of wildness. And I think that's why it's such a uh, such a pull for a movie, especially movies aimed at men for some reason. Um. And also still kind of been glorified in foreigners' perspective of what America must be like. I think that idea of the American cowboy is still an image that resonates globally. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and, I, like, and you know, it's crazy because uh, someone like me who, like, I experience cognitive dissonance every time. I'm like, I love stories of the Old West. At the same time, I'm like, I, I descend from natives of another country. So this is like also a reminder of what has happened to, you know, my brothers and sisters across the ocean. And then I'm like, but I, but I love the stories. And when I hate the stories, it's the first time I've heard the words cognitive dissonance on the pod. Well done. Well done. Oh, <laughs> uh, remember when I said air sats and you were like, what do you, <laughs> And anytime I use a, a psych term, you were you were the first one to notice it. Yeah, well, you know, I do. <laughs> I do try. I've got I've got a I got a first year psych course in me. That's all I got. But everybody had to do a first year psych course. I was talking about serial position effect today with my uh, with my line manager, with my uh, the senior vice principal at my school. I was like, hey, you know, serial position effect, and he was kind of. I, I think he might have tried to fake his way through it. I'm not sure if he knew exactly what I was talking about. But I was like, ha ha, love me that. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you what else I love. We love having Julene on every time that you bring something to the BFE. It's a conversation worth having. And you know what? Maybe there's a positive to, to what happened today. Because we were able to go to some sort of real places with the conversation today and talk about both both before the movie and, and during the movie itself, which um, sometimes when there's more people and you sort of want to bring everybody into the, the thing, you don't get the same sort of uh, nuance or dare I even say intimacy in the conversation that sometimes a one-on-one perspective can, can definitely have. And so uh, for anybody out there, um, Julene might have been one of the OGs with the BFE as far as like sort of finding out. She was the first one to suggest to us, have you thought about a Patreon? And it was something that was in my head, but I needed to hear someone else say it, I think, before he went ahead and pulled the trigger on it. So we always can't be more thankful for what Julene has has brought to us with her support of the podcast. And that's before there was a Patreon. I just mean her support by by making us believe that we were we were doing something all right over here at Studio of Awesomeness. The the great it was like one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. And and it's still to this day in my opinion like the greatest podcast ever ever <laughs> on on the so sorry to all my other podcast friends that do podcasts. I love you guys too, and I listen to you too. The it was like it was definitely like my first podcast experience. I was just kind of scrolling. My friends were like, "Have you ever listened to a podcast?" I was like, "No, nah, I don't know." 
<laughs> and you were talking about the resties and i was like about <laughs> like the worst movies and i was like please tell me wonder woman's there because i like really hated that movie she can't act the woman cannot act i don't care she's very pretty she looks the part she cannot act for i don't know what they did to get that 87 percent or 93 percent on rotten tomatoes but definitely not justified i i don't know and uh i watched angels with dirty faces that week that was a liam pick famously i think it might remain it's up there it's one of the oldest films we've ever done it might be the oldest film we've ever done it's up there for sure it's up there really not the not the one rosebud um it's so the short list is citizen kane angels with dirty faces singing in the rain those are probably our three oldest films i would guess yeah, true. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think it might be. I think Angels with Dirty Faces is 31, I want to say. So that would be hard to uh, to be. I want to think Rosebud is a little bit later, but by Rosebud, I mean Citizen Kane, of course. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I just I just remember Rosebud because it was, wasn't Rosebud. that the last thing? Yeah, that was the last thing he said. Yeah, it is the last thing he said. So, yeah, absolutely. And so uh, very very high praise from julian may may our output be worthy of such words because uh yeah it's uh it's definitely it bigs us up and by bigs us up i'm not saying it gives us a fat head if it, it just it just makes us feel validation for what we're trying and hoping hoping to be so uh as always it is a massive thank you julian are you still doing here it goes down in the in the in the pm you're doing mama's always right media what, what what's going on with you uh i have been doing a very walker vlog um i i got a job with that i had that i could use my degree in so i've been doing uh behavioral therapy i've been i've been working with children it's pretty rewarding i do miss it goes down in the pm i was planning this whole comeback thing um i was waiting on my big fish my big guest it did not go through like every time we yeah. scheduled it was like oh just kidding and i really started to feel and even though this guy is a celebrity author i was just like you know what i i gave you all this leeway forget about it i'm no longer interested in interviewing you because my time is valid valuable okay okay sir go ahead but um yeah the the, it goes down in the PM. Come back. Had to had to wait a little while, but it is happening. I promise it's happening. Just um, I'm getting getting some things together. It's happening. There I we guess. go. Don't call it a comeback, folks. She never left. There it is. Yeah. Hey. There we are. Um, my rating of this film is definitely gonna be like. I took points off because uh, because I was disappointed with the with the 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 climax and they spoiled Channing Tatum. So uh, I'll give it like eight point five out of ten bullets to the nuts. So uh, that's about it. I know. I know. Uh, Julian's got to run to work, and I got to run and make dinner. The eight hour time gap is very real. 
But as always, we want to thank Julian for coming on out. She's going to help me do the sign-off, which is always a big plus here on the BFE. You get to do the Liam line here. And for the second time, I'll remind you, please join us next week when we tackle the Richard Linklater film, School of Rock, next week. There we are. That's the one with Jack Black. That's the one with Jack Black. So there we are. Love got no rhythm. Love got no rhyme. Just get me to school on time. So four. Four best film ever. I've been Ian. I've been Jolene. And there's nothing left to say, but we'll catch you on the flippity flop. The flippity flip flop.